Whoopsie, looks like we had dead air. Sorry about that. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. That was Cool and the Gang's Fresh from 1984. And I guess I thought the song was longer than it actually was, or I was too slow doing things in the background. But you were listening to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. I am Todd dandruff Wotelis, and welcome to the show. Today is Wednesday, September 2nd, 2015. A lot of confusion, which is my fault, for uh, regarding the time we were starting the show. Actually, the date we're starting the show. First, it was going to be Tuesday, September 1st. That's what we announced last week. That's the regular date. Then it was going to be Thursday, September 3rd, because I was going to watch the Dodger game at home uh, yesterday and today. And then I decided today, ah, screw the Dodger game. I'm going to do the show anyway. Reason I said screw the Dodger game is they're up five and a half games now. They've won the first two in the series. I don't think this is like a super pivotal game anymore. So I decided just to skip the one tonight. I had to watch Granky and Bumgarner go at it, and that was a good game last night. But uh, this one I can skip. So here I am, and uh, I decided to do it tonight instead of tomorrow, where there may be a scheduling conflict with some other things I have to do. So people I see are kind of slowly streaming in here. The chat room barely had anyone at the beginning because people thought this was going to be tomorrow. So I think our live listenership is going to be lower than it usually is, but I have some good news for you if you are listening live, and that is you are much more likely to win the free roll if you're listening live because, well, put very simply, there's fewer people to play against. (laughs) So that's a good thing for you. If you're a live listener, the free roll, which I'm about to describe, is probably going to have very few people, and it's a $50 free roll. Now, this starts at 8.10 p.m. It's a cash free roll, and it's $50 in the prize pool. It'll be $25 for first, thirteen for, or sorry, $12 for second, $8 for third, $5 for fourth. That's $25, $12. Eight and five. It's on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. Now, I'm not going to go through the whole spiel about how you can qualify for the free money because there is a process that you have to adhere to or the rules of the free roll. I used to do that every week and repeat myself every single week for three and a half years. And then someone suggested to me, I'm tired of hearing this, so why don't you find a way to shorten this intro? So I did. So if you go to pokerfraudalert.com slash free roll, that's pokerfraudalert.com slash free roll, all lowercase, exactly as it sounds. You can read how to play the free roll, the rules of the free roll, how you qualify for the free money being given in the free roll, and I don't have to say it on here. Pokerfraudalert.com slash free roll. The money from this week, it didn't come from me. I never do that. I'm too cheap. But here's four people who were not cheap that gave money to add up to 50 bucks this week. Grenada Roger gave $5. Reno gave $25. I guess he's giving back to the community after he won some prizes here earlier this year. I met him during the World Series. I am Greek, $13. He frequently contributes. I appreciate that. And SMI Florida, another frequent contributor from Florida, as you might guess, $7 was donated to the free roll to make it even 50 So thank you guys for the $50 you gave for this. It starts at 8.10 p.m. with 25 minutes of late registration. Again, PokerFraudAlert.com free roll to find out more about it. If you want to call the show or if you want to communicate with me in a different way, there are various options you have. 
First of all, you can call the show at 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. You can also call the Mount Charleston line. Mount Charleston is a mountain that is near Las Vegas. It takes about 45 minutes to get there by car. I suggest you go there. It's an interesting diversion from Vegas, a very, very different place than Las Vegas, and it's not that far. I have an old rotary telephone that sits there. And it forwards to wherever I am. It's an old rotary telephone from the 1970s. It forwards to wherever I am. That phone number is 702-430-1808, 702-430-1808. I think the Mount Charleston Chamber of Commerce should give me a commission for advertising Mount Charleston on this show. I've had more than one person tell me that they listen to this show, and only because of me, only because of my suggestions, that they are going to Mount Charleston next time they go to Las Vegas. In fact, someone told me last week that he's going to be taking a hotel room out there with his wife and staying in Mount Charleston for one night. So, I don't know, maybe I should contact the Chamber of Commerce if they have one. It's a very small place. And see if they'll sponsor this show, because I certainly give them enough publicity. But I do actually go there. I'm not a phony. I I really go to Mount Charleston. If you want to text me during the show, I will read your text on the air unless you ask me in the first sentence not to do so. I'll also give you area code, but not your phone number. Your phone number will remain safe with me. It's the same as our main phone number, 775-372-8355, I will read your text on the air. You can also text me before or after the show. Anytime you feel like texting me, you can do so. I don't care if it's really late at night or early in the morning. Still text me. I don't care. And I will respond to you, too. So it's a way to get a hold of me whenever you want. If you want to chat in the chat room that is open to anyone listening live that has a flash-enabled device and a an account in good standing on the Poker Fraud Alert forum. Just click the chat button at the top of PokerFraudAlert.com. Go in there. I will not read the chat room that much. I will occasionally, but it's hard for me to do, especially when I don't have a co-host. So it's more to chat with the other listeners. But I, I look at it occasionally. I may even steal your material if you say something funny and make it seem like it came from me. So uh, I'll give you the quick rundown of the topics we're going to do tonight. And then I'll get right to them. I'm trying to make it so the intro to the show goes down from its usual 45 minutes to an hour to about uh, maybe 20 minutes. I think that's uh, about as short as I can make it. The chat room, let's see. Oh, Snowtrax is now complaining that he's not hearing the intro. See, I I can't can't win. Someone's asking if Lyman is going to be on. I'll, I'll talk about him shortly, but the short answer is I don't know. He may or may not be. If we don't get him on this week, we'll get him on next week. We, he, he has an, an agreement in theory to come on this show. It's just a matter of when. It may be tonight. It may be another time. These are, these are some Skype messages I'm getting. I know this is going to extend the intro, but I don't care. Okay, I'm going to chat with this person during the show, and you'll see why. It's not just a regular person. A person requested me to add them on Skype named Anita Doyle from Denver, Colorado. And I don't know any Anita Doyle, but I said, oh, what the hell? Let's see who this is. So I added them, and I said, who are you? And she says, well, before I tell you exactly who I am, I want to show you. Will you watch my cam show? 
I think you'll be very surprised about what you're about to see. Hmm. I'll be very surprised. Well, didn't mean to do that. (laughs) That's probably a good sound effect, though. I should have just gone with it. Yeah, I'll be very surprised with what I'm about to see. Yeah. Probably like a penis is what she means. So I said, sure, as long as it doesn't cost me any money or involve my credit card. Let me guess. It does, right? And she said, yay, someone to talk to. I'm a little forgetful, LOL. Have we chatted before? And I didn't answer for 15 minutes while I was getting the show ready. And she said, where did you go, LOL? So I don't know if I'm talking to a bot or uh, or a dude trying to get me to go to some campsite or actually a, a real female but trying to get me to go to some campsite. There's, a, there's obviously some campsite involved where they're going to try to get me to go there and give my credit card. But uh, here, I'm going to ask her a question. Let's see. Um, can you tell me if I have two fingers and I then see two more fingers, how many fingers do I have? The reason I'm phrasing this awkwardly is that I want... Sometimes you just say, like, what is two plus two? It's actually programmed to say four. So we'll see if we have a real-life human being here. Because if it's a bot, I'm not going to bother with it. But if it's a real-life human being, I'll jerk them around during the show. Maybe even get them to call in here. If they're still around. So I assume it just, like, searched random people on Skype and added me. I, I am curious what... I'll be surprised to see, though maybe I shouldn't be that curious. Maybe I'm going to see like a big penis pop up in my face and I'll be traumatized. Well, we will find out. Uh, someone asking me, am I using the same computer as last week? Yes, I am. Uh, I'm not using that old computer that was broadcasting the show in the past because uh, it doesn't work anymore. I can use it to browse the web, but I cannot use it for the show anymore. So I'm using Benjamin's mom's computer. I'm glad it sounds okay so far. Though we used it last week without incident. So the only thing that bothers me about this computer, I didn't realize it, is you cannot plug in a hardwired internet connection. You have to just go on wireless. So so much for that. Anyway, here's the agenda this week on this program. We may pick up a few co-hosts tonight. You may wonder where Brandon is. Brandon, and I, I knew this was going to be a problem. I said a few weeks ago when he talked about his new girlfriend that this is going to be an issue. I said, Brandon, I think I like you better signal. And I was right. Because while Brandon is very happy with his new girlfriend, he is now spending time with her instead of uh, spending time on this show. <laughs> Apparently she works five days a week, and the two nights she does not work are Tuesday and Wednesday. So he planned to be here if I had done the show tomorrow. But because I did it tonight, or if I had done it last night, then he can't make it. So we may eventually be faced with changing the day of this show to Thursday just to have Brandon on the show. But we'll see. He said he'll try to call in for at least a short segment later on. Traderski, he may come on at 8.30, he told me. So I'll have to fly solo for about half an hour. Anyway, here's the agenda tonight. The EPT Barcelona. Remember they had all these issues with hotel rooms being broken into and laptops stolen and security covering it up or maybe even being in on the break-ins and poker stars trying to cover it up. And I, I said they shouldn't go back there. They, they should not go back to EPT Barcelona. They should not go to Casino Barcelona. It's just not a secure place for poker players to play poker. I said that. I said poker stars can't just say, 
well, this isn't our fault. We're uh, we're going to shrug our shoulders and go back there anyway. They, Poker Stars has to take some responsibility when they choose a venue like that. Well, once again, I can say I told you so. I was proven right. There were two incidents that occurred, one worse than the other, at EPT Barcelona, one involving the tournament, one not involving the tournament. And we will talk about both of them in our first segment. I appeared on Live at the Bike, but this time on Live at the Bike, unlike the last time I was on there, I did not eat five pounds of food while on camera. (laughs) I did not. But I didn't play poker on Live at the Bike. I was not even a commentator. I appeared on what I actually didn't know exist existed before this week, and that was the Live at the Bike Poker Sesh radio show, which is very much like this one. It's a, an, a live internet radio show, except unlike this one, apparently they don't archive their programs very well, so I can't play back any part of my appearance, and I can't hear the parts that I missed, which is kind of annoying. But anyway, I was on there on Monday with the host, Lyman, who apparently has some things in common with me. He He's a commerce player. He is a 40-something Jew. He has an internet radio show where he rants about things in the poker world and is very opinionated and doesn't care who he pisses off. Sounds a lot like me, except uh, we had a big disconnect as far as our opinion on Melanie Wisner. He wanted me to come on and talk about Melanie Wisner and her situation with Lock Poker, which surprised me because she works her life at the bike. So how could they have me on there to bash one of their own employees? But hey, I took it. And of course, it didn't go as I hoped it would go. I will explain what happened there, and Lyman may even come on the show tonight. If he doesn't, he'll come on next week. So it's not over. It is not over between me and Lyman. The 2 Plus 2 Poker Cast. Well, that's a competing, I guess, in a way, radio show to this one. But I like the main host of the 2 Plus 2 Poker Cast, the longtime host, Adam Schwartz. He listens to this show every week. And he's a nice guy, and uh, I've always gotten along with him. Regardless of whether or not I'm banned or unbanned on 2 Plus 2, which right now I'm banned, and regardless of how much I don't like Mason Malmuth, and regardless of how much Mason doesn't like me, Adam and I have always had a good relationship, and, and I've respected what they do at the 2 Plus 2 Poker Cast. It's a bit of a cleaner show than this one, and it's not live, but uh, they cover a lot of the same topics we do, and Adam is often not afraid to state his opinion, even if it's controversial, so I, I give him props for that. But I've said before on this site that I don't take ads for the most part because I want to feel free to criticize whatever I want. So even though this has nothing to do with potential advertising, even though Adam Schwartz listens to the show regularly, and even though I like him, I am going to criticize the 2 Plus 2 Poker Cast this week. Yep. I, I have a problem with something they did. And I'll tell you what that is when we get to the segment. The Hialeah Casino... An Indian casino in Florida had its employees caught stealing out of the tournament prize pool. 
And not the same way that Who Jedi did it, where he fished tips out of a tip jar. I mean, they just stole out of the prize pool where people entered the tournament and uh, some of the money that was used to enter the tournament just disappeared. So we'll talk about that disturbing story. A poker fraud alert poster, a new poster on the site named Ship, has accused a U.S. Army lieutenant of scamming him of $5,000. I'll tell you a bit about what happened there and tell you where you can read all about it. A disgruntled poker star's former SEO manager tried to expose poker stars for what he claimed was many illegal activities, including getting addicted gamblers onto the site. Shame, shame, shame. So I will read some of the claims from this former SEO manager of poker stars, who at the very least is, has been verified to at least have been an employee there in some way. And then I will tell you my opinion, whether this guy is on the right track or if this is just an ex-employee who's just trying to slam them because he's mad at them. Matt Glantz is another person who listens to this show, very respected player, mostly in the tournament scene. But Matt Glantz is very well liked and respected and usually doesn't get involved in drama. Well, he has been victimized, apparently. He and Paul Volpe have been victimized according to them, by an individual named Craig Bateman who stiffed them on a World Series of Poker main event piece that they bought of his. We'll talk a bit about what occurred there. The Bicycle Casino has ditched its Quantum Reload format in the main event, but they still have it in some of the other events there. We'll talk about what the Quantum Reload format is and why it's bad and why Alan Kessler hates it. And... I won't make a full topic out of this, but congratulations to KevMath, who has been hired by Pocket Fives. KevMath, uh, he lost his job because Bluff went out of business, where he used to work. I said at the time, as did many people in poker, that KevMath is an asset to the poker community. He listened to this show, too. But even if he didn't, I'm very pro-KevMath because he's very helpful. And he gets nothing out of being helpful. He just, he just helps. This is a guy who gets enjoyment out of helping. He doesn't ask anyone for anything in return, ever. He is the most informative source for World Series matters, but he's never been an employee of the World Series, but he knows more than anyone. And he, he answers you really quickly. He never gives you an attitude. He has like 20-something thousand Twitter followers because everyone appreciates what he does. And in fact, people like him so much that uh, he gets bought into events at the World Series. I shouldn't say events, usually like the main event, where people either buy him in or buy him at a pretty high markup just to say thanks for everything he does for poker. He also gave me a free $10 voucher for uh, food at the Rio, and you know I appreciated that. So KevMath was hired by Pocket Fives. And I think that was a very good hire. And, you know, if I had something to hire him for, I would, but I don't. You know, we're a low-budget operation. I have zero employees on PokerFraudAlert.com. I guess I can say one employee if I count myself. General topics tonight. In the past, we've talked about or had porn star and hooker Jenny Anderson. I don't know if she's been on this show, but we've talked about her, and I know she's been... uh, on other shows that I've been 
involved with in the past, so a lot of you know who she is. She's on a farewell tour in Secaucus, New Jersey, of all places. We'll talk about that. More about the Ashley Madison hack. I wrote a blog on ToddWittellis.com that basically there are not any horny women out there who are looking for casual sex online. They just are not there. Am I saying you can't get laid online? No. No, you can. You can find women to have sex with online, but... Not women who are just looking to meet up with strangers to have casual sex. That is highly unusual, and Ashley Madison proved it. We'll talk about that. Finally, I'm sure all of you know about the tragedy that occurred in North Carolina at the TV station where a former employee snuck in and shot two former co-workers dead and recorded it on camera. And it ignited the whole debate about gun control again and crime in the U.S. And people from outside the U.S. are looking down on us saying that uh, we're a violent country and that we need gun control and that uh, it's getting worse and worse. How many people have to die before we finally take action? If you are watching this from the outside, especially from outside the U.S., but even if you're watching it from within the U.S. and do not look up the statistics, you would believe that... Crime is spiraling out of control in the United States, and we have to finally put a stop to it. But it's not. In fact, when you hear about what the actual violent crime statistics are in the U.S., and I mean real ones, not ones that are massaged by special interests or anything. I mean real statistics that uh, have been verified and basically accepted as accurate by just about all parties. You will be surprised, and you will... Wonder why the media is creating such a hysteria. So that'll be the last topic we do tonight. You never know what else will come up, especially if Brandon comes on the show. He always manages to get us into other hijinks and shenanigans. But that's the official agenda for this evening. Again, the phone number is 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. I don't know how long we've been on the air, but it seems like about 20 minutes, right? Free roll started four minutes ago, but you can still get in. You can still get in. Bobby Orr asking me not to change the radio show to Monday because he has a competing podcast. Apparently he has a, uh, a podcast about soccer. <laughs> okay, Bobby Orr. Just for you, I won't switch it to Monday so it doesn't compete with the podcast about soccer. I don't want to compete with that. So if we do switch, it'll be Thursday. Okay. It's in the chat room. T-Buck says, uh, Colonel Nigel Fabersham should call this army guy. I don't have the army guy's phone number. You know, the one who's accused of scamming. Otherwise, I would call him. T-Buck also saying, Brandon ain't showing. He's never had his head up a girl's ass as much as he does for his current girl and her son. Hmm. Well, you know, he did say that he's more into her than any girl that he's been with in his life. So, good for him. You know, Brandon's 40 years old. Brandon, it's time for him to settle down. It's time to him to stop being the whisperer and settle down. And if he's found someone that really makes him happy, that he thinks he could be with in the long term, great. I understand. I understand. Lou Father's saying I should take over Wednesday because uh, the person who did the radio show that used to be my partner on another site is never coming back. I don't know. He might come back, but he's kind of silent at the moment. But 
It's true. I, I shouldn't be shut out of Wednesdays. I, I did initially do this on Tuesday because I didn't want to conflict with that other show and have to make people choose, but I guess Wednesday's open too. John Stamos in chat saying, Damn, 40 sounds so old. Well, maybe to you. Uh, to me, it doesn't seem old because that was three years ago. I hope it's not old or I'm really old. And most of our listeners are around my age or older. I think the average age that listens to this show is right around my age. It's right around early 40s. So we've got some older, we've got some younger, but for the most part, it's kind of like demographics like 33 to 58, I think, if I had to say what the demographic is for this show. Of course, male. We've got a few females, though. We have one old woman who listens to the show. She's been a long-time listener. This isn't the type of show you'd picture an old woman would want to listen to, but she likes it, so good for her. That's nice. John Stamos saying that uh, me and Drexel don't seem 40. We both look younger and act younger. See, this is why I like this guy. This is why I like John Stamos. He says, I look younger and act younger than 40, and uh, he said he could have a normal meal with me. And that's good, too, that, that he could meet me in person and have a normal meal. <laughs> okay. All right, let's uh, get to our first topic. Don't want to get the people angry who say I waste too long before I get to anything. There's some people who listen to this show because they want to hear the scheduled topics about poker, and they, they get really mad when I just ramble at the beginning. So the EPT Barcelona. Uh, flashback to uh, what originally happened at uh, Barcelona, at the EPT Barcelona, and what ended up happening this year is not at all surprising. Flashback two years. And uh, a guy who calls himself Jeans, a longtime high-stakes player, on September 6, 2013, almost exactly two years ago, started a thread on 2 Plus 2, which now is, let's see how many pages, 91 pages, that's all. About some very shady stuff that happened there. And I'm not going to go through the whole story of jeans again. But I'll tell you a very quick summary. Basically, someone broke into his room. Someone tampered with his laptop and installed like a keylogger. Or I think even worse than a keylogger. I think something that actually could look at your screen. So uh, obviously for the purpose of watching him play online and seeing his whole cards. So that's kind of an odd crime. Because if it was just someone targeting random people at the hotel, they would steal things, but they wouldn't install something like that on there. That's something aimed directly at poker players. So how did they know that room belonged to a poker player? And this happened pretty quickly since you know, after he checked in. Even worse, when he tried to report this to security, they changed their story a million times. They were clearly covering it up. And... His laptop eventually reappeared somehow. And he never really got an explanation for that. Because it, it disappeared at one point. I, I left that part out. So his laptop... Uh, it, it, uh, it had been messed with. And then it disappeared. And then it, pop, it reappeared. And security had no explanation for any of this. When he tried to meet with them, their stories were all over the place. 
when he tried to meet with the Poker Stars rep, because this is a Poker Stars tournament, the EPT, the Poker Stars rep was very unhelpful and basically said, hey, look, just go home, we'll take care of this. And then they took care of nothing. It was basically a cover-up. They basically just wanted him to go back to his home country where he wouldn't uh, have any power to make a stink anymore over there. And then they did nothing. And Poker Stars never compensated him. And Poker Stars, in fact, returned the next year to EPT Barcelona. And uh, when asked about what they were going to do in order to prevent this in the future, Lee Jones said that they're going to hand out pamphlets to everyone regarding security of your stuff. (laughs) Yeah, that's really going to do a lot to solve the problem. So they came back there, and I said, that's a huge mistake. Why, Poker Stars, would you come back there? Why would you come back there when the people who came there to play your tournament had their laptops tampered with, security not only covered it up, but very well was in on it, wouldn't give you guys a straight answer, your own people helped them cover up the cover-up, How could anyone feel safe going back to EPT Barcelona? So I heard excuses. Oh, that's the only place they can play. That's the only place that uh, is licensed in Barcelona to be able to have a a tournament like this. So it's either Casino Barcelona or nothing. They can't switch to a different hotel. So you know what? PokerStars should have said, fine. No more EPT Barcelona. It's done. We're not coming back here. Unless you guys can promise major changes in security including a lot more accountability. So that was 2013. And, uh, oh boy, wow. I'm sorry if I'm, uh, I'm sorry if I'm about to, uh, if I'm distracted here, we just got some very... Big breaking news, which I'll tell you in a second. Wow. I don't even have the ESPN sound effect. I didn't transfer it over to my computer on broadcasting phone. But what what the hell? I'll, I'll interrupt this story about EPT Barcelona before I continue about what happened this year and give you the breaking news. We had a very, very... Uh, bad person that was on Neverwin Poker named Steve the Pimp. Steve the Pimp liked to scam people and hack accounts. Uh, Steve the Pimp, his MO was to either uh, pretend to be other people and convince other players to transfer money to his accounts like, for example, he created one in my name. He created a Todd Wittellis account on Party Poker and then was trying to get people to transfer money to him, pretending he was me, where he'd say, hey, you know, I'm Todd, you know me. Uh, why don't you send me you know, send me $3,000 over here on Party Poker? I'll send it back to you on Stars." And, and someone actually did. And then complained that I scammed them. So, of course, I, I looked into this and I called Party Poker. I actually got the money refunded back to the person who got cheated. But he did this all the time to other people. He did this to John Juanda. He did this to countless poker pros, myself included. Uh, He also had access somehow. I don't know how he did this. I think he just was in cahoots with someone. I don't think he was smart enough to do this. But uh, Steve DePimp also had access to basically break into any AOL mailbox of his choosing. 
and read their email. So he would also get people's email addresses and then reset their password on poker sites. I personally know somebody who had their account taken over by Steve on UB. And they they had to helplessly watch as he was playing high-stakes poker on their account on UB that he reset through their AOL account. And I know many other people, Steve, did this too as well. Steve victimized a lot of people this way. The only thing is he didn't make any money from it. He just like joy joy rode these accounts. He, he didn't have an exit strategy. He he didn't have a way to get the money off because he, he didn't really have anyone to dump the money to. And even if you do, it's kind of obvious. You know, the, the site will never let you cash out if you're caught hacking and dumping. But So he would just joy ride. He would hack people's accounts by resetting their password on AOL. And then you know, if they had an AOL email address that was registered, and then he would go on there and just play, play high stakes. And he wasn't a good player, so he'd typically lose. And then you'd just be out. You, there was nothing you could do about it. You couldn't get the money back because the people who beat him legitimately beat him. They weren't in on it. Anyway, that's old news, and he fortunately hasn't shown up on Poker Fraud Alert. His real name is Steve Coleman. But... uh Steve Coleman has gotten in trouble finally. When I had some contact with the FBI related to the Joe Seabock hacking, when they contacted me, I told them about Steve the Pimp, and they were interested, but they never really did anything. Anyway, sorry about that sound, or you'll hear why in a second. There's a new story, breaking news about Steve the Pimp. Actually, I guess it's not breaking news. I guess it's from May 17th, but I just sent it. I guess if I had seen the date, I wouldn't have... uh done it right now but since we're talking about it here it is for that murder arrest is our top story tonight here is what's happening now stephen coleman is charged with first degree murder he's accused of supplying a lethal dose of heroin to melody ann oxley back in february court records indicate he and his father knew she'd injected the drug and did not report her death right away a report just released from the medical examiner's office confirming oxley died of a lethal dose of heroin Coleman now being held in the South Central Regional Jail without bond. It is no secret that our state is suffering from a steady increase of drug abuse, especially heroin, and we remain number one in the nation for the rate of drug overdose deaths. It is likely we will just see more cases like this one where accused drug dealers face stiff charges when the people they supply end up dead. Eyewitness News reporter Chris Williams live in our studio now with more. Chris. Kara, police and prosecutors say punishing drug dealers is the next step in sending a strong message. That- All right, I think this is editorializing here, so I won't go into that. But this is actually from May, it turns out. But yeah, it's the same guy I saw. He is from Charleston, West Virginia. And it's the same guy. I see a picture of him. It says, it's not a secret West Virginia is suffering from a steady increase of drug abuse, especially heroin. And the state remains one of the top in the nation for rate of drug overdose deaths. It's likely more cases will come around like this one, where accused drug dealers face stiff charges when the people they supply end up dead. Police and prosecutors said punishing drug dealers is the next step in sending a strong message that drug abuse won't be tolerated. Others insist murder charges against alleged dealers is going too far. Stephen Coleman was arrested and charged with first-degree murder Saturday night for a death that happened on Valentine's Day. Jeez, it's a nice present. A criminal complaint file in... Kanawha County Magistrate Court said Coleman gave Melanie Oxley heroin that night, which he later overdosed on and died. I mean, I'm not even the one who did it, but that's cool, Coleman said. 
<laughs> is that his? Is that his reaction to being charged with murder? I'm not even the one who did it, but that's cool. <laughs> the complaint said Coleman's dad, Steve Slater, told police he had been using heroin with Oxley. Oxley was later found dead in his house. Officer said Slate also told them he got the heroin from his son, Steve. And the complaint also said Coleman admitted to giving them the drugs. This is a great family. Coleman's family, though, said he shouldn't be charged with murder. He did not stick the needle in that girl's arm. That girl shot up drugs all together. It was an accidental suicide. I agree it shouldn't be a murder charge, but geez, this guy's a real piece of work. So yeah, this is someone on Everyone Poker. Can you believe this? Steve Coleman, Steve the Pimp. Well, he's finally going to, going to jail for something. I estimated he probably shot off somewhere near a million dollars online from the accounts he hacked. This guy was really bad. He did it to a lot of people. I had a lot of people approach me and say, hey, Steve the Pimp, yeah, he got me too. Now, I tried to warn people. I tried to give people tips on how to avoid this. But no one was interested. We tried to report it. No one was interested. So yeah, Steve the Pimp is in prison. First degree murder for giving heroin to someone who overdosed. His father's girlfriend or something. Wow, what a family. Can you imagine you're doing heroin with your girlfriend and like your son's the one giving it to you? <laughs> Real shocker that Steve ended up the way he did. All right, let's get back to the EPT Barcelona. Let's see what the chat room has to say. Yeah, they just posted the link and Yeah. Steve did try to extort someone one time, but I don't know. It's just that's the one thing that will interest the FBI if you try to extort money. Like the reason that guy got busted for hacking Joe Seabach and posting a picture of his penis wasn't because of the penis. They actually the FBI got mad about the extortion part where they told Seabach either give us money or we're gonna post your penis. That, that's what got the FBI interested. Not the penis part, not the hacking part. They they only cared about the extortion part. That's what really got the FBI's goat. So, Steve did try on one occasion to extort, but by the time it was reported, it was years later. So, the rest of the time, he was just joyriding. He even hacked sports betting accounts. It was like betting on sports, too. He, he just did it to do it. He wasn't even... Expecting to gain much from it or anything. So back to the EPT Barcelona. So basically, uh, lots of shenanigans happened there that were targeting poker players. There was rumors that the uh, Swedish uh, mafia there, what was it, the, I forgot what they were called, the Bandidos, that's right, the biker Bandidos, that they were involved in some way because some of those people were involved in other keylogger type or, or uh, super user type crimes where they could see people's screens, see people's whole cards who were associated with the Swedish biker bandito. So it was thought that these people, they were involved again. It was never really proven, but it, it did have something to do with Sweden, they found, by investigating these computers. But nothing ended up being done criminally to those who victimized the poker players at EPT Barcelona. But think about that. You know, you go for a poker star's high limit tournament and your laptop gets tampered with 
and compromise and software is put on there to see your hole cards at a PokerStars tournament, and PokerStars won't help you. And security covers it up. So PokerStars went back there. Now, two years later, we have more problems. And I have to say, I told you so. Now, unfortunately, the bigger story of the two is the one that's less of a big deal. One of them is more about angle shooting and the poker room being too complicit with it. And the other one is something really disturbing that happened at the tournament itself. But let's talk about the first thing. And then we will get to the second one that's a bigger deal. The first thing, Danny Stern says he was cheated out of 18,000 euros at a Casino Barcelona PLO game. He said that what happened was there was a it was a 100-200 euro pot limit Omaha cash game. And uh, these were not games run by poker stars. This is just run by Casino Barcelona, but it takes place in the same casino where the Poker Stars tournament takes place. So he was only there because of EPT Barcelona, as were many other players from outside of Barcelona. So that's, you know, Poker Stars brought all these people over there. So they, they should have some say in what goes on in the casino. Anyway, there's a big three way pot, and uh, everybody got in all their chips on the flop. So they decided that they're going to run it twice. Everybody agreed to run it twice, which for those of you that don't know what that means, it means uh, that when they put out the turn in river to see who ends up winning the hand, that instead of just doing it one time, and there's only one winner, uh, they do it two times to reduce variance. This way, if you have a draw and you miss the draw, then you don't lose the entire hand. You you get a second chance to make it, and if you make the draw the second time, then you you get half the pot. That's what running it twice means. It's basically... Running, making like the identical hand happened two times instead of once with the same money in there. It's a way to cut down on variance. It's also a way people protect made hands, where if you have you know, top set and you get you, the nuts go all in against the flush draw, that if the flush draw sucks out on you, that you have another chance for it not to suck out on you. So you, you get it. So everyone agreed to run it twice. And the first time they ran it out, Danny Stern won. The second time, the player in the big blind won. Well, the problem was that the player in the big blind claimed that the running it twice only applied to the side pot. And he said house rules, this is a local, he said house rules say that you cannot run it twice in multi-way pots, even if everyone agrees. So he was saying that uh, the main pot, that is the money that went in after the shortest stack uh, got his money in, or shall I say before, the, the money that everybody had in there. The side pot is uh, the money that went in after the first guy was all in, the additional money. That's the side pot. The main pot is the money that had everyone's money in. So the player claimed that you can only run it twice on side pots, but the main pot, you can't do that. So the floor said, oh, no, 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 you guys all agreed to run it twice. That means run it twice for everything. So, yeah, Danny Stern 
won the first one. But then it turned out that another floor man, who wouldn't give his name, by the way, he just gave, they he said, what's your name? Uh, Yuha Helpi, who was in the game, was a known player, I know him. They asked uh, this manager who reversed the decision, what is your name? And he said, my name is Poker Manager. <laughs> that's, that's really what he said. He, he was asked repeatedly what his name was. He just kept saying, my name is Poker Manager. <laughs> but he overruled the other floor men, reversed the decision, and awarded the entire 36,000 euro pot to the big blind. So um, the main pot, which was yeah, 36,000 euros, all went to the big blind because the big blind uh, won the first one. And Danny Stern ran the second. So the second run out no longer counted. So Danny Stern just lost the entire main pot. Well, apparently those are really the house rules there at EPT Barcelona, EPT, at uh, Casino Barcelona. That is the house rule that you can only run it twice on heads-up pots, which means the side pot in this case. If there's more than two players in, you cannot run it twice. That's the house rules. So the floor, the guy who called himself poker manager said, look, these are the house rules. We got to stick to them. I don't care what you guys agree to. You agreed to something invalid. Now, the guy who agreed to it in the big blind, he's a local who must have known this. He was angle shooting. And and he gained from it. He angle shot. If he, if he ended up uh, winning in reverse, if he won the second one and Danny won the first, I'm sure he would have said nothing and take, happily taken his half. So the guy was definitely angle shooting here. The problem here is that this is not an obvious rule. And the dealer didn't know. The other floorman didn't know. Only this poker manager knew the actual house rule. Now, Danny Stern claims that he thinks this would not have been enforced in this way if it was reversed and it was him versus the local. That's possible, but we don't know for sure. It does seem to have been verified that this is technically the house rule. But at the same time, if they're not enforcing it all the time, and at the same time, if locals are taking advantage of this rule, say, hey, let's run it twice, knowing full well that if they get the short end of the running it twice, if they can claim that they want the whole thing invalidated and they want the run it twice done away with retroactively. So they agree to it first, and then uh, it turns out, oh, no, 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 we can't do that. Like, like, how could the guy possibly agree to it and then complain afterwards? Obviously, this was an angle shoot. The problem, in my opinion, see, a lot of people are defending Casino Barcelona here, saying, look, they're just enforcing the rules. But this is a rule that was hard to know. And it can be taken advantage of this way. And I don't believe this player was thrown out or anything like that. So if they're going to rule in favor of that player who angled here, they should throw him out. They should rule in his favor and throw him out. But I think what they should do, what they should have done, was made a common sense decision that the player who 
did this, especially being a local, must have known better, that he was angle shooting, that everyone agreed to it, but that in the future now everybody at the table knows. This one time, because it had some people from out of the country, and this local who apparently claimed to not know until he lost the pot, they're going to let it go this one time, and it would be fair to everyone because everyone agreed to it, but that in the future, this is the rule. If, if this ever comes up again with these players who are sitting at the table, then uh, the rule is going to be enforced. And if anyone tries to angle shoot this rule in the future, they're going to get nothing and be banned. That would have been the right response here. But instead they gave the entire pot to the big blind who angle shot. So that's really bad. So some people are saying Danny Stern should get a lawyer, he should go to the police, he should do this, he should do that. Yeah, right. Good luck going to a lawyer in Spain over an angle shoot in a poker room. There's no chance you'll win that one. No chance. Why is someone calling my phone here? I'm not going to answer this. Amateur hour here. So yeah, sometimes it's not just what the rule is, it's whether the rule is something that you're likely to know. And if people can take advantage of you not knowing. Let me tell you a totally different situation which actually has some similarity. When I was in high school, I found a parking ticket on my car. I I had to park on the street because uh, the student parking lot was full, as it often was. So I parked on the street. It looked like a legal spot. There were no signs saying no parking. There was no red curb or anything. It was a totally normal parking spot on a residential street. I found a parking ticket. The parking ticket said, parking within 20 feet of a stop sign. Have you ever heard of that law before? You can't park within 20 feet of a stop sign? I had never heard of that law before. Turned out that was not a California state law. In California, it's legal to park within 20 feet of a stop sign, unless otherwise stated. Well, The problem is, city governments have the right to pass funny laws that supersede the state laws on things like this. So this city, where my high school was in, as a form of revenue, passed a law that nobody knew, on purpose, that you can't park within 20 feet of the stop sign, and then gave people tickets for it. Now, if you took this ticket to court, you would win every time. But they expect most people not to. It was like a a legalized scam done by the city. So I showed my mom this. I was like 16 years old. They're not going to respect me if I call up and complain about this. And they, they did that on purpose. They, they're victimizing the high school students they know that uh, aren't going to have the real ability to complain about this or get any respect if they do. So I gave this to my mom, and my mom called up the police department and said, this is BS. Todd had no way to know this. There's no sign. This is not a law that's common anywhere. This is not well known. This is an obscure law you guys have that nobody knows about. You can't give a ticket based on that. So the guy's arguing with my mom. I said, okay, we're going to court. And the guy's like, you know what? Just rip up the ticket. We'll, we'll do away with it. And they, they killed the ticket like it never happened. But only when my mom said we're going to court. Then they, they didn't want to waste their time in court where they knew they'd lose. So how's that like this? Well, I parked by that stop sign because I had no way to know about that law. There's no way I could have possibly thought that I couldn't park within 20 feet of a stop sign. So 
similarly, this is not a well-known thing in poker, even though I guess this rule does exist in some rooms. It's not a well-known or well-enforced thing in poker that you can't run it twice in multi-way pots. So Danny Stern, who's an experienced pro, he had never heard of this before. Most of us have never heard of this. I've never heard of this before. So this allows locals to angle shoot. And when you have an obscure rule that allows locals to angle shoot, then the poker room has to take action to prevent it. It's not just a matter of, well, this is the rule, so we enforce it. What if the rule at Casino Barcelona was that if you rub your eyes while they're running out the hand, you automatically lose the hand? What, what if that's the rule? What if that's a house rule that's printed somewhere, but not, not easily seen, but just printed somewhere buried in their rule book, that if you rub your eyes while they're r- running out the, the turn in the river, you automatically lose the hand? So some guy at the, at the table rubs his eyes, who's in the hand, and he loses. Would you think that's fair? No. Why? Because he would have no way to know that. Well, everybody else in the game who's, who's been there before would know it. You can't have these obscure rules where they greatly benefit those who are in the know versus those not in the know. That's not the point of poker room rules. So this is pretty bad. Now, this happened at Casino Barcelona. Not the EPT Barcelona, but it happened during EPT Barcelona. Just not in the same room as the tournament takes place, obviously. And no, Poker Stars is not running these games. But again, they are there to play the EPT Barcelona. And Poker Stars has no problem with their players being abused by Casino Barcelona and the hotel associated with Casino Barcelona. They have no problem with this. Poker Stars' attitude is, as long as our employees are not the ones abusing you or stealing from you or angle shooting you, we're cool with it. It doesn't matter what happens here, as long as we're not the ones who did it. If, if we lead you lambs to the slaughter, as long as we didn't slaughter you, it's okay, according to Poker Stars. And that has always bothered me. That bothered me two years ago. It bothers me now. Now, here is another story, another lovely story that's even more disturbing than this one. That was the minor story compared to this one. This is the major story. This is posted on August 28th of this year. That is less than a week ago. On 2 Plus 2. Hello, this is Jason Moe. The following events happened yesterday on day three of the main event here in Barcelona. This is the EPT Barcelona main event. So no longer can they say this isn't our tournament, this isn't our cash game. Yes, it is here. Before the break of the $5,000 main event here, we were notified that we would color up the pink $500 chips. That's $500 tournament chips, not really real value. uh, At the end of the level. I was asked to buy up all the pink chips on the table, and I did that. Before the break, I lost a big pot, so I counted my stack, which totaled somewhere between 340 and 350K. I had a full rack of pinks, which totals 50K. You know, full, a rack is 100 chips, so 100 times 500 is 50K. Two stacks of blue chips, meaning uh, you know, blue chips are 5K each, so that means they're, a stack is 20 chips, so that means he has 100, each one is 100k, he's basically saying he had 40 blue chips, so that's another 200, and three stacks of yellow chips, which are 1k each, which means that's 60k, and some leftover chips in 5k's and 1k's and 500's that I set on top of my stacks, that included six blue chips, 
for 30k, and the remaining smaller chips I had in 1ks and 500s. If, if that confuses you, don't worry. That's not important. The, the bottom line is the guy remembers very well everything he has. I go off to break and come back, and my stack looks nothing like it did when I left it before the co- color-up. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if you guys have played live tournaments before. Probably most of you have if you're listening to this show. I know we have some poker fans here rather than poker players, but you've probably played like a local tournament, even even a cheap one, that you go on break and you... It feels a little funny. It just feels funny especially if you have a big stack, to just leave your chips there. You, you always have in the back of your mind, what if something happens to my chips? Or what if I come back and there's fewer chips than, than there were when the break started? What if someone steals my chips? Now, the dealer is supposed to sit there and watch this, that this doesn't happen during the break. But I, I still feel funny. Even at the World Series of Poker, I feel funny leaving my chips there. I don't have a choice. You can't take them with you. If you take them with you, then you're, you lose those chips. They take them away from you. So you're forced to, but it feels funny. It feels funny when I go to break with a big stack and I know I have to just leave them there, especially like a dinner break for 90 minutes. So that's your, like your worst tournament nightmare is to leave with a lot of chips and come back and there's very few. I've actually had literal nightmares like this. I've had World Series of Poker nightmares. I'm not even kidding, where I go to a break with a lot of chips and I come back and like they're all gone or mostly gone. I've really had that nightmare before. Okay. So this guy had the real life nightmare where he comes back and his stack has completely changed. So he says, one of my 100K blue uh, chip stacks was gone. One of my 20K yellow stacks was gone. Remember the yellows are 1K each, so he had 20 stacks. That's just gone. He had 20, 20 chips in a stack. That's just gone. And the rack of 50K and 500s was gone and replaced with five green chips. Everything was replaced with five green chips. I counted up my stack, and it was exactly 310. Now, let me explain what happened here. You might wonder how he got the three, the five green chips worth 25K each. Yeah, where'd those come from? What happens sometimes, and this is legitimate, is that when they're doing these color-ups, and a color-up, for those of you that don't know, is when they're taking lower denomination chips off the table and... Uh, replacing them with higher value chips. So, for example, the first ones to color up are the $25 chips. And they do this because the blinds keep increasing, of course. So when you don't need the $25 chips anymore, uh, they do what's known as a color up. And let's say I buy up all the green $25 chips and I end up with $3,000 worth of them. While I'm at break, they will replace my racks of $25 chips that total $3,000 with just three $1,000 chips. Okay, so that's very common. It's also happening occasionally, and I, I don't like when this happens for the reason that this guy's talking about. Sometimes they will replace other chips there. If they, if they see I have like too many $100 chips, they may also choose to replace those at the same time. I don't like that because it can invite mistakes. So this is what the guy's saying happened here, that uh, he counted his stack and it was down to 310K instead of 340 to 350. So he says, I called the floor over and asked them what happened. They said the number was right, and I was the one in the wrong here. Several people at my table tell the floor that for sure I had more chips going into the break. Because, you know, other players, they were seeing how many he had because, you know, they're playing against him. They want to know how many chips he has, how much he could damage their stack if uh, they go up against him. So they're like, no, he had more than 310 for sure. Eventually, the floor woman brings over two older guys that I assume were the tournament directors or at least people that outranked her. 
This is where stuff gets interesting. By the way, I think all of this was caught on the live stream and the players at my table can verify this went down. I explained that I'm missing chips. They say that because the total in the middle of the table after the color-up totals the number of larger chips that were put into play, there could be no mistake. I ask how they're sure. Is it possible that during the color-up the chips were incorrectly distributed among the players? They don't really have a good answer for that. And they say something to the effect of, well, the dealer and tournament director were there, so everything's fine. So, so basically what they're saying here is that uh, they know that uh, the chips that they took off the table and the chips that they left back on the table of higher value were equivalent. So they, they say, look, everything we left here equals what we took here, just in different denomination chips, but it, it's equal, so there's no way there could be a mistake. And he's like, well, yes, there could be. You could have given too much to someone and taken too much from me. So it's like, oh, uh, well, the, the, de- the dealer was here, the tournament director was here, it had to everything be fine. So he says, I have a solution. Why don't you check the cameras? He says, look, I'm very meticulous about my stack. I always know where I, what I have, and I know I wouldn't make an obvious mistake like that for that amount. The floor man says, you'll love this one, there are no cameras here. <laughs> Can you imagine that casino with no cameras? So he asks, why not? He says, why are there no cameras here? And the floor man tells him that cameras are expensive and they would cut into their profits. (laughs) He really said this. (laughs) I talk about a bad answer, even if it's the truth. (laughs) Can you imagine the answer? Cameras are too expensive. It's going to cut into our profits so we just don't have them. So he says, at this point, I'm living. I cannot believe they would actually use that as a reason. I ask, how do you make sure that no, none of the stacks are tampered with or chips aren't stolen off the table they, or that uh, people don't sneak additional chips onto their stacks? They respond that the dealers are always at the tables, and that's the end of discussion. So he says, anyway, just to prove my point throughout the day, I randomly take a few chips off my neighbor's stack while the dealer is looking the other way, which I, I think is pretty risky. You can get in trouble for that, but he did anyway. Each time I return them, but I ask the dealer if he knows what I did, and he has no clue. Throughout the day, I get multiple people messaging me saying that they have had the same thing happen. In one of the high rollers, Ben86, who is uh, another player, had the exact same thing happen to him and was treated the same way. It's as if they think high-stakes players that have played years of poker can't count their chip stacks correctly, then brush off the issue. I asked to speak with the floor after the tournament, and they declined, tweeted at them multiple times without a response, so I really have no choice but to post here. So, uh, this is awful. And Ben86, by the way, came out and verified this. People were suggesting in the thread, take a picture of your stack. It's the only defense you have to this before you go on break. So basically, there's no cameras, or they claim there's no cameras. And the dealers are clueless, and uh, he even proved this by stealing chips off his neighbor's stack, not really stealing, but temporarily taking them to prove a point and then returning them. You know, when the guy's looking the other way. So, so basically, he demonstrated look how easy it is to steal here and no one caught it. So he's saying, look, it, it looks like a number of people are getting 
chips stolen off their stack. So what he suspects, and I think is probably true, is that someone who played there knew this, that they have no way to catch chip stealers. And during the break, maybe someone came back slightly earlier from break than he did, just grabbed chips off the stack and moved it to their stack. And you can't tell who did it unless you have a perfect count of everyone's stack. You know, he lost probably about 40K, so someone quickly grabs 40K off of him. Moves it to their stack when nobody's looking. No cameras, no one around to see. You get away with it. There's no way to tell. So this is really bad. And this happened at a Poker Stars tournament. At the EPT Barcelona main event. How can Poker Stars run a tournament like this? This isn't the first year either. I mean, this is this has been going on for a while there. Not not the chip stack problems, unless we haven't heard of it, but this tournament has existed. How, how can it be this way? How can there be no cameras where it's too expensive to have them and where it's so easy to steal from people? So between what happened to that jeans guy two years ago with the laptop thefts and tampering and the security covering it up and the, and the angles shooting at the cash games and, and now this here with a chip stealing at the tournament? PokerStars needs to shut it down. PokerStars needs either one of two things. Either they need to have some sort of strong jurisdiction over what Casino Barcelona does. There needs to be some accountability where, where uh, Casino Barcelona temporarily appoints Poker Stars managers as managers of the poker area of Casino Barcelona, where they have some power, or they need to leave. And I think they should just leave. They should just say, I don't think many people are going to complain if Poker Stars says, look, there's too many incidents here. We can't trust this place. We're quitting. We're leaving. The Poker Stars brand is too important, and our players are too important to continue over here, where apparently security is not up to snuff. And I don't think you get many people saying, oh, come on, man, just keep going back there. It's fine if they steal it from us. Like, no one's going to say that. So why does PokerStars keep coming back? Why does PokerStars keep returning to EBT Barcelona when these things keep happening and when their players get victimized? I'll give you a hint. One million dollars. Yeah, more than that. Times, I don't know how many. That's why they keep coming back. They, they don't give a crap about you. They want to make their money. Canceling the EPT Barcelona will cost them a lot of money. And they don't want to lose that money. They'd rather you get stolen from. They'd rather angle shoots, angle shots happen against you. That's what they would rather. See, this is the type of thing... It bothers me about poker stars. They they do a lot of things well, but the fact that they allow this to happen over and over and over again and don't care, they're, they're so bad with live tournaments, poker stars. They are so bad. So many different issues happen at their PCA in the Bahamas. So many issues keep happening here. They never get it right at the time. They never get it right after the fact. They never make people whole. Just kind of tough luck, too bad on you is their attitude. That's why I'm not really rooting for them to get a license. All right, here's some texts we got. Not about this, but 
Here's some text we got. From the 734 area code, shout out to Jenny Anderson's gallbladder. <laughs> From the 470 area code, I see why people don't like Vanessa Ruchos. She is annoying as fuck. Yeah, I've been saying that for years. From the 765 area code, uh, something to maybe talk about on the next show. The free buy super series on winning poker network through 19 events have had nearly 8.5 K in overlay and had to, t- had to cancel three events due to quote technical difficulties. Is there a reason for concern about winning poker network and player funds? Didn't lock start making these really juicy tournaments and promotions right before they started not paying out. Uh, I'm not sure if I understand you. If they're canceling events with overlays, then that's totally different. It sounds like what they're just trying to do is avoid an overlay, which is kind of crappy, but it's not the same thing. Let's see here. In the 470 area code, I think same guy. This is from last week. Thanks for the shows. However, this episode, that is last, year, last week, wasn't that great or entertaining like when Brandon was on. Sorry, I just wanted to say this. Well, thank you. <laughs> and uh, someone asking me, uh, I think it's from last week. I think I already read this last week, so I won't read it again. So that's the text we've gotten so far on 775 fraud 55 775-372-8355. Let's see here. Yeah, see that I, I got an answer back from Anita Doyle. I asked her if I have two fingers and then see two more fingers, how many fingers do I have? Here's the brilliant answer to that. I don't think so, hun, but can we get to know each other better and maybe exchange phone numbers if you're comfortable with that? So obviously it's a bot. But I, I, okay, she's throwing up a phone number. I I would like that. <laughs> I'll call up whatever the hell this is. Sure, let me have your number. See, exchange phone numbers isn't that bad. I, I was sure she was going to send me over to a website. That I was not going to do. I'll, I'll call her. I'm not going to give her my number. I, actually, I will give her my number. I'll give her the radio number. What am I thinking? I got a phone number to give out right here. I just gave it to you guys. Lord knows some of you I, I wouldn't trust with a private number. So <laughs> I can trust Anita Doyle with it. I'm sure she is worthy of having my number. Just got a text from uh, 613. Looking forward to listening to the podcast tomorrow. I guess this guy's not even listening right now. That's great. Long-time listener since the start of the Neverwin podcast when it was a bunch of you guys. I was addicted to poker podcasts, and yours is the only one I still find interesting. Thank you. At least this guy's not saying I'm boring without Brandon. Uh, just wanted you to know that I really enjoy your show. Thank you from Thank you to the 613. No response from Anita Doyle yet. Let's see what the chat room has to say. No, see, I'm being told uh, Danny Stern should be pronounced Donnie. Well, look, it's spelled D-A-N-I. Truthfully, when I first read about Danny or Donnie Stern, I thought it was a girl. I was like, oh, Danny Stern. I wonder if she's hot. And I saw a picture of her, and I'm like, eh, not so much. Bobby Orr is asking me 
how do they lose money at Poker Stars if they just replace it on the calendar? Well, because the EPT Barcelona is an established event, and they just if they make a new event, maybe people don't want to go to that location. It's not as established. It's not as interesting. You know, it's you have an established event that a lot of people like. It's it's hard to just get rid of it, but they should. Grenada Rider saying maybe the old Poker Stars would go somewhere. Would go somewhere else and not stay at Barcelona, but the Amaya Poker Stars will stay. That's not true because the old Poker Stars was in place when the first thing happened. Caller, you on the air? Hello. Yep, you got to turn off the radio in the background. Got to kill it. Sorry. There you go. All right. It's a Spartan. Spartan. Hello. So, just wanted to answer that question about that guy with the free buy series. Uh, winning poker network is always canceling, uh, um, especially free buys, the first one, they had a first series, and whenever there's a big overlay, they always cancel it, and even occasionally on a scheduled tournament, they'll cancel it if there's a big overlay. Uh, so that's so not a big deal is what you're saying. They just, they just do it. No, no, it's not a big deal. At least, they're, at least they're still financially solvent, at least I think. You know, they, they still pay out quickly, and there's a non-issue with that. So just being, I guess, fiscally responsible, even though it's a pain in the ass for the players. Okay. All right. Thanks. Thanks for the update there. You got it, man. All right. Thank you. He, I think he needs a new cell phone there, at least a better reception where he is, because that, that sounded pretty brutal. But thanks for the, the information. Uh, <laughs> I got a response back from Anita Doyle. She says, my cell is http colon slash slash blah 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 dot xlocaldates.com. Please don't give that out. So uh, somehow I'm supposed to think that a URL starting with http is her phone number. <laughs> I mean, that's too ridiculous even for the typical idiot looking for phone sex on Skype. So I wrote back, that's not a phone number, dumbass. And she says, hmm, okay. Your username seemed familiar. LOL, sorry. I was just looking for someone to chat with. I hope you want to chat with a bored single 23 slash F LOL, so you single. Okay, I'm tired of this. Even though she's a bored single 23 slash F LOL. Uh, I can't go further with this. If she was a real 23 F single LOL, I might really do it. But not a 23 F single bot LOL. Not good enough. Someone's saying there's a picture of a dead child on the site. Can you remove it? Yeah, it's about that child who washed up on the beach. I, sh- I should kill the picture or put it in spoiler tags or something. Please, if you're going to post on the forum, put it in spoiler tags. Don't just post that there. All right, so let's go to the next topic. In fact, let's see if uh, we can get a certain individual on this show with me for this next topic. See if we can get him. I went on the Live at the Bike Poker Sesh show, which is apparently a show that... Oh, I, I, I can't. I can do it. Good. I can call him. Apparently, the Poker Sesh show is a live internet show that's run off of liveatthebike.com. Live at the Bike is the bicycle club in Los Angeles' live broadcast that they 
they usually broadcast live poker cash games on there. I even appeared once playing 4080 Limit Hold'em. So I guess they have an internet radio show every Monday night broadcasting on liveatthebike.com by a guy who calls himself Lyman, who I believe is a 40-something-year-old Jewish guy who lives in L.A., plays a lot of commerce and at the bike, I guess. He posts on 2 Plus 2. I've seen him post a number of times there. Didn't really know the guy. I, I guess he's somewhat known, but I, I really didn't know him, and he didn't really know me. So he ended up in a discussion on Twitter about Melanie Wisner. The reason he ended up in this discussion was that Melanie Wisner also works for Live at the Bike. And Melanie Wisner was taking a lot of flack recently, and by extension, so was Live at the Bike, because of her history with lock poker. What is her history with lock poker? Well, she was one of the live one of the lock poker pros who was promoting the site. Now you can say, well, that describes a lot of people. But Melanie was promoting lock poker actively on her Twitter and wearing lock patches at tournaments, live tournaments, even well after it was discovered that lock poker was a scam and they weren't paying anyone. So people were getting really pissed off at the time that Melanie was coldly promoting lock poker to innocent dopes who didn't know what they were getting into when she knew, and I know she knew because I discussed it with her and because she participated in the discussion about the matter on 2 Plus 2 at the time, this is back in 2013, that lock was a scam and wasn't paying anyone. And yet she was still promoting it. Melanie also benefited from 25% commission on priority cash-outs that she was doing for people because people couldn't get their money off lock. Their money was stuck there, and Melanie, being a site pro, was getting, quote, priority cash-outs, meaning that she was able to cash out when others weren't. So rather than cash out people for free that way, saying, hey, I'm sorry I led you over here. I'm sorry that I led a lot of people over here through my promotion— the very least I'm going to do is use my priority cash outs to get your money off. So just transfer me whatever you want to get off and I'll cash it out and I'll give it to you with no VIG. I won't take any commission off of it. No, she made 25% off of each priority cash out at the point when the confidence in lock poker was already so low that it was trading at 65 cents on the dollar on 2 plus 2. So she would come to people and say, hey, I can give it to you for 75 cents on the dollar. And people go, oh, wow. And I have priority cash-outs. I can get it out fast. And she took the 25% for herself. See, the people who were taking the 65 cents on 2 plus 2, at least they were taking this on the risk that they would never get their money. And guess what? They never did. Melanie had very little risk because she could cash it out right away and get it within a week. I talked with Melanie personally in May of 2013. She was getting mad that I was slamming her for actively promoting Locke when it had been about five months since anyone got paid. I said, how could you still be promoting this? How could you be trying to get your fans to sign up for a site like this who is not paying anyone? How could you be tweeting, join me in the 100K Locke guaranteed right now? How can you be wearing their patch when you play live events? So she said, look, please, please, please stop slamming me. Please stop trashing me. Let me explain to you what's going on. 
She said, and she really said this. She said, Todd, I really respect you, which I, I doubt she respects me. I'm sure she was just saying that to butter me up. She said, I really respect you. And I know a lot of other people respect your opinion. And I'm afraid that if you keep trashing me, my rep is just going to be in the toilet. And I'm really trying to help. I'm just helping behind the scenes. So I'm really on your guys' side. And so are some other people, some of the other lock pros. You know, They're working with me to talk to Jennifer Larson, the CEO there, and convince her that she has to start paying out immediately and make things better immediately. And we have a dialogue with her. And if we all quit, then we won't have that anymore. And that's really the only way to save everyone's money is to make Jennifer aware of how dire it's getting. And we can only do this from our end. And we can kind of be the eyes and ears into the situation and let you guys know that. I'm like, you know what, Melanie, this kind of sounds suspicious to me. Like, you know, you're saying you're staying there on the payroll so you could work for us. You could be our advocates while you were on their payroll. We've heard this before from Joe Seabach, and we saw how that worked out with UB. How's this different? She said, look... We are all going to quit in June if this does not improve. So we're trying. We're reasoning with Jennifer. Jennifer seems very, very committed to turn this around. We believe her. But if for whatever reason she doesn't come through with her promises about things improving by June, then we will believe all the skeptics and we're going to quit. And I said, ah, okay. Okay, Melanie. I will stop bashing you until June. I will wait and see what happens. So June came, and Melanie did not quit. I tried to talk to her. I tried to message her on Skype, the same place we had had our conversation. We actually talked voice on Skype. I tried to call her voice on Skype. I tried to message her on Skype. Nothing. No answer. Tried to tweet to her. No answer. Tried to send her a message in other places. No answer. Completely ignored me. She went through all of June, still as a lock pro, still promoting them. All of July, still a lock pro. August, still a lock pro. September, still a lock pro. And I don't know the exact date that she either quit or was fired, but I have a screen capture from Lock Poker dated October 3rd of 2013, and she was still a lock pro. What happened to all that money that people were waiting for through the entire year of 2013? It's gone. Lock poker went down. They never paid anyone. So all the people who signed up in 2013 that Melanie was promoting to, all those people got cheated. Every single one of them got cheated. Anyone who signed up to lock or redeposited on lock because of Melanie's promotion of it got cheated. Even though in May, she acknowledged both to me and on 2 Plus 2 that she was completely aware of all the issues and was working on them. And if they didn't improve by June, she'd be out of there. And she was not. So between that and the priority cash outs that she pulled back in, in March of that same year. I have been on her case. Now, is she the worst figure in lock poker? No. The worst figure is Jennifer Larson. There are some other worst figures who are involved in the management of the site, like Shane Bridges. Who deserve much more scorn than Melanie Wisner. She is not the worst figure in the lock poker scandal. But she was a particularly offensive figure to me in that she was a wolf in sheep's clothing. She pretended like she was helping us out. She pretended like she was our advocate. When in reality, she was just staying as long as she could to collect the maximum amount of money. So that was back in 2013. Why are we talking about this now? Well, because she works for Live at the Bike now. She has moved on now and works for Live at the Bike as a commentator. She has uh, a poker 
clinic where you learn how to play poker from her or learn how to improve your game from her. All of this is associated with the Bicycle Casino and Live at the Bike. So people have been giving them a hard time over Live in the Bike saying, why you hire her? Why is she representing you after what she did? After she knowingly advertised a scam company for almost a full year, why is she working here? We don't like this. So Lyman, who is their radio show host, he took an interest in this. And we were going back and forth on Twitter, me and him and a few others. And yeah, almost everybody was on the same side as me. And Lyman, he was being a little bit annoying with a lot of, shall I say, willful ignorance. Because he's not a dumb guy. He's not. He's not a dumb guy. But the way he was acting on Twitter was of someone who was confused and giving her every benefit of the doubt. Well, what if she was just really, really fooled by lock poker and didn't really realize what she was getting into? What if she just believed lock poker? Uh, how, do, how much money did she cash out of there? Maybe she got cheated too. I said, that doesn't matter if she got cheated. It doesn't matter how much she got paid. It, it matters that she stayed on because she thought she was getting paid and she had no problem promoting a scam while believing she would get paid for it. So anyway, uh, I made these points to Lyman on Twitter and you know, he didn't really argue with me that vigorously and he seemed to kind of understand and he was favoriting my tweets and eventually he said, hey, we're going to have a radio show about this on Monday. That is Monday, August 31st. How would you like to come on? And I'm like, wow, they actually want to have me on their radio show bashing Melanie Wisner who works for them? That's kind of odd. How often do they have someone on a radio show to bash one of the other employees of the company that's putting on the radio show? Not very often. I mean, I guess it could happen like for comedy reasons. You know, like they're going to have someone on the Howard Stern show to talk about a funny story about Baba Booey. But that, you know, that's stuff to laugh at. This is not a laughing matter about Melanie promoting a scam company. They, I, I couldn't imagine why they would want me on there to talk about this and why they would even have, even have a show about Melanie being shady. Why would they even have that? But, you know, Lyman kind of, from what I've seen of him, beats to his own drum. So I thought maybe he's just doing it. Maybe he's just like, okay, this is the topic and I don't care what Live of the Bike thinks. Maybe they give him that amount of creative control. I didn't know. Maybe they were kind of getting sick of Melanie and this is going to be the excuse to get rid of her. In fact, I've seen that before. I've seen it before where uh, I've complained about an employee at like a restaurant or something that doesn't treat me well. And then the manager gets really, really, really interested and wants every little detail from me and you know just wants to know everything. I even once had one ask, can you email me a write-up of what occurred? And I knew why, because they wanted to get rid of the person, and this was like the, the thing that they could use in case that person ever took them to court. This was like a justification to fire the person. So I thought maybe that's what they wanted here at Life of the Bike. I thought they wanted justification to let go Melanie. I don't know if she's an actual employee or like just like a, an associate or an independent contractor that works with them. I don't know the exact employment employee relationship they have with her, but I thought maybe they were looking for me to come on there and rip her apart and then fire her for that reason. At the same time, I was concerned. I was concerned that maybe I was kind of like uh, Combs on Hannity and Combs on Fox News. Basically, the opposition they put on just to make it seem like there's opposition. But in reality, there's an agenda. 
So I was concerned that maybe I was the token anti-Melanie Wisner voice on the show so they could silence their critics and say, hey, look, we dealt with it. We put Todd on here to talk about the whole situation. We looked into it and we decided that she's innocent. So that's basically what seems like what they did. My, my fear about that looks like it came true. Now, I didn't understand that they wanted me to commit to like an hour and a half show there. I thought they just wanted me to call in and state what happened and then that was that. So I, it turned out I had something to do that night at 6.30 and the show began at 6. So I figured I'd just be late to where I was going. Start at 6 o'clock. Stay on the show till about 6.30 and then take off, just be late to where I was going. But I couldn't stay past 6.30. So I called in, talked for about half an hour. I was mostly the talker, though Lyman occasionally interrupted to weakly disagree with me about a few things. But when I would shoot down the points that he would bring up in disagreement, then he would back down. So like, there was never any kind of vigorous argument back and forth. When I was done with a half an hour segment, when I said I had to go... I was pretty convinced that he understood everything I had to say and for the most part saw it my way. Then I told him I'd call back in if I could from the car, but then I never got back through, I think because I was calling from a private number and he doesn't take them, and I didn't realize that. But anyway, I was very disappointed to hear later that Lyman was tearing down all my points without me there. Said that, and I'm just going by what others told me. I, I asked a few people. I couldn't go back and hear it because there's no archives of that show that I can find. But I was told that he said that it was okay for her to charge Vig on that, you know, even though she had the priority cash outs and that nobody else could cash out and that she had been promoting the scam all this time. Somehow it was still okay for her to make money off of it, off other people's misery. Uh, he said it was, she was just a hapless employee, just a person who was a paid promoter. And they shouldn't be held responsible for what the company was doing. She was just more naive and not evil. Not greedy. Well, look. It's true that a paid promoter only has a little bit of visibility into what they're promoting. And if on the surface everything looks fine, there's no problem in promoting a product. And it turns out the product or service is a scam you can't be blamed for promoting them because there's only so much you could have known. There's no way to check everything before you promote a company. Anything can happen to any company. So I don't blame anyone who promotes a company that for all appearances seems okay and then turns out not to be. For example, Full Tilt, when people were promoting that, and then it turned out they stole all our money. Well, I don't get mad at the Full Tilt Red Pros who had nothing to do with this because they had no way to know. But I do get mad at anybody who does know what's going on and still promotes. That gets me mad. If you know it's a scam or very likely a scam or very possibly a scam and you keep promoting, then you are at fault. Then you are an accomplice. Then you are a willing accomplice to the scam because at this point you know. And you don't need 100% proof. If you have even 60% proof, you should stop promoting it. You don't need 100 or 90% proof. You need 60% proof or less, even less than that. I would, if I even had 25% proof something was a scam, I wouldn't be uh, promoting it. 
As long as you think there's a reasonable chance it's a scam, you've got to stop promoting it. And if you see a lot of convincing evidence it's a scam, you should take it to whoever is running the company and say, hey, look, you've got to disprove this to me or otherwise I'm out of here. And by the way, a contract does not matter. No matter what a contract says, you are never required to promote something that's breaking the law. Never. You can always break a contract that involves you breaking the law or involves you promoting a service that's breaking the law. And lock poker is breaking the law in many ways. Scamming and also offering uh, internet poker to U.S. residents. Anyway, they they weren't going to sue anyone either. But uh, she never even used that as an excuse, by the way. That's just what apologists like to say for her. But anyway, Lyman was basically tearing down everything I had to say, and his verdict at the end was Melanie was A-OK. No problem with Melanie. I, I don't think Todd made convincing enough points. Look, the bottom line is, if you promote a site that is likely a scam and you know that at the time you were promoting it, you are helping someone scam, period. No way around that. No way around it. If you promote a known scam, you are helping a scammer, and you, by extension, are a scammer. Sorry, that's the way it is. If you promote something and don't know, that's a different story. If you do know, you are an accomplice to a scam, and that's what Melanie Weisner was. So Lyman, I I confronted him on Twitter about this, and he said that he will come on my show. And he also denied that he was as harsh on me and my opinion about Melanie as people claim he was. So we will put Lyman on this show after we take this pointless call. Team MLK, hello. Hi. What's up? Ballin'! I just mean, I, I... Doing a favor for the, the, the chat, like mm-hmm. I mean, I have to snap you off clean. Like you're just gonna go on and on about the same topic. For no, I'm not. I'm gonna call and... someone. I was gonna call someone here. I'm not going on. I know, but you keep going on about the same thing, and I thought it was gonna turn on to one of your two hour segments. But so I, I, I just stopped it. Off. I just I said I'm calling now, and you called me. You you called to the wrong. You should have stopped me half an hour ago. You called the wrong time. Well, I I wanted you to finish your rant. Of course, you had to throw in your little oh, I played eighty one sixty live on the bike, uh, balling out of control. I, I want proof of that video. So if you could, if anybody can find that in the archives, that uh, Todd actually played that game and for how long and win loss etc., then that's uh, what I'm interested in. <laughs> like, I mean, why do you always have to throw yourself into everything? It's not like okay, well, live because at the bike, because I, the because it, look, people made fun of me about live at the bike that I ate too much on the show and I looked fat. People said that. Uh, it was an unfortunate combination of the way I was sitting. I, I wore a shirt that kind of was tight around my stomach, uh, and I was eating a lot of food, so the whole thing made me look like a, like a big fat ass. But I did play. I the good result of this is I won two thousand dollars. That did happen. Uh-oh. Now I'll tell you the and bad result. The bad result was into the site. No. Well, actually, after the whole thing was over, though, the bad result was that uh, we played like three handed, and I just ran super bad and lost like four thousand. So I ended up like two thousand down for the night. But at least on TV, everyone saw me, or live at the bike, everyone saw me win 2K. So that was good. So I wanted to ask you a question. I wanted to know a trip report from when you went to the casino a couple weeks ago. So, Huh? 
Which casino you went to the casino a couple weeks ago no, or something? No. A trip report on your video poker or? Uh... No, I didn't play anything. No. I oh, you didn't play at the casino? I, I, so my assumption is right that you are broke. <laughs> I went on a, a family vacation two weeks ago. I didn't go out to a casino. Well, that's not what the chat was saying the other couple weeks ago, that you went to the casino and you're going to talk about your seven-card diamond VIP and blackjack no, no. video poker crap. Didn't happen. Nope. Sorry. Right. Have you been to the casino recently? or No. Oh. Sorry, it's so, it's. Uh, I haven't been to. I mean, I was at the World Series, but I haven't been to a casino since then. Wow. Yeah. So what's going on? I mean, shouldn't that be good? Shouldn't that mean I'm not an addicted gambler? I can do other things. Well, what do you do all day? I mean, you don't work. I, what so, do I do all day? I, uh, I look. I, I'm stuck putting up with people like you on this site. That's what I'm stuck doing. I don't even post on this site. I come in once, like once well, every I two weeks. I say just you. I said people like you on the on the I forum. I asked you a confirmed question. Even the even beer and poker confirmed busto. Everybody knows that you're busto. Like, what do you do all day? What is a typical day in if, your if life? If I'm busto, then how did I play the main event on my own money? I didn't even. I, I turned down everyone who wanted to buy pieces of me. Now, how how could I be busto if I played that on my own money? Well, uh, that's what what's his name uh, did. He bought him for his last ten thousand. Stu Unger, and he ended up winning, or somehow well, we don't know if he didn't get staked or not. It's all behind the scenes, right? Well, then why would I have taken Maybe vacation? Money, how how can I afford to take a vacation? Then? Buy in and say, "Oh, just keep a secret." How can I take a right? How can I take a vacation if I'm broke? It doesn't make any sense. Okay, but you know, you're you're deflecting from my question. What is a typical day in Dan Drush's life? There, there is no typical day. Basically, a typical day, other than taking care of my son and um, you know getting him ready for school in the morning and bringing him there, and and you know being with him at night, uh, the rest of the typical day is whatever I feel like doing. And I uh, see, I don't have a job I have to go to every day. A routine. The only routine I have that's uh, something that I responsibility for is my son. That that's my responsibility in life, and. Uh, but aside from that, you know, I, I can do what I want. So there's no typical day. Uh, so, but I haven't. Been, I don't know why me not going to the casino means anything. Uh, it, it, the only thing it means is I'm not an addicted gambler. And uh, well, do you play online poker? Uh, well, I, I did. I, I, I'm I taking hear you a, talk about Bovada. I, well, I'm taking a break. I'm taking a little break sports? until football season. You don't, you don't know anything about football. What's the best bet to make in football? No, I'm not talking about spread. betting on football. I'm saying that I'm going to play during football season because that's when the games get better. Okay, so why aren't you play, like? So because you're it's just, not football season you, yet. I, I, I'm taking okay, a break. So old Benji goes to school at what time? Nine in the morning. Then I go to sleep you, usually after that. Then you go to sleep yeah. for like a couple hours, and then you just so you're like that song from Lone Star, Mister Mom. Have you ever heard of that <laughs> yeah. song? I didn't know you listened to country music, TMLK. Yeah, I actually watch one of their shows live. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, but you're not even Mr. Bum because you don't do anything. Like, I mean, you just sleep. You just get him up. No, I don't just do sleep. I only sleep for a few hours. You just private limo, apparently, because you're bowling out of control. Why don't you, like, if you're so rich, why don't you have a nanny or something to take care of it? And then you yeah, can I don't need a nanny. I, I, I like taking care of my son. I don't need a nanny to do it. I mean, you're not even taking care of him. Half the time you're on air. Like, does he live with you permanently or is it yeah. joint custody? No, there's no joint custody. He lives with me permanently and so does his mom. So you're back together with his mom? I've never been broken up with her. We've been together for six years. Is that the one that you were on radio singing about? Yeah. 
I thought you guys broke up. No, that was the girlfriend before. I never had a kid with that one. Hold on a second. I, I'm getting You're all confused. confused. Yeah. You are getting confused. Okay, because I thought you had that. I thought you had old Benji with the other girl. No, no. The, the, so you've been in a steady relationship for six so for six years. For six years, yes. Do? Yes. On on August fourteenth, this girl came to Las Vegas to see me for the first time in sixteen and a half years. That was the last time she had seen me, and uh, she came on August fourteenth, two thousand nine, to see me there for the first time since I was twenty one, and uh, and it went very well. And we're still together six years later. And we have a child. Okay, but there you what go. does she do though all day? Like I mean, she has a job. She has a regular job. But why does she need a job if you're bowling out of control? Like so she had so the, she had a career before she had the career before I was with her, and I didn't ask her to give it up. That's why. Yeah, but you're you're basically a all sugar. Right. I've heard enough. I've heard. I, I'm getting all these. I'm getting all these uh, messages from people saying to hang up on. I hate to hang up. As I've said before, TMMLK is okay in limited doses. Let's call up uh, Lyman. I'm getting uh, text messages. Get rid of this clown. You're as bad as TMMLK. Why do you fucking take his calls? He ruins the show. All right. Let's see what the chat room's saying about him. Druff is a kept man. Druff is cuckolded. No. <laughs> no. I'm not. I'm definitely not one of these guys that uh, gets turned on by their girl having sex with other guys. It's like the opposite for me. I, I, I don't even like thinking about her being with other guys in the past. I, I know it's true, but I don't like even thinking about it. I never understood that. I never understood guys liking that. All right, let's uh, let's make a call here. Let's call up Lyman and see what's going on with him. He gave his phone number again to me. Let's flesh this out once for all. Hello. So is this Lyman? This is him. So, so you're here with me for our uh, Lyman party. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, you got some sort of drop of uh, sound of people laughing and shit. Why not? Why not? You should no, get one I for like your it. show I too. You're like I, I always. I thought I had a very sinking suspicion when you called me in the first time that you were like really good at this stuff. Well, apparently I wasn't that good because I, I hung up after a half hour and then I got bashed on your show afterwards. Well, I can't control what the callers say, but you absolutely did not get bashed. No, no, I people said you bashed me. 25% favoring you, 25% not. No, no, people said you bashed me. That's what I oh, wanted no, to talk to you about. Give me a break, of course not. Okay, let, let's get this out of the way. So, uh, now you're known as Lyman. Now, do you make your, your full name public? Because I have no idea what your full name is. I just know you as Lyman. No, that's my name, Lyman, Abe Lyman. Oh, that's, that's your full, your real name is Abe Lyman? 
Abe Lyman, that's okay. me. Okay, I thought Lyman was just a, a screen name. And uh, are, are you a Jew? Yeah. yeah, Lyman's my nickname. That's what I've go, go, gone by for years and years. And years. Okay, and are, are you a Jew like I am? <laughs> well, I don't believe in religion, but I mean, I guess if you had to, like, there's some te- some technicalities regarding that. Like, parents say, uh, there's some Jewish people in the family, but I don't. I think it's all a bunch of bullshit. Okay, people were telling me after I was on your show, they're saying, hey, you should like this guy because he's a... A forties-something Jew from LA, like you are. So, well, you should like me because I'm just a nice guy. That's why I would like you. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, so what? What do you typically play when you're, uh, you know, at Commerce or the bike or whatever? What What are the games you typically play? I only play at the bike. I'm barred from the Commerce. Mm. Um, How'd that happen? From because I host, I host uh, uh, all basically have all uncapped games at the Bicycle Casino are hosted by me. So they just don't want you there because, like, it's hard to get banned from commerce. Like, I see people start physical fights there; they don't get banned. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not banned for for any reason other than I host a game at another casino. Like, if I stopped hosting a game at the other casino, I would. The commerce would not only unbar me; they'd probably hire me. I see. So they just they just don't want the competition. They they don't want you stealing the players and moving them over there. Is what's happening? It creates a conflict of interest. If I'm sitting in games there. Then they have to worry, is he talking to the people and tell them to go to bike? It's better just to, like, I mean, I basically talked to, you know, Dave Musikian, and, and he basically just said, you know, just stay at the bike if you're getting paid by the bike, and if you ever stop getting paid by the bike, then come back here. Okay. So, now, did they pay you for doing that radio show? Well, that's a completely different thing. The radio show is uh, uh, Joker Gaming. It has nothing to do with the bicycle casino. Hmm. Now, what, what is Joker Gaming? I, I don't know the distinction. That's live at the bike. It's a separate company. I see. Okay, but but that doesn't answer the question. Do they actually pay? Does Joker Gaming pay you, or do you get paid for that show, or is it like a volunteer show? I don't volunteer for anything ever. No, I see. See, I, I got to get in on this. I get paid nothing for this thing. In fact, I lose money on this show. So. Well, I mean, maybe you know, it's a it's a labor of love. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I wonder though. Sometimes I wonder if it's uh, it's worth all the trouble. But yeah, I, I watch all these other people in poker doing all these things and making money from it, and I'm I'm sitting here not only not making money, I'm losing money. But uh, anyway, well, life isn't about money, my friend. It's about happiness. So if the show makes you happy, you're a winner. That, that's a very uh, very wise and trite statement there. So okay, let's uh, let's talk about what we did on Monday. On Monday, okay. we we call I called into your show. Uh, I I didn't know that you were expecting me to be on for an hour and a half, though normally I could have because uh, as the caller right before I called you said, uh, a caller right before you tried to assert that I, I do nothing with my life and I, right. I, I really have all day and all night to do nothing. So uh, um, most days that's true and I, I could have had an hour and a half with, to BS with you, but I did not have it on Monday night. I actually had something else I had to do at 6.30, which I had forgotten about. So right. I, w- I was on for half an hour. And yep. I I would love to go back and listen to it and then listen to what you said afterwards and what the callers said, but I cannot find an archive of your show. Where would I like? I see an archive session, but it looks like it's old. Uh, you're, you uh, took the you got the free membership? Is that what you did? I have no membership. Well, if you have no membership, then you can't look at anything in the archives. I look somehow, and I have no membership. I, I see like 18 shows there without having any membership. Yeah, I think that there's some super old stuff that you can look at for free. 
But so, if you want to look at the, at the stuff we're doing now that all the subscribers are paying for, well, then you either have to pay for it as well or you have to uh, join using my free uh, code. You want my free code? <laughs> Somehow we're turning the show into spam. I go, go ahead. It's not spam. Okay. I'm, I'm giving you a way to listen to you. It's the shit for free. Okay, wait, what, what's, what's the free code to sign up for Live at the Bike so we can hear this thing? Poker Sesh. P-O-K-E-R-S-E-S-H. Poker Sesh. See that's the that's the problem. Like my my listeners and, and myself included, we're kind of just lazy. Like we want to just find find it and just go listen without joining things or all that. So that's that was the problem here. That's why no, none that's of us impossible. That's that's why none of us figured it out. So okay, I'll, I'll go back and listen after the show. But uh, people, so people were saying after I hung up that uh, you basically disagreed with much or all of what I had to say about Melanie and basically exonerated her for no, everything I was claiming. Okay, so so without me putting words in your mouth, what is your opinion now? After you've heard from me and other people about Melanie, what is your opinion about her and Lock Poker? Okay. I took calls for two hours, unscreened and uncensored. And I also, you know, had you on for basically a half hour uninterrupted download until you're it's got the boing, boing. Where is your phone? Is that like from like the 18th century, that phone? <laughs> it sounded like a phone from like the 18th century, but then then your phone rang and then you disappeared. And then I took a call for another hour and a half, unscreened and uncensored, all right? I wasn't trying, I wanted everything on the table. And after, and I other people called in who had, who had beefs with uh, Melanie. And we went back and forth, and at the end of it all, I could find no proof that she was part of a criminal conspiracy to defraud poker players. I could find no proof that she, that she was part of basically what had been what had been outlaid as a Ponzi scheme. Okay, no, but I didn't say it was a criminal conspiracy. I I just said that she knew. That it was a scam and continue promoting it. That's that's what I said, and and I stick by that. And I can't see how you could say that that wasn't happening. I could find no proof of that. That's well, why. Okay, so what proof would you need beyond like a signed confession from her? What what would be sufficient proof? Because she she posted on two plus two in May. I I posted links to it on my Twitter. Uh, I saw all of it. Yeah, she posted in May about being very aware of what was going on there. She was very aware they hadn't cashed anyone out in about five months. Right. And, and she was still promoting it at that point, and she told me personally in May that if they did not solve their issues within a few weeks by June, that she was going to quit, which was reasonable in my opinion. But then she didn't quit until October 3rd uh, or later, which I also presented proof of on my Twitter. So where is it that I did not present enough proof that she was promoting them despite knowing it was highly likely they were a scam? Well, I came up with the – here's the thing. You're – the burden of proof is on not you, but just the community. And I, believe me, if you can follow me at all, I fucking go after people when I have proof, right? Like, I was the very first person in the fucking history of 2 plus 2 to say Ike Haxon engaged in unethical, possibly cheating behavior. I said this very first. I showed a logical deduction of why it had to be true. And then Ike Haxton comes out and says, yeah, it's basically true. I'm sorry. 
So I'm not. I'm, I'll call you out if I got if I got the goods. I'll call you out, right? But I also understand that you're innocent until proven guilty in the United States of America, and it's a good system. And I'd rather have a hundred innocent people go free than convict one. I mean, a hundred guilty people go free than to convict one innocent. Person. But she's not going to prison. We're just making a, a character judgment on her. And and when you have overwhelming evidence that even if you want to say in the court of law could not convict her, if you have overwhelming evidence to where a person with common sense can look and say she knew that they weren't paying people, she knew there were so many red flags that based on every other poker site that has acted this way that has ended up being a scam, that lock poker is also a scam and they're not paying anyone, that it is very, very irresponsible to promote... Okay, everything you're saying I agree with. But then how can you say that she was innocent then? Once once you promote a scam to someone... Here's what I'm agreeing with, Todd. She may not have had common sense. She may have been extremely irresponsible. These are logical conclusions that a 20-something-year-old girl doesn't have common sense or is irresponsible... This is not an illogical conclusion. An illogical conclusion is that she's part of a fucking criminal conspiracy to defraud poker players. No, no, my, my conclusion wasn't the conspiracy. My conclusion was that for her to leave Locke, she believed at the time would cost her money. For her to stay at the lock, at lock, she believed at the time would make her money, even though it was causing others to get scammed. So she chose to stay there and make money or at least think she would make money and have people get scammed then leave and stop making money that's what i think occurred and and there's very strong evidence that this is what was going on because she was someone who was very aware now someone who was like kind of had blinders on and didn't know what was going on and kind of didn't want to know was like mike mizraki mike mizraki i'm not defending him but he he was detached from the situation now he shouldn't have been detached he should look into it but at least I can say Mike Mizrahi knew nothing. He was in the fucking castle in Portugal, wasn't he? Right, he was there, but I'm talking about the lock problems. He just didn't want to read about it. I'm not saying that's right, but I'm saying the difference is Mike Mizrahi, Mike Mizrahi didn't have all the details like Melanie, who participated in the 2 plus 2 thread about lock not paying every day. She's like participating in the thread. She's watching every little detail go by and commenting on them, and yet somehow she's okay with still promoting them. When, when Mike obviously it was a scam. And they're all, they all basically had the same problem, is they believed their boss, and their boss was telling them this, that fucking poker companies throw off money, which is 100% true, and that everything was going to end up all right once a couple glitches were taken care of. And, Michael, and if you, I mean, if you want to condemn Melanie, which is fine, but you're, you basically said it's your belief in me. 2009, okay? Like, I don't have, I don't want to protect anybody, and I have no axe to grind, but my reputation is based on the fact that I don't just spout off shit. Like, I need to know before I go after somebody. This has nothing to do, you think, I have no fucking reason to defend Melanie Weiser. I never heard of this person in my whole fucking entire life. She's a pain in my fucking ass. But I don't just go spouting off stuff. And, I, I mean, when I say I think she was irresponsible, and I think there's proof of that, I think that she was naive, and I think there's proof of that. I think that uh, she is uh, 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 arrogant, and I think there's proof of that. But do I think that she's part of a but, fucking criminal conspiracy? 
The problem is you're you're just saying she's naive. You're saying she's naive without any kind of evidence she was naive. This is your best world view of her, that she was naive, because that's the only way you can explain without it being her maliciously advertising it, uh, not caring about people getting scammed. Yet there's no indication she was naive. In fact, she was very, very... uh, close with the whole process and she told me in May I'm aware of what's going on I don't like it in a few weeks if it doesn't change we're out of here well it didn't change and she wasn't out of here now how do you explain that if she's naive because that's exactly how you explain it she's being told by her bosses something different and she chooses to believe that because she's a company man a team player look at dirt look at dirt dirt is the exact same fucking thing dirt came out it said, I'll cover a million dollars of losses from, from Full Tilt. But see, that's a different story because this happened after the fact. This happened after Full Tilt was found to be insolvent and he didn't believe it. And so this is he wasn't still he wasn't still promoting them. He wasn't still promoting them. He was wearing the patches and you're getting a paycheck. It happened with Enron. It happens with a million other companies. Company people fucking go down with the ship. Well, they shouldn't. They, they should not go down. See, you can say go down with the ship, but this isn't going down with the ship. She was promoting it on her Twitter and elsewhere, saying, come play at lock when she knew they weren't paying people. And that no, that is not naive. This is part of you saying that there was a criminal conspiracy. That's your You're words, not mine, of a criminal she conspiracy. Knew, she 100% knew that the company was insolvent and that she was part of a criminal conspiracy to defraud people and turn the lock into a Ponzi. Okay, I have a question then. If, if she was naive, if she was naive, then why was she taking a 25% VIG to cash out people when nobody else would cash out? Why, why isn't she doing it out of the goodness of her heart when people can't get their money off? Why not cash out when she can get the money off in a week, like she said in this PM? Why can't she cash it out and then give people the money at no profit? Why is she taking 25% profit off of other people's misery? I, okay, number one. And this is an interesting point, too. And here's, what I, here's the story I get. Tell me if I'm wrong. That transit, transaction never actually happened. That transaction... But she offered happened. it. But she, uh, you say that. How do you know other transactions didn't happen? She, at the very least, offered it to someone. She <laughs> says, you can't get your money out. Everyone's money's stuck here. But guess what? I can get your money off, but only if I can make 25%. I'm advertising a company that's being considered a scam, but I'm going to make 25% off of the money, your money that's stuck on there. I mean, you know how offensive that is? It, it, it sounds like a, a, a person who is young and naive and made a... And, but where is, uh, the, where is the evidence that she's naive? You keep saying she's naive. I've never seen anything out of Melanie Weisner that looks naive, ever. I've never, show me one thing she's ever said or done which says naive, besides her age. So what did you ever see that looked naive out of dirt? And like he made, and that was the most naive play in the history of the world, saying like he's gonna pay off a million dollars of full tilt debt. Poker players aren't as smart as you think. They I've are. seen I've seen a lot of naivete out of Dur. Dur is someone who's who's a really good poker player. Everything else in life, he seems like kind of a screw up. Melanie is someone who has never come off that way. Melanie comes off like everything she does is calculated. That's always been the okay. opinion of her. That's always been the, the general personality she has. She's not stupid. She's, she's not someone who's naive. She's not someone who easily gets tricked. And, uh, I don't know how you, how you base an argument on, on the fact that you think that Melanie is smarter than Durr. No, she's not a better poker player than Durr, but Durr is, is kind of like a savant in poker, where in other things in life he's kind of clueless. And that, that can easily happen. Todd, you're reading a lot into this. I can't, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and speculate like that. 
I don't know who's smarter than who. But you keep but saying she's naive. What do you mean you can't speculate? You're speculating over and over that she's naive. You're, I'm talking about all the things she did where she was made aware of the scam. She told me in May of 2013, I'm aware of what's going on. I'm aware they're not paying anyone. I'm going to leave if it doesn't improve. And you're telling me she was naive. Over and over no, naive. But no, I'm not telling you she was naive. I'm telling you that's the best evidence I have available, available to me right now. I don't fucking know. But where is, where is, where's one indication she's naive? Where is one? Where is one indication she was naive versus staying out of greed? Give me one, one, one piece of evidence of that. In the absence of a criminal conspiracy, she did a lot of dumb, naive things. Show me a criminal conspiracy. She goes. But wait a minute! I don't understand. How how was she naive? I still can't find one one piece of evidence she's naive. I cannot find one piece of proof or evidence that she was naive about this or anything ever. But you keep saying she's naive. That's what I don't get. You, Todd, you have a lot of emotion about this. And that's why you're trying to paint the fact that Durr and her are completely different when neither of us, just be honest, neither of us know either of these people at all. You're throwing in Durr as a red herring here. I'm talking about Melanie. It's very simple, is that she told me personally in May of 2013 that she knew what was going on. We discussed it. She posted on 2 Plus 2 a detailed post that she knows what's going on. She was very active in the thread about it. She was very aware of everything that was happening, and she was still advertising them. Why? Because she thought that would translate into money. Because she thought she would get paid for doing so. You're making a leap of logic. Why did Durr do what he did? He transmitted to a lot of people. Um, the show keeps, for whatever reason, cutting out, cutting off the air. See, this is, this is why I need a uh, I need life at the bike. I need uh, Joker Gaming to help me here because uh, yeah, we we cut off the air earlier and then I didn't realize it until afterwards and, and now we're back. Uh, well, I, I, I'm the worst technical person in the history of the world. I don't know how anything works. Yeah, for some All reason, people living is play poker. That's it. For some reason, the thing was cutting. If, if like if the whole show was okay, then I put you on and it's already cut twice. So I think I'm gonna blame you. But anyway, I probably brought in extra listeners. Yeah, no, that's that's very possible. So, uh, yeah, so so someone's saying that I, I'm getting so angry, I probably kicked the power cord. I mean, I guess that's possible. But uh, no, I, I I have no idea why it's cutting out here. The, the only thing I can guess is that uh, see, this shows you how low budget this show is. I was on a laptop originally on the show that was six years old, and finally a few weeks ago, I had to give up on the six year old laptop and broadcast from a newer laptop, which does not have a direct wired connection to the internet. There's no jack for that. So, so I'm counting on wireless here, and I guess uh, I guess it's been kind of a fail, and it's been uh, it's cut on us. We're we're back here, but uh, Todd, let me tell you something. I think you and I would be friends. I think you and I would get along splendidly. I think you and I will get along um, uh, better than Melanie and I will do not get along. But I'm not gonna. But this is because I'm just a professional. I'm a professional in the things I do. I can't go and fucking sentence somebody to poker death without some really hardcore proof of it, and I just don't have it. If you want my private, personal opinion, I can tell them to you off the air. But my public opinion is, if there is no, if the glove doesn't fit, you gotta quit. It well, is this, what it is. Well, that's, that seems especially strange. Like, it should be the same thing. Like, when I go on the show, my private opinion and my public opinion of this stuff is always the same. I, I always just say exactly what I feel. Like I, no, because my private opinions don't matter in this instance. They don't matter at all. In, in other instances, they matter a lot, like cigars, wine, poker plays, this, uh, a lot of stuff. But in an instance of condemning somebody to poker death, my, my opinion doesn't matter. And if you read my post at 2 Plus 2 for the last over 15 years, I never go after somebody until I got the fucking goods. 
You know? Well, here's the problem. is th- This is the type of thing where you have to go on common sense. You're never going to have a 100% ironclad case where you have uh, – other than like them on video admitting it. So you have to go on – if you have overwhelming circumstantial evidence that they knew everything and that they were doing this uh, at a greed and not uh, because they were naive, and it's overwhelming. 100% not, th- th- ironclad evidence that, that uh, I taxed and broke the terms of service at PokerStars and by all ethical guidelines of poker cheating. 100% well, Why are we bringing up ICAXIT now? I'm just saying, I'm talking about Melanie here. I'm saying the problem is... You just, said, you just said you never get that. You do get it. Sometimes. No, I didn't say you never do. In this case, you can't have it. In this type of thing, you can't have it. Like, I'll give you an example that's nothing to do with poker, okay? I, I remember a, a long time ago, I was in a chat room, and there was a, a chick in there that was definitely a dude. It was definitely a guy pretending to be a girl, but I had no proof. I knew it was. I could tell by the guy's writing style, the fact that he was on there for years and would never talk to anyone on the phone or meet anyone, that you know, right. anytime he was asked to show a picture with a sign, he wouldn't do it. But still, there was a small chance it was a woman. Well, I, I found out later who it really was, and uh, and it, it was a dude. But uh, but I had people that would sit there arguing with me. You don't have proof. You can't say this about her. You, you you're a jerk have, to say this about her because you don't have proof. Condemn her to poker death. Period. There's enough. There's there's enough here that it's very simple. If you promote a company that's a scam and you're given a lot of evidence that it's a scam and you keep doing it, then you are guilty of promoting a scam. And whether you want to claim you were naive or if it turned out you were greedy, only Melanie knows this for sure, but we know what she did. We know what she did even if we don't know her intent. And I think her intent is very clear. But even if you want to say you can't know her intent for certainty, you can at least say with certainty what she did. And that is she promoted a scam after – getting tons of evidence that it was a scam. So yes. so that's, that's very bad. Yes. That, that people yes. who do that shouldn't be welcome in the community. That's the problem. I don't... Here, here's what I said on the show. I'm never going to loan Melanie money, okay? I'm never going to back her in a poker game, but I'm also not going to say that she was part of a criminal conspiracy to defraud poker players. That's what I said, and, I'm gonna, and, and there's nothing... And if, we had, if you wanted me to pop that on this... And we could get a, and we get a retired judge. I will win this. But you're and talking I, about a judge. You're talking about like a court of law versus the court of public opinion. The, the way we clean up poker is we get the people out who are. Uh, he have very strong evidence that they are not acting right. That they are uh, acting not in the best interest of the community. And you, you don't always have 100% proof, but as long as you have pretty strong evidence on it, and as long as you can see that they did things that they shouldn't have, you don't worry about why. You just worry that they did it. And why is secondary? Clean dirt out of poker? What was that? Just Durr. Does he need to be cleaned out of poker? See, I don't know why we keep going back to Durr. No, because I'm asking. It's the same fucking thing. Does Durr need to be cleaned out of poker? No, because Durr was an after-the-fact thing. Durr was an after-the-fact thing. Melanie was a during thing. That's the difference. No, Durr was saying, while the whole fucking thing was going on, that he trusted his bosses, he trusted... Full tilt poker, and he would bet a million dollars of his own fucking money that we were going to get. Paid. That was just after the whole thing went down, and and we couldn't play on as, as Americans anymore. And they're asking him, "What do you think is going to happen? Have they stolen from you?" At that point, you can say naivete. Not when there's been you know mountains of evidence against lock poker. At that point, it's not naivete. That's willful ignorance. That's the difference. Is you think it's naivete? I think it's willful ignorance. I know it's willful and ignorance. And that's the beauty of this. This is just speculation. It's just speculating. I think, you think, some other third person thinks. But when it comes down to the facts and 
condemning somebody well, the facts are not enough right now. The facts are what she did. You're, 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 the problem is she did something wrong, and you're trying to cast an innocent motive to it, where I'm just saying she did something wrong, and it's unlikely there was an innocent motive. But we know she did something wrong that was unethical that hurt people, and that the only possible way to exonerate her is if she's naive, and we have no evidence she's naive, so we've got to believe the other way. Otherwise, any kind of crime, you can always blame on the person what is naive, the person didn't know what they were doing. You can't. You have to focus focus on what they actually did and what she did was promote a scam despite being given mountains of evidence that it was a scam so if you i tell people if you if you're gonna get if you're gonna get in bed with melanie weiser figuratively not literally buyer beware okay that's but for sure if you're gonna expect me to come and say based on no fucking evidence whatsoever that she's part of a criminal conspiracy to fraud poker players i'm not going to and i think that my position is super fucking fair See, I have to tell you, there's a conflict of interest here, and that's why I think you go into this public and private thing, because you work for, it may not directly uh, the bicycle, but you know, you work for Joker Gaming. Does she, she works for Joker Gaming, right? Right. Yeah, so I mean, there's a conflict of interest. That's, that's why I was surprised when you invited me on your show to talk about this. I said, this is weird. This is weird. Yeah, it's, because, it's because I don't hide from nothing ever. Well, that, that's I what I was hide. hoping. But th- that's what I was hoping. But I also thought, you know, this could also be an agenda to where you've got to have the opposing viewpoint. Otherwise, it seems like the opposing viewpoint's not allowed to get out. So you put someone on with an opposing viewpoint, let them speak, but then, you know, act as the neutral person, but then come at it biased to try to exonerate the person. Where I think if you had no association with Melanie, I think you would be a lot harder on her like you are with Ike Haxton and these other people. Because I, I think with a lot of the other things, I think we, we have the not. same opinion. That's not true, because Ike Axton, Brian Hastings, I have physical fucking proof. I have physical proof. If, you, if, there, was a, if there was an email or a PL of Melanie saying, ha, fuck these guys, let's get them to keep depositing, I would be just, that's basically the Ike Axton email. That's basically, that that's basically the, the, the Brian Hastings PM is blah ha ha fuck these people. That's a that's that's not a, just a smoking gun. That's a firing gun. Uh, and so, but I mean, I'm not gonna before. I have I'm sure you have stated things. many things before on your show that were not based on 100 percent ironclad proof, but on very strong suspicion that you felt strongly about, it. and and it makes sense. You have to do that in poker because you don't always have 100% information on people acting in a shady manner. And that's how, that's how companies like Locke get away with things is that – this was Locke's story, in fact. The whole way Locke would say, you can't prove we have no money. You can't prove that we're doing this or that. We can't prove that we're really not paying you. Uh, all you can – so here's our excuses. You can't disprove them. We say, well, can you have an auditor check your finances? Oh, no, no, we can't do that. Or maybe the, the auditor will tell the DOJ where our money is and it'll get seized. So every time there was an answer, and we never had 100% proof that Locke was broke. But everything well, was pointing to that they were broke, and they were broke. They can't get any money from Locke. Aren't they in Luxembourg? Locke is just gone. I mean, they're, they're not anywhere anymore. Even at the time, it was, it was some of those... It was one of those fly-by-night fucking offshore people. Well, no, you, no, you, well, yeah, right. Uh, no, but th- what I'm saying here is that uh, they had an excuse every time. I mean, they they can get other countries to cooperate with seizing money. That's not that's not the issue. But what I'm saying here is that Locke was. We never had 100 percent certainty where I could point to. Ah, here's Locke's bank account with zero dollars and zero cents in it. Okay, they're broke. I could never point to that, but I there was a mountain of evidence that they were. And same with Melanie. That's why with, with these things in the poker community, you've got to go on what all appearances are sometimes rather than just 100% concrete proof. Otherwise, you're going to keep getting rolled left and right. 
you know, you're not going to get rolled left and right if you, you know, follow your instincts and and take the level of risk that you find appropriate for yourself. But you also can't say things that you don't have proof of or else people are going to think you cry wolf and they're not going to listen to you anymore. Now, I've never been accused of that one. I, I haven't been accused Neither of crying I. wolf. Neither have I. Well, okay, I'm saying I haven't been accused of crying wolf because I, I, whenever someone brings this type of thing to me, I look into it as much as I can. If it's something with very little information available, I'll say, okay, from what I, what's been presented to me, this is what I think, unless it's being presented to me wrong. I'll even give that qualifier sometimes. But, but with Melanie, there was, there was a lot to look at. There was a lot to see. So, okay, let's, let's, uh, I, 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 we can go on with this forever, but I, I think... Listen this time. I was thinking of the Bicycle Casino, right? Someday in the future, heaven forbid, the Bicycle Casino stops taking chips at the cage, right? I can guarantee you with 100% certainty, many of the employees at the Bicycle Casino then held an employee meeting and said, we're going to pay these chips, right? I can guarantee you with 100% certainty, many, many of the employees of the Bicycle Casino would say they're going to pay for these chips. Because you trust your employer, you have an allegiance. And I'm not going to go there and say that they are part of a criminal conspiracy. Well, okay, see, that's the difference. Is like when something happens, like bang, all of a sudden the bike can't pay their chips anymore. They're like right away. I can see the employees being in denial and say, "Oh no, no, it's a great company." But when there's months and months and months of proof otherwise, of evidence otherwise, that's when you have to. If you're still waving the same flag at that point, then you're willfully ignorant. And and that's my difference. That's what I'm saying is the difference with Dura, where he was just kind of in shock and and saying something stupid that he thought, whereas with with Melanie, there was months and months already that had gone by and a lot of evidence that Locke was a scam. And that's that was my problem here is that this went on for so long. I, I'm not that worried about the person who backs a company initially when they're accused of wrongdoing. Uh, it's, it's just... Once there's so much evidence out there, it's almost like the 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 mom who says their their little boy could have never committed murder when there's uh, every bit of evidence otherwise. It's it, it starts to look like that. So well, there's a difference between looking like something and actually being something. I well, mean, but that's the problem. And a lot of things in life that you're not going to have. Row, now that we have DNA evidence, you're not you're not going to have a hundred percent with a lot of things in life. Not just about a lot of things in life. You're going to have to make judgments on. That's from right. what you can I see, agree. you have to do it. You have to have 100%, but that means you can't 100% condemn. You, you condemn at the percentage that you have in your own personal life. If, if, if somebody doesn't want to do any business with Melanie and they don't want to watch her show and they don't want to listen to her poker advice, I, I have fucking no problem with that. None whatsoever. Well, not, not only that, hold on, but, but if she, she could present evidence otherwise that would prove her innocence, and she's never done that. She's never I don't done know that. That's true. What would she have? She could have proof. I don't know what she would have, but if she really was naive, then she should have some kind of paper trail or something that shows that she, why she was naive, why she was led to believe it, uh, and then and then people could judge at that point. But she's never even presented that she was naive. She just isn't speaking about it. She just she just doesn't answer anyone about this. Oh, she made a statement, and in the statement, that's basically what she said, you know. And uh, I don't I don't have to. To, to, to like it, uh, but I have to go with the facts. And I can't make up my own facts, and I can't make facts for the narrative that I wish happened. i got to use the facts for the narrative that I have proof of. 
Well, see, that's that's the problem. Is is uh, we, I guess we have different standards here for uh, yeah, for for what well. for what we need as far as before you know deciding that someone is shady. I I take the overwhelming evidence that someone's shady, even without one hundred point zero percent proof. And it seems like uh, you want to judge someone as innocent, innocent as long as there's a point zero 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 one percent chance that they're innocent. That, that's that's what it looks like here to me. No, because I don't think that Durr is a scam artist either, even though he basically has scammed Jungle Man in the heads up. Uh, I think that, like, there are... I, I, I just use my brain the same way I do in a poker hand, and I protect my hand at all times, I protect myself at all times, and I, I treat others the way that I want to be treated. Well, okay, and, like in a poker hand, that's, that's a good analogy. Like, if, if, if someone goes all in... And, and there's a you know a, a tiny tiny chance that they have me beat. If I've got top set full, uh, and it, it, it's going to be very hard to fold because you're afraid they have quads. Like it's that type of thing. It's very hard to fold. Uh, uh, it's it's very ho- hard in a lot of spots to fold because of a tiny chance that you're beat. You, you can't always be paranoid that the nuts are up against you. Uh, it, it's similar here that you uh, you have to go on the information you have and and make a confident decision based upon that and uh, and. Usually when you're yeah, very you confident, confident about confident, something, you're right. You make the best decision for yourself, but, and, and I mean, if you want to, if you want to expound that decision on the internet, or you want to go on shows and say that, I have no problem with that. I'm saying that me personally, I, if I, I know because I deal with casinos for a long time, I, and... I know that sometimes these casinos get themselves in sticky situations, and I know that sometimes people accuse casinos of a lot of different stuff. I don't want to be judged by what my, my employer does, and I don't want to be held accountable for situations where I maybe I just, like, was drinking the Kool-Aid or listening to the wrong people when I was a 20-year-old, because when I was a 20-year-old, I listened to a lot of people and a lot of dumb shit, and uh I don't think that in in this instance that I have enough evidence to just say, you know... Now, she's substantially older than 20 when this happened. I'm going to fight to have them removed from poker completely. She, she, was, she was way older than 20, and I, I'm not asking for her to be removed from poker completely. I'm saying that I don't like seeing people get jobs in poker after promoting scam sites. I don't like it. I don't like seeing people involved with UB who were knowingly involved with either cheating or covering up the cheating... Getting jobs in poker, I don't like seeing anyone involved in uh, promoting lock when they knew it was a scam. Getting jobs in poker, anyone who I, I don't like card player and what they did. I, I, they, they knew about lock too. They chose to promote them for about nine or ten months after that. After the, it was clear they weren't paying people. Uh, there's been a lot of greed where people just want think for themselves and they don't care if others get scammed as long as they get money in their pocket. And that's what looks very clear to me happened with everybody. And it's not even like Melanie has a stellar reputation as someone who would never do something like this and this is so would be so out of character. I keep hearing story after story uh, about accusations against her of not acting in an ethical fashion. So this this fits right in, I hate to say. Like this is not even uh, like a Okay, okay then. Okay then. What is uh, this is all fine with me. You know, what is the sentence, though? What is the sentence? The, the, sentence, is, the sentence is very simple, that p- people who have been seen to have done these things and, and with ample evidence that they have just shouldn't be getting jobs in, in poker. They should not be working in poker. If they want to play poker, fine, unless they've been caught cheating in poker 
tournaments. Like poker tournament cheaters should be barred from all tournaments, in my opinion. But uh, but but if, as long as they, if they didn't cheat in the game of poker, right. and they and they didn't and they weren't like Russ Hamilton. Well, he I guess he cheated in the game, but you know they weren't directly stealing large sums of money from poker players. But like I wouldn't. I, I don't even want to see Ra- uh, Howard Letterer playing poker after what he was involved in doing but but okay. someone who who is something like what melanie did where she didn't uh, directly steal from anyone uh she shouldn't be barred from playing poker but right. she should not get hired at any of these companies she shouldn't be working for poker she should not be representing anything in the poker community if she wants to sit at a table and play fine because there, you know, there's a lot of people who sit at the table and play that that are not good people but uh, right. but I, I just don't think companies like Live at the Bike should be hiring her. That's that that's the point here. I don't think anyone's been making the point that she shouldn't be allowed to sit at a poker table. And here's the, and here's what I said on the show, and here's what I'll say now. There's there are intelligent people like yourself and me, and a lot of other people in the poker community. Some very high profile players that support Melanie, and some very high profile players that don't, who can. Agree to disagree, and not, and yet not think any less of each other. And at the, in the end of the day, the audience will decide. The audience decides who has, who's a, who's a, who gets eyeballs and who doesn't. I mean, uh, Tom Brady cheated at football, and the audience will decide whether they want to watch Tom Brady anymore. And if people stop showing up at Foxborough Stadium, or people stop watching past games. Tom Brady is going to have a very short life in the National Football League because some other cheaters of football definitely got drummed out of the league. And when you're talking about the media, the, the eyeballs decide. So it's fine for us to prognosticate about our level of, of skepticism and opinion and whatever, but at the end of the day, the, the poker media is decided by eyeballs and not by you or I. Well, see, that that's the problem is that I, I would hope that there's some – camaraderie at least to some degree people in poker that just uh say i I don't want to hire this person even if uh like with melanie there's not a mass public awareness of what happened with her and Locke. you know the people the internet uh, nerds who read two plus two and my site they know but but there's not a mass public awareness where uh you know the typical poker fan knows (laughs) so 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 that so the thing is yeah uh, maybe on live at the bike it, it's nice to have a, a young girl with with big breasts, uh, you know, doing oh, these. Come on now, see now you make yourself look bad. How? Because you're commenting on her breasts. I mean, well, she she, she has she has she, she does have big breasts. I'm saying that's why they hired her. They they wouldn't have hired her if she's a dude. They're hiring her because she's a pretty girl. That's why they're doing it. Like that's what. Oh, I don't. I I 100 don't think that's. Oh true. come on, come on. Believe me. you know how many more opportunities. Why hire me? I'm fucking butt ugly. They're not. They're not hiring you for your looks. They're not hiring you. They're hiring you for a totally different reason. I'm not saying they don't hire men. I'm saying that they hired Melanie as opposed to just some other, you know, twenty-something poker pro because she's a girl. Now, girls get a way more opportunity. Girls get a way. They get way more opportunity. I think that sounds a little, uh, a little out of line. No, no, no. Look, it's it's very, very well known in poker that girls, especially girls under thirty who are decent looking, have much more opportunity for endorsements in poker than guys do. That's much more. Uh, like, believe me, e- even though I'm not even a tournament player, because I play at the World Series and that's it. But even with the results I put up ten years ago, I, I would have had everyone all over me if I were a pretty twenty-five-year-old girl for sponsorships. That's, that's a- true, but again, you're just using circumstantial evidence. 
to use that against Melanie. I mean, a lot of people probably don't think she's very pretty. So no, no, I'm not. I'm not using this against her. I'm. I'm saying, look, it's fine. If I were a pretty girl, I, I would take these endorsement jobs. Why wouldn't I? I'd be thrilled to take them. Like yeah. you know, if someone wants to pay you to do these jobs, of course you should take them. Uh, in, in the, unless you're promoting a scam. Poker analysis. I doubt that you have. What? Have you, 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 I mean, there's no reason you would have, but have you, have you actually listened to any of her, any of her instructional videos? I, I haven't, and I'm not saying she's a bad player. They might be fine videos. I'm saying here that... I think, uh, pretty, I think she's a pretty good player. Oh, she and probably think, is, but that's not the point. I, I'm not complaining. I'm, I haven't said that she's a bad player and that uh, she deserves... Yeah, that that she shouldn't be doing videos because she sucks. That's never been an argument of mine. I've never right. said that. I, I'm just saying that she gets hired over another good player who's male because she's female and and because there's a lot of guys that find her attractive. Especially you know in in the poker community, there's not a lot of competition for you know, girls in there that play. There are, just aren't that many, and there especially aren't that many that can play decently. So you know you you have a girl that's at least decent looking who who can play fairly well. Uh, of, of course, of course, there's some attraction to that, and I don't blame them for hiring her for that reason. But there's definitely that factor. There's definitely a big time that factor. It could, I mean, I've never seen, and I'm in internal meetings, and I have fucking no evidence of that whatsoever. None. Well, it it doesn't have to be said out out loud. It can be implied. Right. I mean, that... <laughs> all right. You, you have a lot of ideas. No, I, this isn't a very radical idea to say that they're hiring girls in poker who are under thirty that are that are like above average looking because they're girls in poker under thirty who are above average. Like it's it's obvious that these people get pref- these girls get preference over dudes. If you look at the staff of Live at the Bike, it is the motliest looking crew you've ever seen. I mean, Oasis Med. Let's be honest. <laughs> if you hire an Oasis Med, you're not worried about looks. No, but see, that's a different story. Like any time there's a guy on there, uh, <laughs> no one, no one really cares what they look like. They, they, when there's a guy doing these things, all they care is like, is he a good player? That's all they care. That, right. that, that's why people are fans. Of, like, like look at Phil Hellmuth, how popular he is. It's not for his looks. It's it's. Uh, Barry got that big old Barry. Yeah. Big Barry on his face. Barry disconcerting. I keep my eyes keep being drawn to that big berry. <laughs> so yeah, okay. A- anyway, so you you do this show every single week this uh, this poker set show? Yeah, every week uh, live on Twitch and on live at the bike. See that's that's what's good. What's good for me is that since I have no boss and since nobody pays me. I can just switch the show day around. Like, I decided it's going to be Thursday, then I go, no, let's do it Wednesday. I can, I can just jump it around here, where if I had a boss, they'd get pissed if I did this. Well, I can do it any day and any time I want. I have no... When it comes to me, I have no... There's no control over me whatsoever. The reason that I do it at the same time is because of the audience. The audience loves it. And I love my audience. And so, we are a team. Me and the audience are a team. Like, during, like if, if we were doing this on my show right now, I would have already taken... 15 phone calls, and it's an interactive experience, and you can't have an interactive experience with the audience if you don't give them a little heads up that it's always going to be at the same time, same place. Now, someone's telling me they tried to go into the chat room and they couldn't get in, like it just said chat disabled or something. What's that about? Oh, absolutely not. The chat was full. We had we had three, 400 people between Live at the Bike and Twitch watching that show all night. No, I didn't uh, know that. I, I, I guess they went to the wrong place. But uh, so I didn't try myself. I only had the half hour to go on and talk. But okay, that's good. That's good. People can chat there. So, well, uh, you know, we can 
we can do this again about some other topic. It's, I think we've exhausted this one. I don't think there's much more we can say. Well, I think, I think it was good. I think everybody's getting their fair share. And I think it like, at the end of the day, for your audience or for my audience or for any audience, if you don't like Melanie Weiser, don't fucking watch her. <laughs> That's, vote with your eyeballs. And soon enough, she'll be voted off the island. Well, no, she won't, eyeball. though, because there's not enough awareness of it. That's what bothers me. It's like there's not enough awareness of these things. So these people, like, they keep getting jobs because, like, it's just not well eno- known enough. That's why That's why I keep appearing on everything I can to talk about scandals and poker, because I want it known as much as possible. That's why I, I kept going on everything. It's not because I wanted my face on TV or, or whatever. It was just that I wanted the stories to get out so there's more and more awareness of what has happened and who was involved and who was guilty. Like, I, uh, that's why I've pressed that for all these years. That's why I started a site called PokerFraudAlert.com. So uh, that that was my concern is if it's uh, – see, people would vote with their eyeballs if Melanie was a bad host on Live at the Bike or if she gave bad advice on her training videos. And I, I don't think she does those things. So for that reason, uh, people probably – enjoy her presence there or at least a lot of them do and that's that's my problem is that they they don't know the backstory so that that's what's been bothering me that's, Here's that's what i can tell you now todd the the live at the bike audience as of right now has one the paying live at the bike audience has 100 percent awareness there is literally not a single person who pays for live at the bike at this point because of our forums and my show and all the things that we've done and me inviting others, there is literally right now 100% awareness. So those people that pay Live at the Bike and those people that tune in to Live at the Bike can definitely vote with their eyeballs. Well, they and know now, but the problem, as I said, they, they, they got the opinion at the end, like kind of the verdict, that, uh, that she was fine. So They I, didn't get that verdict. Well, what, what you're saying here, what, what you're saying here is, is pretty close to that. Fine. What you're saying here is pretty close to that, so that's my concern. Well, you love you are the you fucking love to come up with like little fucking scenarios in your head. No, you know, no, I'm well, the reason we're arguing is because we disagree about it. If we if we were of the same mind here, we would be sitting here jerking each other off about this, but we're not. Well, that sounds exciting. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, so uh, do they? At uh, the bike, how, what's the biggest uh, limit hold'em game that runs there these days? Uh, Twenty forty with the kill what runs every day. Two tables at least. Hmm. Forty eighty very rarely. Yes, so if they if they got up to forty eighty more often, I'd go there. The Twenty forty with a kill. I, I I don't even like these kill games very much. But uh, yeah, why wouldn't a professional player like a kill game? A kill game just destroys amateur players. Nah, I, I, I don't like him that much, and I, I'd prefer just a straight forty eighty. But uh, you know, they they've had live at the bike limit hold'em before, but it seems like they don't run it anymore. I've done I've done the commentating on two live at the bike limit hold'em games, and if if you if you join with the free membership I gave you, I don't want you to pay for anything, <laughs> and I'm not fucking shilling anything. Yeah, you got to remember, I'm Jewish here, so I'm not going to pay. So don't pay. Join with the free membership. And if you watch the 2040 kill game that I commentated on, I guarantee you, you will want to come to the bike casino. It's probably average five-way action. No, that also depends how high the rake is. Like, if Commerce has jacked up their rake so much that I think the 4080s become unplayable. Like, it's it's really gotten yeah, well, bad. Well, that's a completely different conversation. That, that is. I'm, I'm just telling you that if the rake is high enough, these games can actually uh, be not worth playing. But uh, it, next time they have a limit hold'em, on live of the bike, maybe, maybe I'll come down there. Even if it's twenty forty, I don't care. You know, for live of the bike, it's just the it's the 
it's just the novelty of appearing on Live at the Bike. That's why I did it. I once played 4080 on Live at the Bike there. Yeah, it would be great. And um, you follow, we follow each other on Twitter now, so you'll see my announcements when the games start. And I, you're, you're cordially invited to play in any Live at the Bike game. And, and if you come down to the bike, I'm going to buy you a beer, too. Okay. If it, if I, I don't drink, but that's okay. So, uh, so by the way, there's a guy in, in chat named Snowtracks, and he just loves you. Snowtracks has just been... Your biggest fan here the whole time in the chat. Well, I like him too because you know it is what it is. I love I love the audience of the show. I love interacting with the audience of the show, and I got a reputation to uphold too. I'm not carrying anybody's fucking water. I give my opinion and I go with the facts. And at the end of the day, I hope everybody can respect that. Well, okay. You have to admit though, it looks a little bit suspicious when the person you're defending works for the same company as you that that's always a little bit of a red flag whether whether yeah, that's the factor or not there's always a little bit of red flag i've met one time in my life i say is naive and gullible and possibly stupid yeah i'm, I'm a big well fan. no but that's better than huge being fan. you know it's better to be I'm naive and gullible fan. than sh- <laughs> it, it, it's better to be gullible than shady that's the thing it's, it's better to be sure. stupid and gullible than shady so if, if the only way out of being shady is stupid and gullible then it's better to be that and it's better to be right than wrong. And, I, and, you know, I think I'm right, and if somebody proves me wrong, I'll change my mind in one fucking second. Because that's how I made money in this business for all this time. If I find out a play doesn't work, I move to the next play. I don't hold on to bad ideas. Well, this, this one's I, impossible I, to prove. This one's impossible to prove, so I guess we'll just be stuck. All righty, so uh, we're going to move on here. Now, were you listening to the show before we had you on here, or at least part of it? Well, no, because I was playing. Oh, you're I, playing, I okay. I, I, was dry, I was playing, and the second that I told you that I was available, I was in the car, and I gave you my car number, and the second I got home, I gave you my home number. All righty. All right, well, that's all right. I, I don't ever pressure anyone to listen. I was just curious. So, all right. no, I was supposed to listen to the show, and I'm going to tune in the next one. All right, very good. Well, if we picked up one listener, we got something out of this. Okay, well, and thanks. I think, for... I think you're good at your, uh, being a host. And, I mean, I got no problem with anybody. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. you know, if I come down to the bike, uh, I'm sure I will uh, meet up with you at some point. I would like to meet you in person, see the guy behind uh, all this and uh, – you know, we've had two conversations now, one on your show, you've been on mine, so uh, I, I would like to meet you at some point, and uh, maybe I will come and play Live at the Bike at some point uh, in the maybe future. Maybe I'll make you buy me a beer. Yeah, that, that's going to be tough, but you can try. All right. <laughs> All right, thank you for calling in. Or thank actually, I called you. Th- thank me for calling you. Thank you for calling me, Tom. Okay, goodbye. Okay, bye. That was the Lyman. So, uh... Grenada Roger, I wish he was still on to hear this. He said, uh, Lyman deserves an ostrich avatar. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I had that line to use on him before he hung up. All right. You know, um, when someone defends someone who they work with or work for, I know he doesn't work for her, it's, it's, it's always suspicious. You can always say, oh, it's... We, we think for ourselves, we're not influenced. But it's it's like this argument that's going on right now regarding money in politics, where there's complaints that there's just too much damn money in presidential elections, and it ends up with candidates who are bought and who feel like they owe favors to the entities that funded a large portion of their campaign. And I can understand that. And this this exists on both sides, on the Democrat and Republican sides. But the truth is, if you don't have a lot of money behind you, 
you're not even going to win in primary. So candidates can say, oh, I think for myself, nobody owns me. But whenever there's a an incentive to be on someone or something's side, then it's hard to be completely neutral. Remember we had that discussion with the PPA about uh, poker stars and full... Okay, people, we're back. I feel so embarrassed. Um, I, I know what the problem was now, and I fixed it. At least for next week, I know we'll be good. Um, I have to blame the technical issues tonight on uh, a source you probably would not expect me to blame it on. I have to blame it on the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yep. See, the Los Angeles Dodgers still do not broadcast on TV. And in order to watch the Dodgers, I have to engage in certain shenanigans and trick Major League Baseball into thinking that I am connecting from somewhere outside of the Los Angeles Dodgers home market area, which pretty much includes all of Southern California and Southern Nevada meaning L.A. and Vegas, is considered the Dodgers' market. So if I'm in either of those places, I cannot watch the Dodgers, even with an MLB account. So I have to trick them through a proxy to have them believe that I am outside the market area. And, of course, I I did that to watch the Dodgers on this computer yesterday, and then I forgot to take off the proxy. And all this time I've been on the proxy. And I'm like, why is my connection so bad? And then I realized, as I could not connect it all to the internet, that it was the damn proxy. That's why we had so much fail tonight. And I apologize for not realizing that. Jeez, this pisses me off. Anyway, this, this, the connection issue should stop at least. At least I know what's wrong. Like I, I was going crazy. I'm like, why can't this whole computer connect to the internet? It just kept dropping off the internet and I couldn't figure out why. I'm like, oh, the damn proxy. I forgot to turn off the damn proxy. So apologies that this show is going to have some cutouts here if you're listening in the archives and special apologies to those listening live in that you heard some dead air. But I'm back, and it should stay back. <laughs> Snow tracks saying every week, every show failure. No need to apologize. Every week for failure, we're used to it. And that's a good point. I mean, I've I've had a lot of trouble here in the last several weeks. I I wouldn't say every week, every show. I would say uh, recently, every show. But not like every week. Like for a while it was pretty good. This one's kind of embarrassing because it was preventable. I am Greek saying wee bit of hypocrisy. Where's the hypocrisy? I I haven't really criticized other shows for having fail because I know this show has fail. Now I, I... I blame the Dodgers. Someone in the chat saying it's not their fault. Of course it's their fault. They should be on TV. It's been two years. What the hell? How how could they have two years where you can't watch them on TV? It's obscene. Do you know any other team that's like that? 
Okay, let's get back to Perlod Friedman. Uh, basically, Perlod Friedman, as I was saying uh, before, my computer so rudely interrupted me, is a limousine liberal. I'm sorry if I'm repeating any of this, but I don't know when the thing cut out. Uh, but basically, Perlod saw himself as the man of the people and said that he would never sign with any poker site because he's anti-corporation and then signed with the worst corporation of them all, even when he knew they were shady. Of course, I wonder if uh, we would have Lyman on here saying that we have no proof that Prahlad knew they were shady. (laughs) We might. But he knew. He knew. So, Perlod Friedman signed up to be the main face of UB. And he got a lot of flack for this. And Joe Seabach, of course, was one of the other big faces of them, got a lot of flack for this. But he's really kind of been away from interviews since then for a lot. So here he was on the 2 Plus 2 poker cast, and they had the opportunity to ask him, why did you sign with UB when everyone was telling you that they're still owned by the same slime balls that stole from us in the first place? And they're probably going to steal again. Why would you try to encourage your fans to sign up for a site like that? Why would you ever promote a site like that, especially you, Prahlad, who claims to hate evil corporations, who claims to be for the little guy? What are you doing to the little guy that you love so much, Prahlad? But they didn't ask that. Now, in their defense, someone suggested to me that they probably had their hands tied, that uh, Adam and Terrence, that is Terrence Chan, who, you know, they both do the 2 plus 2 poker cast, that they probably had to agree to not asking about the UB thing. At least, you know, they could ask about him getting cheated there, but they couldn't ask about Perlad joining them and why he would have done that as a condition of the interview. At least I hope that's true. I hope at least that Perlad told them beforehand they have to agree to this. Because if they just didn't bring it up out of politeness, that's pretty bad. So I'm going to play a clip of this, uh, this interview. Um, I forgot to transfer the clip over to this computer for my other one, my other old busted computer where I saved it. So uh, I'll have to just go to the main clip of the whole poker cast and uh, jump to where I think it is. I think it starts at like an hour 37, the part I wanted to play. So we'll get there in a second. And I will comment on what they said to Perlot and what he said to them. And yes, Mason, I'm going to play a part of your poker cast on my show. I guess you can sue me if you want. I don't know what you'll think of this, but uh, I think I've done it before. So, I, I, I guess I shouldn't challenge Mason to sue me. He did pretty well with suing people. <laughs> but uh, uh, I'll give you a free plug, though. You know, two plus two poker cast, which they do every week like this show on two plus two dot com where I'm going to play from. There you go. Adam Schwartz and Terrence Chan, neither of whom I have a problem with, by the way. I like I like Adam Schwartz and Terrence. Uh, yeah, I'm fine with him, too. But uh, let's, let's jump over to the 
part of the poker cast that I need to get to. Two Plus Two is proud to bring you the Two Plus Two Poker Cast, presented by the Poker Stars VIP Club. This week on the Poker Cast, Prahlad Friedman, aka Spirit Rock, and now here they are, running for president. No, you're being cheated. You you just thought, well, eventually I'll figure this guy out. I mean, do you, you know, is do you do you regret that at all? Just just kind of that much confidence, or let's, let's go before that. That's I'm talking about the cheating. But I want to, I want to go a little bit before that here. Hold winning on. and poked some big days, and you know, let's get to the right part here. Um, it's all prepared so too. The tracking software is completely changed now. It. Nowadays, these young geniuses are, you know, they're a lot better at dealing with it, go. I guess. It's just a little tougher to just be throwing overbets everywhere. So back in the day, it was a pretty strong move. And I always say I should get back into it more like I used to because, like, it was it worked pretty well back then. Yeah, so, you know, you're you're in there. You're, you're kind of taking on all comers. Uh, you're working really hard on your game, but you're you're taking on all opponents. Was there Was there ever any fear that you might – run into a, a guy who was better than you did you ever think anybody might be at your level or better or, or did you have so much confidence you were just like no i'm better than basically everybody I'm that's going to s- deny anybody actually yeah you know did you did you always believe that you were the best i kind of always felt like i was the best but then you know sometimes people would get would make it tough for me here and there and i would think you know well this this guy is pretty good and then i would I would start to think, you know, is it possible that he's better than me? And uh, I just, I did have a just enormous confidence that I was like, if this guy is better than me now, like I'll learn to be better than him. That's kind of the confidence I always had about poker is that if someone was better than me, I could figure out how to be better than them. So there were times where players were were tougher. And, uh, you know, the fact that I got cheated so much, there were players that (laughs) were pretty damn tough. Because right. they could see my cards, and uh, but 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 even against those guys, I was like, I'm gonna all end up beating them or whatever. So some of that confidence I had, I guess, got me in trouble and cost me. Yeah, uh, I was reading. I was reading an interview that you did, I think, uh, with Gary Wise, where you talked about basically you just had so much confidence. You even though you're being cheated, you you just thought, well, eventually I'll figure this guy out. I mean, do you, you know, is do you do you regret that at all? Just just kind of that much confidence, or is it was it just you know you take the good with the bad? Um, yeah, like maybe I was a little naive and I didn't, you know, realize that the internet is not always you know the safest thing. I mean, I had already like read about hackers in college and how they can hack into like anything and but then somehow i just was winning okay so let's stop right here let's stop right here that's the the main thing i wanted to play he learned the internet is not the safest place he learned he was a bit naive prahlad you promoted people to go play on that site after this happened owned by the same people who were bad on the internet the bad people on the internet who own this site, you promoted them to go play there. Why? Why? For money? Why would you do that? You wouldn't sign up with any other site because you hated corporations. Why would you have changed your mind and signed with the worst possible corporation that was cheating people for the second time? And what bothers me is that he can say things like this. He can say, oh, man, I was playing against real tough guys. They were cheating me. They could see my cards. <laughs> yeah. And then you went to go work for them and told people to go play there. You leave that part out. That's a pretty big part you're leaving out. 
you were a victim, and then you joined the bad guys to bring them other victims. And you did. They went down and stole all the money. Good job, Perlod. You you promoted UB when everyone's saying, these are the same owners. These are the same owners. Please stay away, Perlod. These are the same owners. Uh, no, I, you know, I, I think that it's the new UB. Yeah, man, it's pretty cool. They're donating to my charity. It's all about the new UB. Yeah, man. It's all about new UB. Go play there. Play, raise, stack, and own like I do. It's it just... The guy just pisses me off. He's not even like someone who's like a, a brash, cold, I do whatever the fuck I want sort of person. He's like, he's one of these guys who wants you to know he's more sensitive than you are more in tune with the world than you are, cares about the common man more than you do, but then he signs with UB. UB cheats him, and then he signs with them to bring them new people. It's unbelievable. You look up limousine liberal in the dictionary, you get Perlot Friedman. You really do. I always like to play this. This is one of my favorite uh, Prahlad Friedman pieces. Why didn't they play this on the Two Plus Two Poker cast? This should have been the opening song. One pen doing some song, num dunong, them darling, trying. This has fifty three likes and hundred and sixty four dislikes on YouTube. Loy Loy Gritong Loy Gritong Now he's adopted some other culture. White bread dude. Singing some Thai song or something. While he's meditating in front of his fountain. Yeah. BC. That's Doc King Progress. He's, he's meditating in front of a man made fountain. Yeah, resurrected, progressive, collective. I gotta give it off. The heavenly directive. I did it like BC. I make it look And so, this isn't so Prahlad, this is one of his friends. In Miami, some he did this with two easy, other guys. Laid back easy with J Ray. Back to go Hebo with the big baby Buzzabita. Mixed with the Spanish Chiba. Sipping mojitos at Nikki Beach with the Spanish Chica. The Bachelor Mani. I did it for my mommy. I did it for New York, Boston, and Poppy. Battle KC. Did it for the J Ray. I hate to bash this guy. He, he had nothing to do with what happened here. So I did it for this guy was not a poker player. The one's rapping right now. I, I don't know where Prolad found this guy. We like strong candles forever burning thee. There's no doubt about it. I don't know where he found this guy. This is like an innocent bystander in uh, Prolad's uh, reign of hypocrisy. This is the hat guy. <laughs> I guess the hat guy is like a Christian dude. Someone found some other videos this guy made with like teenagers, some church he teaches at or something. I don't know. People like making fun of these guys, but they don't really deserve it. Except poor choice of friends. Waiting for the universe to speak. You can catch me at Bass Lake, breaking free, complete to celebrate with my... 
did, did, life reflected, aggressive, collective, realize the objective, minds resurrected, here comes Prahlad, we have resurrected the progressive collective, given introspective ideas, remove your fears, we all cry tears, but let's not call them, not being the solution, is being the... <laughs> but listen to this part, I, I, I stopped it a little too early. Solution is being the problem. Yeah, not being the solution is being the problem. He should take his own advice there. Not being the solution is being the problem, but you're going to go recommend people sign up for UB after the scandal. Owned by the same people. Good job, Perlod. Good job. Progressive collective. We did detect this positive reflection. We chill on right conscious flows while watching the lake show. It's work and play, the combination sets us free. Discipline, passion, drive, we set our minds. Life is a wonder, better make goals before your life erodes. Time ticks on, we might be pawns, but we can still move on. Someday become queen, keep your head up. We call one team, we call one team. Yeah, you're one team on UB to cheat everybody. Jeez. <sighs> so I, I wish... I wish he didn't get to have an interview like he did on 2 Plus 2 where he doesn't have to talk about this, where they pretend it didn't happen. I mean, just refuse to do the interview with a guy if he won't talk about it. If he if he says that you can't ask him about joining UB, then just don't do the interview with him. Don't do an interview with Perlotta and make him look good. He doesn't deserve it. I, I said this earlier about Melanie Wisner. These people have to be ostracized from poker. If they, if they join sites like UB, lock poker after it's known that they're scams and promote them, they should be blackballed from working in poker and they shouldn't be promoted as interesting or good people. I don't think they should be barred from sitting at a poker game, but they shouldn't be promoting poker or working in poker in any way. They shouldn't be. All right. Oh. So I, I guess I was ignoring the chat And I shouldn't have been Because uh, I was told that Adam said Let me see if I can scroll up That there were no restrictions So why didn't they ask him about it? That makes even less sense I mean I know everybody can't be perfect So I'm, I'm not going to go after them too hard You know, I, I don't want to go after People who didn't actually Do anything To hurt anyone So at the 2 plus 2 poker cast, they didn't hurt anyone by having Perlot on there. I just wish they took the opportunity to ask him. I, I know if I asked Perlot to come on here, he wouldn't do it. If he'd like to prove me wrong, that's great, but he wouldn't come on here. It, it's just something that shouldn't be ignored. It should be, Perlot, okay, you got cheated on UB. Everyone was telling you afterwards the same owners. There was a lot of extensive research done on that by people like Haley Hintz and others who could have, you know, who were willing to present you with mounds of evidence that it was the same ownership. You claim to hate evil corporations so much, why would you have signed with them? And how do you feel now that people signed up and they lost their money because UB stole it all? People think of Full Tilt on Black Friday. They think of Full Tilt stole our money on Black Friday. Well, they did, but so did UB. UB went down the same way. 
So that just kind of bugged me. I, I just wish they asked him. Maybe they can have like a sequel interview with him and he won't even suspect it. He'll think that it was such a good experience the first time he'll come back and then they'll just hammer him with UB stuff. That'd be great. All right, so so hopefully Adam Schwartz hasn't uh, stopped listening to the show. I mean, I see he's still there, but hopefully he's not uh, giving up on the show because I had to give him a hard time about this. I, I just wish they'd said something about this. And if they didn't say anything about this, at least play this song. We are one team. We are one scam. Realize the objective. Soul collective. Steal your money. Ugh. You know, I like people with principles, even if it's not principles I agree with. I can respect the person with the opposite political views to mine as long as they're consistent with them. I just, I I hate hypocrites. I, I hate people who claim to strongly believe one way and then act completely the other way. It it bothers me. It bothers me to see people like Prahlad who claim to hate corporations and care so much about the little man and be the left-wing populist type and then sign up with UB to help them cheat everyone, to promote their site and have them steal everyone's money, which they did. People begging him to give him all the info why they're still the same ownership and he didn't want to take it. You know, I hate seeing that as much as I hate seeing people on the right with some of their hypocrisy. You know, talking about being gay is an abomination, blah, 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 and it turns out the person's secretly having gay sex behind closed doors. I mean, it's all the same. It, It doesn't matter if it's on the left or right. If you're strongly claiming you feel one way or you're basing all your loudly stated views upon a certain ideology and then you live your life with the opposite ideology, that's really bad. You're just a big phony. And that's what Prahlad proved to be. That's what he was. And uh, it just bothers me. It shouldn't have happened. The first UB scandal was bad enough. But the second really shouldn't have happened. Nobody should have been promoting them at that point. You're a phony. Hey, this guy's a great big phony. Yeah. All right, next topic. (laughs) Adam Schwartz saying next topic. All right, let's let's get to the next topic. Adam's calling for the next topic. Let's go to the next topic. Uh, let's see. See, I got so worked up on this, I I forgot the next topic. I lost my agenda. At least the Dodgers swept the Giants. You know, I may have had a fail tonight with the connection here to the internet, but at least the Dodgers swept the Giants and pretty much locked up the National League West, unless they really crapped the bed. But the next real topic is the Hialeah Casino and employees apparently stealing out of the prize pool. 
Here's the report. The Hialeah Park Casino in Miami was the spot of a $250 buy-in tournament that featured a $200,000 guaranteed prize pool and a $60,000 guaranteed payout for first place. The tournament was to have five day ones with two starting flights each day. So I guess there's going to be 10 starting flights, 1A through 5B. From August 25th to 29th, these 10 flights ran, building a prize pool that had never been seen in that particular poker room. So this is the biggest tournament they ever had, even though the buy-in was only 250 From the beginning, however, something didn't seem right about the tournament, at least to one poster on the 2 Plus 2 forums. Poster Bob Bernstein took to the forum for a long inaugural post on the many issues that allegedly plagued the event. The structure sheet was not posted online, nor was it freely available in the poker room, Bernstein said to the readers. It was posted at the tournament podium where players went to register. The podium was where buy-ins were exchanged instead of the cashier's cage, which had no sign for the tournament. So you would buy in at the podium instead of the cashier's cage, which is already suspicious. At least if you do it at the cashier's cage, it goes directly through official casino channels. Now you have to do it at the tournament podium where there's many fewer hands touching the money and much less oversight. After Bernstein broke down the distribution of the buy-in money, he stated that rebuys were available, and at the end of nine levels, a final add-on was also offered. With all this information given to players, the problems didn't seem to arrive until the final day of the tournament, day two, which was held on August 30th. The chip counts were posted prior to the start of the day's play, which stated the prize pool in the event had cracked the guarantee at 215,000. 163 players had made it through the 10 flights held and that 90 players would earn a cash in the tournament. The total number of entries was never released to the players, nor was there any information given regarding the number of rebuys or add-ons. However, watchful players did the math based upon all the chips in the tournament and figured out that the number of total chips in the day two lists did not match with what was posted on the tournament clock in the Hialeah Park poker room, a difference of 696,000 chips. Yep. What does that mean? It means that the idiots at the Hialeah Park Casino, when they were skimming from the prize pool, the people at the poker podium and those taking the rebuys that were just... uh, pocketing some of the money on the side, most likely. They forgot to think about the fact that there's still chips in play. (laughs) Oops. So the number of total chips, and they didn't say the number of entries. They never said the number of entries or rebuys or add-ons. They just said, here's the prize pool. It's a... 215,000. But the players, and they figured out that when you add up all the money that people would be making, that um, it didn't match. It didn't match. There was money missing because they were able to figure out by how many chips were in the tournament based on what was added on. Yeah, you know, they they didn't have what was added on, what was bought in initially, what was rebought, but they were able to figure it all out. How many there were. And it was wrong. 
there is 696,000 chips that were there that shouldn't have been there. And the reason those chips were there was not because they were snuck in. It's because they were bought and the money that was used to buy them was stolen. So Bernstein said that the South Florida Poker Players Association, I didn't even know that existed. We kind of need that in L.A. and Las Vegas. Where, where's the L.A. Poker Players Association or the uh, Las Vegas Poker Players Association? Damn. They raised a ruckus regarding the situation on Facebook, br- bringing a shift manager from Hialeah Park named Daniel Sierra to the local social media site to attempt to explain the discrepancies. After giving some information, Bernstein and others found even more numbers did not correlate. Furthermore, after encouraging people to ask questions, Sierra decided not to air the answers on Facebook and instead suggested people, quote, talk to him in person. Sure. The accusations of a poorly run tournament continued from Bernstein. Bernstein suggested that the floor staff allowed players to be seated with, quote, friends. In a particularly damning anecdote... It is alleged that players who busted would pay a tournament runner for a new stack, but that no receipt for a rebuy would be passed to the player. How easy would it be to skim money this way, Bernstein asked. Dealers would allegedly keep tournament chips in their wells and color down players rather than have another player at the table do the deed, possibly introducing extra chips into the tournament. The drama doesn't end here. Once the tournament popped the money bubble, payouts were done at the same podium where the buy-ins were taken rather than at the cashier's cage. The final table allegedly resulted in a 10-player chop, but there's no information on how the tournament concluded or who won, as Hylia Park does not publish any results. Jeez. Bernstein alleged that the manager of Hylia Park Poker Room, Nelson Costa, quote, hired friends to staff the floor at Hylia Park and operate a dealer school whose graduates can earn jobs in his poker room for a cut of their salaries. Bernstein also alleged that many players in this particular tournament were allowed entry and paid nothing, a free roll for the player, in exchange for a cut of their winnings. That may have been what happened here. The people were allowed to enter for free, and then uh, they'd have to give up some of their winnings to whoever let them slip in there for free. There is healthy debate going on in the thread with a majority of commentary against the poker room. There's also talk about getting gaming officials from the state of Florida, you think, involved in the proceedings. The situation continues to be very fluctuating and every truth may not be known until the Division of Paramutual Wagering of Florida investigates the allegations further. This is from PocketFives.com, which has now hired KevMath, of course. He didn't write this article, though. This is written by Earl Burton, who I don't know. What a shady place. Now, if they want to learn how to successfully skim add-on money or rebuy money, they should take lessons from the World Series of Poker circa 2007. They should be able to give some good instruction on how to do that because uh, that's what they did. <laughs> they did. I mean, that's, a, that, that's what happened. It happened to me. I'm pretty convinced I got money stolen from me because I finished 10th in an event that was highly suspected to have had thefts by World Series of Poker staff. Because back then, in the rebuy events, you'd just call a floor man over, you'd give him the money, and he'd hand you the chips. No record. No proof. No slip. Nothing. No receipt. 
In fact, for tax purposes, I thought about, you know, I didn't rebuy, but if I did rebuy, how could I prove it to the tax man if I was ever audited? How could I ever prove? Let's say I rebought 15 times. How could I prove it? They, they don't have any record of it. They have a record that I bought in, but not that I rebought. So as I said, I didn't rebuy in that one, so there, that wasn't an issue, but it could have been. So I finished 10th place. I should have probably gotten more money than I did, but it looks like they probably uh, cut some of the rebuys out of the prize pool. Supposedly there was a shakeup at the World Series where certain people were fired and or not rehired because of the suspicion of doing this. They, they either couldn't prove it or didn't want to prove it. They just dismissed people at the World Series. So they did away with those rebuy events for that reason. That's why there's no more rebuy events at the World Series. Now they only have those uh, events where you get some kind of lammer where you can enter two more times after you bust called the like the triple chance event. I don't even know if they have those anymore. And then, of course, they have the ones where you can rebuy on the other flights where if you bust 1A, you can rebuy in 1B. But there there's a record for it. There you have to buy through the cashier and you get a record and a receipt and all that gets reported to the IRS. So... Uh, there's a paper trail. Nothing can be skimmed. But here, what a mess. This is like the World Series rebuy events on steroids. Sounds like skimming all over the place. They weren't even announcing how many people played or rebought. Crazy. They, they don't even give you a number. Have you ever played a tournament where they won't tell you how many people bought in? How do they explain that? especially when the numbers don't end up matching up with the prize pool. And this is an Indian casino, so unfortunately there's not that much that can be done. They have their sovereignty and all that other crap. I mean, they can lose the gaming license for the division of paramutual wagering, but who knows if they're going to do anything. I wonder what the South Florida Poker Players Association is. I wonder if they have any kind of teeth. I wonder if they have any kind of influence like if they're pissed at you you meaning like your casino but does it matter is there enough people that pay attention to what they think do they have any kind of power i've always thought this is a good idea to have a poker players association and not the poker players alliance which mainly focuses upon legal issues i'm talking about one that deals with things like this where if poker players get treated unfairly, that the Poker Player Association speaks up for them, and if it doesn't get resolved, then the Poker Players Association recommends to everyone to stay away from that venue or that poker site or whatever. I always thought that would be a very powerful tool. Have like a, a middleman sort of association like that that evaluates the validity of claims against poker sites, and if the poker sites don't act right, then they warn the their player base to stay away. I think that could pre- prevent a lot of scams. It's just a matter of getting this sort of thing going and getting enough uh, participation in it, which is harder than you think. Stay away from the Hialeah Casino in Florida. Let's see, I sent an article... Yeah. Okay. 
some kind of, some kind of funny picture by someone. All right, let's uh, let's take a look over at the situation with a poker fraud alert poster accusing an army lieutenant of scamming him of five thousand dollars. Wow. This was posted on Poker Fraud Alert this past week by a guy named Ship. Now, it's important to know that Ship, in this case, is different than Ship, who posted on Neverwin Poker and Boris, where a lot of you used to post. That Ship scammed people. This Ship, as far as I know, has scammed no one. It's a different person, just the same screen name. Anyway... I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. If you want to see it, go to the Scam, Scandals, and Shadiness forum of PokerFraudAlert.com. And the thread is entitled West Point Graduate and Current Army Second Lieutenant Brad Neaton Scammed Me for $5,000. And he posts some pictures of this guy and he posts some screen captures of, uh, of things and some transcripts. But here's what happened. I'm just going to give you the Cliff's notes on this rather than read this guy's long post and bore you. Basically, Ship said the following. He was contacted by a 2 plus 2 poster named Prolific528 in the trading forum. There's a forum just to trade money between poker sites and bank accounts. So he was, he was contacted on there by Prolific528 regarding buying $5,000 from Ship on America's card room in exchange for a bank transfer. So ship would be sending him uh, $5,000 on America's card room and he'd be getting a bank transfer from prolific 528 prolific 528 had a good history in making transfers, including with big bad Babar, who is the moderator of that trading forum. So he had a good history. So it seemed so ship sent the five K on America's card room to Prolific 528. Prolific 528 said, okay, well, I can't send it to you yet, the bank transfer, because the banks are closed right now. It's, it's evening time, but I'll send it to you tomorrow. Well, before the next morning, Prolific then asked for 3K more. He said, can I have another 3K? Let's do a second 3K trade, and I'll send you 8K in the morning. So Ship was like, ah, you know what? I, I've sent you enough. Let's just stick to the 5K. But he's already suspicious. What's up with that? Like, we didn't talk about 8K before. Now suddenly he wants 3K more before he's even sent me the first 5K. Not surprisingly, no money ever showed up. Not surprisingly, Prolific528 said he's, quote, working on it and then disappeared from Skype, which was a bad sign because Ship said that Prolific528 was always logged into Skype and he'd never completely logged off except for this time when he was supposedly working on getting him the money. So Ship, of course, went to Big Bag Barber, who uh, is the moderator of the trading forum on 2 Plus 2. Prolific 528 admitted to both Big Bad Barber and Ship that, indeed, this was a scam. He claimed he had a gambling problem, is currently broke, and was going to work to pay him back over time, but could not provide an ETA for payback, but claimed it would be, quote, at least several months, basically meaning never. Ship then researched Prolific 528 and found that his real name was Brad Neaton, N-E-A-T-O-N, a second lieutenant in the U.S. Army who had graduated from West Point. Wow. 
Ship threatened to report this to Brad's commanding officer because you can't do this sort of thing if you're an officer in the army. It's, uh, you can get in big trouble. You're, you're held to a higher ethical standard there than you are in everyday life if you're, not, if you're a civilian. You could be court-martialed for something like this. So he threatened to report this to Brad's commanding officer. Brad then laughed off the threat and told Ship that he's being treated for gambling addiction and he didn't commit any crimes. So he was basically saying, look, it's just a bad gambling debt and I have a gambling addiction. They know that in the army already and they're treating me. So F you, you can't do anything about it. Uh, Brad then mocked Ship for demanding the repayment of the 5K immediately because he said that Ship had just won $18,000 in a tournament online and therefore, how could he need the 5K right now? Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was the sort of a good laughter. Saying, hey, you just won 18K. Why do you need 5K? It doesn't matter if I owe it to you. You don't need it. You, you have 18K. So how could you ever need to five more? Screw you. A 2 plus 2 post in June revealed that Brad had short paid someone by over $1,000 in a previous trade and then got nasty with the person when they complained about it. This is like a trade where it was like 2K and Brad sent them like 1800 something. Mike Haven, who's a 2 plus 2 mod, confirmed that Prolific 528 made lots of, quote, junk posts on 2 plus 2 in order to cover up the recent warnings about him. So I guess there weren't, there were some other things about prolific 528 that people have been warning about in recent months so so people wouldn't see that he went crazy posting about a lot of garbage like uh, fast food and other frivolous topics just to to where if anyone searches posts having to do with prolific 528 they'd come upon like hundreds and hundreds of posts about nonsense and wouldn't find these warning posts buried in there mike haven deleted those junk posts Ship has attempted to report this to the military, but hasn't been successful in reaching the right person. He was told by his local police to report this to the FBI Cyber Crimes Division and has done so. Ship has uncovered evidence that there were several 2 plus 2 accounts since 2012 that were also involved in scamming, which were very similar to Prolific 528. Most importantly, all these accounts seem to talk about the military in West Point and all seem to be the same age as Prolific 528, meaning they're probably all him. So what do I think of this whole thing? Well, first of all, I believe him. I don't have any proof, but I believe him. I believe that Brad Neaton, a.k.a. Prolific 528, is a kid with a bad gambling problem who resorts to scamming in order to keep in action. I believe he probably was responsible for those other accounts that uh, talked about West Point and all seem to talk about the military a lot, just like Prolific did, and all seem to be the same age. This makes it especially unlikely that Chip will ever be paid back. This is someone who has been chronically doing this. Seems to be a career scammer at this point and uh, not someone who made a one-time mistake. I believe he's likely broke and I think he'll only come upon money through other scams or by temporarily running up money in poker and then he'll lose it back anyway. So I think Ship's never going to see his money and I think Ship is best off trying to give him comeuppance for what he did. Now, the mistake Ship made was going to the FBI. The FBI is not going to do a damn thing about this. The FBI will almost see this as a bad gambling debt. There are so many scams on the internet, the FBI gets thousands of complaints every day. They don't have time or the manpower to investigate a guy who stiffs someone in an internet gambling-related trade. They're not going to care. 
It's going to look like a bad debt to them. Your local police also can't help you in this sort of thing. They're, unless you get a, a local detective that really wants to make a name for himself with a case like this, they're going to say, we don't know what to do with this. We're, uh, you know, we don't know how to handle this cross-jurisdiction internet gambling scam. It's kind of weird. We don't know what laws to apply. We don't, you know, we, we don't have jurisdiction where that person's located, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's a very hard thing to do. And most of the local police departments don't know how to handle it and don't want to learn. They don't want to get involved. That's why they sent him to go report to the FBI, which is also a dead end. So Ship's best action here is to be very persistent with the army. To keep pressing and pressing to get a hold of his commanding officer. Don't take no for an answer. And then once he does, either get his commanding officer or somebody else of similar authority who's interested in the situation. You put together a concise report with a lot of the extraneous details removed. This guy posted like 10 pages to Poker Fraudler. You can't do that. I mean, you can do it at Poker Fraudler. That's fine. But don't do it if you're reporting this to the uh, the military. They're not going to want to read pages and pages and pages of, quote, evidence on this. You you give them a concise and clear report, pretty much like a Cliff's Notes, and then offer to give them more detail if they want it. But don't give them a giant stack of paperwork that they're not going to want to read. And then if you don't get a proper response, then just keep pushing and start threatening to go to the media, only as a last resort. So uh, good luck to him to recover the money. But don't ever go to the FBI about a internet trade gone bad. It'll never work. Don't go to your local police either. Go. At that point, you need to get creative when this happens to you. In this case, go to the commanding officer. If the person's not in the military, which they usually wouldn't be, uh, start harassing them at their job. Start threatening to tell everyone at work what they did. Uh, Start threatening to tell their family what they did. Track down their family and tell them what they've been doing. Scammers love secrets. Scammers do not want people in in their life to know they're scamming. A lot of scammers live an otherwise normal life outside of the scamming they're doing. And the people in their lives have no idea. Their parents have no idea. Their siblings have no idea. Their wife often has no idea if they're married. Um, their friends have no idea. Their neighbors have no idea. Their employer has no idea. Make the person know that you're going to give them an idea. That you're going to let the world know about what they've been doing. Not just the poker world, but their world. That's the way to get them to pay up. If you go to the FBI and report a cybercrime, it's going to fall into a black hole. You've got to hit them where it hurts. That's how you get to scammers. And you shouldn't feel guilty about it. Someone does what this guy is alleged to have done. You go at them hard. So good luck to Ship getting it off this guy. He seems like a scumbag. I believe him. You know, you never know when these stories are brought to you. It could all be made up, but I don't think so. Looks real to me. That's a lot of detail, too. And and apparently Brad admitted this to Big Bad Barbar, who has been around forever, and I wouldn't see lying about this. So seems pretty clear to me this really happened. Well, let's talk about another scam that really happened in all likelihood. 
Matt Glance, who listens to this show, I don't know if he'll still be listening after the debacle tonight with the internet connection, but hopefully he still is. Matt Glance apparently got scammed also. This was by uh, Craig Bateman, who sold Matt a piece of his World Series main event, and Craig Bateman cashed. Uh, this is posted by Paul Volpe, who also was involved in this, uh, also a victim. But uh, Paul Volpe went on Twitter and said, just a heads up, this is on August 25th, Craig Bateman straight up robbed Matt Glantz and I after we invested in his World Series of Poker main. He cashed, then told us to fuck off. Wow. Uh, another poker pro... George Cisak responded to Paul Volpe's tweets to say that he also had bought some of Bateman's action and had not received anything of the winning. So it looks like that uh, Craig Bateman, who finished 538th for only 19,500, he he basically uh, well he didn't min cash, but yeah you know, he he pseudo min cashed. He didn't even double his buy in. They gave 15,000 for the min cash this year on a 10k buy in. Uh, he just stiffed them. It's not clear how much they bought of him, but he stiffed them. Now, Paul Volpe is a high-limit player. Matt Glantz is a high-limit player. If you look at the amount of money involved, some piece of 19500 both of these guys, they, they enter so many tournaments that's far more than whatever piece they had that they didn't get paid for. By Craig Bateman. I mean, this is a relatively small amount of money compared to what Paul Volpe and uh, Matt Glantz pay for or play for. Also, Matt Glantz is a. Yeah, I don't know much about Paul Volpe's uh, reputation, whether it's good or bad as far as uh, integrity, but I know Matt Glantz has a great reputation. So there's no way they're making this up. There's no way they're making this up. Bateman has not responded to the accusations, which of course is very suspicious. So Bateman was basically unknown until last year he won at the Parks Casino, which uh, Matt Glantz is kind of associated with, by the way. That's probably how he got to know him. Uh, he won the Big Stacks 500 for 71K, but prior to that he's only had a few uh, three-figure scores way back in 2006. So he won that 71K and probably felt like this is his big break and now he's going to be a big poker pro and then he probably kept losing again. So he probably spent the 71K on tournament buy-ins and expenses of the tournament circuit and chunked it off pretty quickly. And then he sold action not expecting to ever pay anyone, figuring if he loses, then he keeps the money. And if he wins, he keeps the money. He keeps the money either way. There was a tweet on July 2nd from Craig Bateman saying, selling main event action, let me know if you're interested, planning on winning for real. Well, he did win something for real and cheated everyone for real, apparently. So 
be very careful when you're buying pieces of poker players. Be very careful. Especially unknowns like this Bateman guy who kind of just show up out of the blue. Don't have much of a track record. Yeah, Matt Glantz tweeted the next day on August 26. I had 40%. Paul had 20%. And like the suckers we are, we paid markup too. Wow. So they bought 60% of this guy and paid markup. So he probably almost played the main event for free and then kept the 20 k Pretty good deal there for uh, Craig Bateman. Uh, well, I guess they trusted him in some way. I guess someone vouched for Bateman and uh, Paul Volpe did collect from him. He said, I was actually paid by someone who vouched, but it took a lot to get paid. He fucked over the guy who vouched. Also, guy was forced. He's basically saying that, uh, yeah, he got paid, but only from someone who vouched for Craig Bateman in order to get Paul Volpe to buy 20% of him. So that guy ended up getting screwed over. That doesn't really matter. It just transferred the theft from one to another. I, I don't blame Paul Volpe for collecting it from the person who vouched, but yeah, don't back Craig Bateman. Don't back anybody who just kind of shows up out of the blue with a 71K score and then thinks they're a pro. Not a good idea. So that's too bad, though. I, yeah, I, I hate reading about stories like this. It's bad. You try to do something nice. I mean, I, I imagine they must have liked Craig Bateman and, you know, they probably thought he was a decent player and they probably knew him from Parks, seemed like a great guy and wanted to help him out and bought 60% of his main and then he screwed them. No good deed goes unpunished. I just want to mention stories like these because I, I want to get the word out of those who, who steal. Well, someone who wanted to get the word out was a former SEO manager that search engine optimization of poker stars. Poker stars engages in SEO techniques, as do many businesses. There's nothing really wrong with that. And that is to where people search for terms related to your business that your business comes up on the front page of Google. So let's go to Google right now and type in poker stars. Or just say poker. Forget poker stars. Poker. I typed in poker. Very first thing is the Wikipedia entry for poker. <laughs> Second is WSOP.com, which is both the official website of the World Series of Poker and the online poker sites that exist in Delaware, New Jersey, and Nevada. But third is PokerStars.com. So that is pretty good that PokerStars is the third entry for the search term poker. How many results return on Google for poker? How about 178 million? 178 million results of poker come up. And number three is poker stars. They did a pretty good job, didn't they? They're behind World Series of Poker. They're behind the Wikipedia entry for poker. But still, pretty damn good, right? So how did they get there? Well, through search engine optimization. There's many tricks you can employ to get 
your uh, your ranking high for things like that. So there's nothing wrong with doing that. It's a legitimate business tactic. It's been known for years that poker stars and other poker sites have been doing that. But what's interesting is that a former employee named Serge Pon, P-O-N, claimed that he was going to out all of the SEO secrets that poker stars was engaging in and uh, make them look really bad, basically. Here is what he claimed he was going to do, and he was going to do it on a site called poker.wtf. You know, like, what the fuck, WTF? Uh, apparently, that's a domain you can buy now, is anything.wtf. So he, he bought poker.wtf and was going to bash poker stars on there. So this is what he was getting ready to reveal. How poker stars in Full Tilt, which are the same company now, owned by Amaya, are manipulating search engines. How poker stars in Full Tilt are hiding gambling advertising behind editorial content. How poker stars in Full Tilt are operating in countries even where they have no license and their domains constantly blocked. And how poker stars uses celebrities and other influential people to create a myth that poker is a game of skill. The secrets will send shockwaves through the online gaming playing world. Serge Pond hopes with his campaign that MPs and the government body, the governing bodies of online gaming will investigate the techniques being used and put a stop to them, which is helping to increase the online gambling addiction problem. Serge Pond said, I want people to know the secrets of the techniques of these gambling companies use. Over 9 million people a year turned to online gambling, and in 2013, it was reported 2 billion pounds a year was being spent online. I want the addiction to stop. Sure you do. So you guys know I, I'm always happy to call out poker stars and they screw up and when they're doing something wrong. In fact, I did it at the beginning of the show when I bashed them for what they were doing with the EPT Barcelona, allowing to continue there when players get cheated over and over. But here they are not in the wrong. This is clearly an angry employee. By the way, a scared employee, too, because he took down his poker.wtf site. They, they scared him with legal threats. They, they hit him with legal threats, and he, uh, he took it down. He probably signed an NDA, non-disclosure agreement, and then was afraid they would sue him. So he, you can't go to poker.wtf anymore. You can uh, look at it in the Google cache, but you cannot uh, go there anymore. So... Uh, let me tell you the problem with what he was claiming he was going to expose. And believe me, I'm all for an insider exposing misdeeds of a poker site if they've got something legit to expose. Even if they're just angry employees, even if they're just uh, disgruntled employees who are not doing this because they want to help people, but just because they want to screw their former employer, fine. If you've got something to expose, expose it. But that is not really... Uh, What's going on here? This guy was very happy to do what he was doing to promote poker stars and assist them in, quote, bringing people with gambling addictions to the site until they fired him. All of a sudden, when they fired him, he had this wave of guilt and now wants to stop online poker. If you went to poker.wtf before it went down, the top of the site said, stop poker. Poker is gambling. 
Poker enthusiasts around the world are convinced that poker and all its variation is a game of skill. Unfortunately, this idea is a dream and is a gambler's fallacy. See, right, right there he's lost me. Right, right there he should lose everyone. It is a game of skill. Is there gambling in it? Of course there is. Is there luck in it? Of course there is. But it is a game that relies very much upon skill to be successful in the long term and even in the medium and short term. So when he's saying that believing that it's a game of skill is a gambler's fallacy, that's that's a lie right there. It is a game of skill. Now he can say that after the rake and other expenses of the game that even skilled players don't make money a lot of times because it's not a zero-sum game, that the amount of skill you have to have to beat it in the long term is something only very few people have and everybody else loses in some way either to other players or the rake. He could say that and be accurate, but but to say it's not a game of skill is is just showing this guy has an agenda right there, and it's not just somebody who's trying to expose something. And then he puts up a bunch of stuff about uh, problem gambling symptoms, and then it says poker will make you sad. <laughs> that, that's that's the way he concludes the site. Poker will make you sad. <laughs> hey, stop it! It's not a laughing matter. Poker will make you sad. Is his point, Serge Pond? Yeah. So he was uh, he was going to reveal their SEO secrets. Now I, I bet you're curious to know what are these SEO secrets because even if you agree that this is just a bitter ex-employee who wants to uh, smear poker stars and might be doing so unfairly, perhaps. Perhaps he's still giving us some information of some shady SEO terms that they that they did. You know, I have this guy's phone number. I should try to call him. I should try to call him. But first, let me read you some of the stuff from his site before it went down, which I have saved. It's uh, let, let me just tell you, it's not very groundbreaking. It's not exactly uh, shocking stuff like he was promising. So here is uh, part one of Amaya PokerStars SEO Secrets Revealed. Gambling companies are always trying to get more visitors to their online casinos to attract money. Poker stars in full tilt went further. They advertised poker and casinos even in countries where gambling advertising is illegal, for example, Russia. How are they managing to do that? Answer is very simple, by buying links and masking advertising content as editorial. But it's better to see with your own eyes. Please see information below, which is showing poker stars in full tilt are provi- performing illegal marketing activities around the globe. So he's, he has links to, quote, donor websites. Uh then list the URLs that they're trying to advertise. And then the anchor text, things that you'd be looking for. So like if you look for Daniel Negreanu, how to lead you to poker stars. Not not exactly shocking stuff here. I mean, so what if they want to kind of hide ads for their site in editorial content? Who gives a crap? It's, it's not even explicitly illegal in a lot of the countries like he's claiming, like Russia. It, it's kind of like a gray area in a lot of these countries, whether online poker is illegal or not. But that's, that's not really our business to worry about. 
uh, I don't even care so much if they want to offer it in countries where it's not allowed. I've said before that they have to suffer the consequences if they get caught. That's why I was saying I don't think PokerStars should get a license since they've been caught doing that in the U.S. But if they want to give it a try, yeah, I'm not going to scream that's terrible. If I did, I'd be a hypocrite because I played on there a lot. But if you look at the other guy's point, the other points this guy makes, uh, they're manipulating search engines. Well, great. So is pretty much every other company out there. Every company wants to show up on the top of search engines. Uh, How they're hiding gambling advertising behind editorial content. I mean, that's... There's always been backdoor advertising as long as advertising has existed. Way before any of us were born, there was backdoor advertising. That's, again, not a big deal. It's not like the they're hiding this in uh, in children's storybooks. They're, they're hiding this in, in sites that uh, claim to be editorials, the guy says, and they're actually doing backdoor advertising for their site. Who gives a crap? So So what? And, oh, they're using celebrities and other influential people to create a myth that PokerStars is a game of skill. They're creating this myth through celebrities and other influential people. Isn't that awful? (laughs) So, this is just ludicrous. I mean, so they're using celebrities to endorse them. Again, something that's been done for many decades in advertising. Of course, celebrities do endorsements. What a shock. What a shock that a big company is using a celebrity to endorse their product. Wow. And then Serge says, yeah, he wants the addiction to stop. You didn't want the addiction to stop until you got fired. What an idiot. So this is an employee who's just mad that they fired him and is trying to bash them and is, of course, uh, over-promising and under-delivering. Let's see if we can call this guy. I have his phone number. Media Relations Contact, and it says Serge Pon. I think it's uh I don't know though. It's a uh I think it's country code seventy seven. I wonder where that is. It's probably gonna cost me a lot of money. What the hell? Let's give it a call. Kazakhstan? I don't know if I believe that. Is that really his phone number? Seventeen point nine cents a minute? That's expensive. Alright, let's see if I reach him. Let's call Kazakhstan. No, it's not a it's not a valid number, is it? Let's try something else. Maybe it's not Kazakhstan. Maybe this is a UK number that just looks really long. Try this one. Oh, my favorite, the UK ring. The international ring. I never liked that ring. 
Uh, hello, Colonel hello. Nigel Fabersham here. Can I speak to Serge Pond, please? Yes, Serge speaking. Uh, hello. Um, uh, I'm doing a uh, an article here for the uh, London Daily Mail uh, regarding uh, your your claims against poker stars and their very, very uh, unethical behavior, according to um, the press release I read about you. Um, mm-hmm. Are you alleging that uh, they have engaged in uh, unethical behavior to uh, to bring addicted gamblers over to their site? Is that what you're trying to say by your um, your website? That you okay. Have? So what I, what I'm saying is that poker stars is involved in uh, illegal activities globally, and it's involved um, uh, gambling advertising in countries where it's not allowed. For example, uh, Russia. Uh, France, Germany, and also, and I can back up this accusation, of course, with the data. And the second, uh, the poker stars, again, involved in uh, money laundry, and I can back up this uh, statement as well. Uh, within two hours, I'm going to be in high court where uh, poker stars is trying to sue me. So uh, I can send you more information after the the court if you would like to. Is is this why the uh, the, the site you had uh, poker dot wtf? Is that why it went down because you were um, a bit uh, concerned that they were going to uh, file a lawsuit against you? No, I wasn't concerned, and I really wanted the website to be alive. But uh, PokerStars um, solicitors contacted um, uh, internet provider, and they forced to block the site. Ah, bollocks. So, so what they did here is they, uh, they, they called up the internet provider and they said, this is, all, this is all a bunch of nonsense and you have to um, take this tripe off the web right away and the, and the internet provider listened and shut, the, shut it down. Now, now, wouldn't you say there's plenty of providers out there that um, can, mm-hmm. you can write anything you want and they won't take it down? Now, why don't you sign up with one of those? Like even, I think even GoDaddy allows you to just write what you want. Why, why don't you just sign up over there? Uh, this is what uh, I'm planning to do after the uh, after the court to continue uh, revealing information because I only started to reveal information. Um, uh, but because I had this domain, poker.wtf, I tried to transfer it. So basically it was a technical uh, difficulties to transfer the data from one provider to another, but uh, work in progress. All right, all right. Um, so... Uh, um did you uh, did you work for them at one point? Is that how you know this information? Yes. So I uh, started to work with them in December, and um, it was a very tough decision for me because I never worked in gambling. I worked in SEO for 14 years, and I only decided to join them because poker is very competitive. So it, it was my ambition. I wanted to prove that I can also you know, win the, the traffic and positions in, 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 in poker. But during my work, I discovered that unfortunately, poker stars are not what they are trying to show to the world that they're criminals. So I started to investigation, which led me to, you know, to, to those findings. So, so, so you didn't now see some are accusing you. I, I've, I've spoken uh, to the, the other side of the matter. Uh, they're accusing mm-hmm. that you have, um, entered this campaign against them because uh, they terminated your, your employment with them, and that's why you're, you're angry at them and you're trying to make them look bad. You're telling me that uh, you decided on your own to leave because you were unhappy with the work you were doing. Is that what, is that what you're trying to say? Uh, uh, I decided to... I was extremely successful during my 
work. So I led um, in a lot of new clients. I, I I generated massive traffic. So a lot of new people sign up for PokerStars in many countries. So I felt responsible because uh, PokerStars misleading those people. So this is why I start my campaign. All right. Yes, but, but I'm trying I, to ask though. You, yeah? you you quit there. They didn't fire you. Is that what you're trying to say? No, 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 no. I was dismissed after two months of. Uh, uh, so I had an I had an investigation. So uh, and uh, after two months of internal audit, where I tried to, I have spoken to company uh, official and uh, spokesman. Uh, so I had Michael Hazel and Eric Holreiser. I thought that uh, what PokerStars is doing is only uh, it done in our department. So I thought maybe top management is not aware of money laundering and uh, and the other illegal activities. So, but uh, as I understood, they've been aware. So yes, I was dismissed. So, so you're telling me you, you were dismissed? If, I, if I'm trying to understand here um, what's going on, yeah. you say you were dismissed yeah. because you became aware of things they were doing wrong and you brought it to their attention and then because you were looking too much into what they were doing, they, they let you go. Is that is that what happened? Uh, yes, we can call it with one term. So uh, blow, blow whistle. After I, after I found the information about bribery and the money laundry i was dismissed after two months of uh, investigation bollocks all right uh, so all right so uh the question is uh what what is the most serious allegation against them i know you said that they're they're running the site in in countries where they're not allowed to do so but you know i, I to be honest here if they're not actually stealing money from anyone if they're just running it where people technically aren't supposed to play it's to me it's not that big of a deal is it is there something you have that's more damning against them than just doing that of course so um i would like uh, to mention that several years ago it was a, a big case united states versus Scheinberg, where uh, PokerStars were accused and uh, uh, they lost license in the United States and they paid a fine of... You, you can Google, you can yes, see I, more. Yes, I, I know about the story. Yes, I'm aware of it. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, money laundering. So, I I discovered facts of them money laundering. You're saying today, not not just back in 2011, you're saying that today they're still... No, running... now. Now. Yes, right. I'm saying now, so... This right. is, I believe, quite big accusation. Okay, so, so a part of illegal marketing activities. So when you think operating the site, I'm saying they're not just operating the site; they are uh, doing marketing activities where it's forbidden for them because they don't hold a license. Is the second thing. All right, and and now, are you asserting? I saw in the press release, are you asserting that poker is only a gambling game? There's no skill involved because you know I I had played some on Poker Stars in the past. <laughs> I, I didn't yeah. do very I didn't do very well. I, I I kept losing, and every time I my um I, I had a flush, and then the board would pair on the river, and I'd lose to a full house. I'd say eh, bollocks. The site equals a joke. I kept typing site equals joke every time this happened to me, and I was very unhappy about the matter. And I thought you know. Either it's rigged against me, or or perhaps uh, it's just pure gambling, and and the fact that I'm better than these other players doesn't matter. So, are you trying to assert that my feelings about this, of why I lost the money in PokerStars, are you trying to assert that my feelings were correct, and that uh, it's just completely a, a gambling game? There's no such thing as skill. I have to be very careful with my statement. So, I've done the research during during my investigation, done the research. And I provided a lot of evidence, and you can see the cached uh, copy, or I can send you the research itself, showing that poker is, is is game of luck, not game of skill. 
and uh, there are a lot of uh, negative comments about that poker stuff is uh, software is rigid and i would like to 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 mention to you that there was a couple of years ago was a case against another poker giant where it was a god mode enabled where where it doesn't matter what card you have that the, the, the poker company was um um reached but i cannot confirm that poker stars online software is rigid or it's hacked or or it has a god mode but i can confirm that poker is is game of luck so it it's gambling it's pure gambling they advertise themselves as a game of skill but it's not all right now now so um you know i actually know the you know the the, the Incident you're referring to, which is the the God mode, it, it was known as a super user, and I actually know the individual who who coined that term, so I'm I'm quite familiar mm-hmm. with that story. Um, but um, mm-hmm. but the the how do you assert that it's a game of luck if if there's certain people who win quite frequently in poker, not just online, but if you take someone like like Phil Helmuth or Daniel Negreanu who've who've mm-hmm. won millions mm-hmm. of dollars playing poker tournaments live, uh, how do they do so if it's all luck? Are they just the luckiest people in the world? Uh, this is um uh, I, I would like I would like to quote in a lot of instances where uh famous players winning they are claiming this is their skills. When they're losing, especially uh the guys you mentioned, I have a quote of them saying it's luck, this is why they lost. Um famous players saying they constant war with luck. If if you want, uh, I can send you the research where they all quote. I cannot say them from top of my head, but I have a lot of quotes of famous players who hold the the, the, the bracelets that the champions of the world that they're saying that they lack here. Yes. All right. So so you feel that these, the people who've won multiple bracelets, like Phil Helmuth, who's won fourteen bracelets, he's just been perhaps the luckiest player. That he just he isn't that good. He's just yeah. very lucky. All right. All right. Uh, now. This, yeah. No. Of course, they hold certain skills, but it doesn't. Nobody, I would like to say, nobody knows what card going to be next on the river. Even strongest hand could be beat, and you can see that it was a, once a champion where uh, championship where it was ninety three percent of chance of guys winning against seven percent, and the guy with seven percent won because river changed everything. Yeah, well, you know, I, I can relate to this because in 2008, I played in the World Series of Poker main event, and there was a girl at my table whose name was Tiffany Michelle, and, and this bird mm-hmm. this bird was a fucking nonce, you know, she was, she had no clear what she was doing, and, and not only did she knock <laughs> me out of the tournament, but she made all the way to 17th place, and I said, how did she do this? She was a reporter for Poker News, and she, she knew nothing about the game, and yet she, against all these great players, she, she gets all the way down to 17th place out of like 8,000 people, and I said, there's something wrong here. How, how can Tiffany Michelle get this far? If it's not just all luck, and I, 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 this was starting to really, you know, it, it was really starting to boil my blood. All right, so, um, so okay, let's um, let me ask you a few more questions. Uh, yeah. It says it says your name is Serge Pond. Uh, is is that actually your real name, or is Pond maybe is it an abbreviation for a longer name? Okay, so uh, it is real name as I change it for uh, English. Um, I've been here about seven years. So I have to shorten my name. I can spell you my full name, but it's unpronounceable. And, uh, it's unpronounceable. How, how, how many letters is it? Oh, it's it's many letters, but it's very difficult for English-speaking people to wait, pronounce. Wait, it together, how about so. you pronounce it for me here? And I, I'm just gonna I'm going I'm going to judge whether it's unpronounceable. How about you just pronounce the okay. name? Okay. 
Sure. My full name is Sergei Ponomaryov. That is pretty difficult. And surname. So, are you from Correct. Russia? Is that where you're from? I'm, I'm from Soviet Union. I was born in Soviet Union. Okay. I'm from Latvia, and I'm Russian Latvian. Okay. All right. So, uh, so now, so so you plan to to forge on forward against these um, uh, against poker stars. You're, you're not deterred by the legal threats. You're going to go forward with what you're doing. You just got to get a new website going. Is that is that what's going on here? Yeah, so I'm going to visit the court today, and I'm going to uh, reveal information in front of the court. I was in shock that a poker staff organized a private hearing. So it's not the first time the court uh, meeting will happen about this issue. So I wasn't invited to the first uh, uh, meeting, and the poker staff managed to, you know, to 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 give their side of the story. And today I have a chance to to reveal more information, and I'm I'm going to reveal the rest uh, of information to the world. I have contacted um, several organizations uh, regarding this, and uh, hopefully, hopefully people will be aware. And uh, I, my ultimate aim is um, to ban pokestas in in the countries where I. Um, generate a lot of traffic and new clients for them. So I feel responsible. So I, I hope I will be able to achieve it. And so far, I managed to block two of their domains in Russia. Oh, man. Is that, you know, there's a, there was an individual in the United States who uh, engaged in a similar war against PokerStars. He was known as Yebsite, and uh, he actually owned pukerstars.com not pokerstars but p-u-k-e-r-stars.com and he, mm-hmm. they, they, it was really a headache for them and um, I, I don't know if he still owns it but um, you, you may want to uh, look up Yebsite and uh, you may want to okay. he's, he's kind of a kindred spirit you, to you I think he was a, he, he's, he's been saying this for many many years so I, you, you would look up let me see what happens if you go to pukers I haven't actually thought of that in quite some time let me see if I go to pukerstars.com where does it go um, no, it's just a placeholder page. Well, I'll, I'll try to locate him for you. He's a bit difficult to find these days, but um, mm-hmm. you know, with all the cyber squatting and stuff. But uh, all right. So, so, but you were were you a direct employee of PokerStars, or were you a were yeah. you a direct em- okay. direct employer and uh, PokerStars operating in United Kingdom under the uh, name Halfax Media? So it's set up to show for license purposes, as I was explained. So Halford's Media is part of Amaya. So I was um, employee of, of um, uh, Halford's Media, which is PokerStars, employee of Rational Group, and employee of Amaya. All right. Well, this has been very eye-opening. I'm going to um, be following this up. And uh, you know, please let the public know when you've uh, come up with a new website. Um, you, know, it's, uh, mm-hmm. I'm, you, know, you shouldn't fall too much in love with poker.wtf. Now, I have to admit that it's, it's kind of catchy. You know, you say like, what the fuck? It's poker. You know, poker.wtf is very creative, but I didn't even know that WTF could be a, a, a domain suffix that one could use. But, um, mm-hmm. uh, but, but you know, there's other things out there. You know, uh, I, I can't, I'm not really good at thinking of this sort of thing, but I'm sure you could find another good uh, domain to catch people's eyes and, uh, and, and get the story out. So you, you may want to uh, give this another try. Yeah. I will do. Thank you very much. I have um, uh, one more piece of information maybe you'll be interested. Yes, because, go ahead. Uh, go several ahead. years ago, FBI was involved. So uh, oh. I have contacted FBI in London. So I'm in, in contact and I agree that I will provide the information about my laundering to them that, uh, because PokerStars now is trying to get the United States license again. So yes. I thought that uh, FBI will be interested again. 
Yeah, I've, I've become aware of that. I know that they've, they're trying to get a license in New Jersey and, and Nevada and, mm-hmm. and California as well. I know there's a big battle going on over in California regarding yeah. the, the license. All right. Well, I think this is uh, eye-opening, and uh, thank you very much. Uh, Tally Hope. Uh, thank you very much. Let's get on with it. Goodbye. Okay. All right. So that was, uh, that was Serge. <laughs> Actually, this wasn't an expensive call. I hate someone in chat is saying this has cost me a lot of money. I should probably say that because uh, it will make you guys think that I spend a lot of money on this show. It wasn't free. I thought Skype to the UK is supposed to be free. It turned out it was a UK number, and it just it had like a contact number, but it just it didn't have a country code, and I just guessed it was UK, and I was right. After first thinking that it may have been Kazakhstan with no country code. Anyway, I, I threw a UK country code there in front of it, and it worked. But it charged me like it charged me a dollar seventy nine to call him for this whole thing. So I guess I guess I don't have free calls to the UK. But I, I guess it was worth a dollar seventy nine. I hope it was. I hope it was worth a dollar seventy nine. If, if it wasn't, then I guess I wasted a dollar seventy nine. But I, I spent something here. You know, that people give me a hard time for not spending money on this show. I just spent $1.79. I hope that atones for the fail I had earlier with the internet connection. All right. Uh, the Bicycle Casino. This is the last poker topic. Then I'll go on to talk about some non-poker stuff. It's after midnight, by the way. The Bicycle Casino has ditched their Quantum Reload format for the main event only. I I thought it was for everything, but then KevMath corrected this for me. Uh, For the uh, WPT Legends of Poker main event, they've done away with it. Now, the problem with the quantum format, I'll explain what that is and why they call it that. They call it quantum format because uh, you kind of can place yourself forward in time in the tournament given enough money you might wonder how one could do that how can you place yourself forward in time in a poker tournament so this this is kind of the way you would do it Quantum Leaping. I was hoping for an oh boy in there. Remember the show Quantum Leap? I used to watch that all the time. It was a good show back in the late 80s, early 90s. So this is a quantum tournament, not Quantum Leap. And I'll I'll explain how this works. As soon as I heard about this, I thought this is ridiculous. How is this? There we go. Quantum leap. So, here's how the quantum tournament works. If you want, you can just buy into the tournament normally on day one for $3,700. But, Let's say you busted day one and you want to keep on playing. 
Well, you can either rebuy for another 3700 or you can buy into day two for 10k and then start with a lot more chips. So basically, you're buying into an average stack on day two without having to play at all, which is different than buying a starting stack and just entering day two, which pretty much almost exists in the World Series now, sadly. But here you can actually buy yourself into chipping up. You really can buy a bigger stack for day two. You can just buy into an average stack of day two. You don't have to play day one. Just get average stack day two. Yeah. So, obviously people were angry about this because it really benefits those with deep pockets. It allows people to buy victories. Uh, It also allows players who have deep bankrolls to play very aggressively on day one where the goal is either to finish with an above-average stack or bust. Because if they bust, they now can come into day two with an average stack. So the worst-case scenario is you come into day two with an average stack. The best-case scenario is you come in with a huge stack. So if you know for sure that you're going to buy into the day two with an average stack, if you don't finish an average stack, then you should gamble. Then you should play crazy. There's no point to just survive. And, and hope that later on in the tournament you get lucky and chip up. You you just play crazy, hope to chip up, and then uh, if you don't, you can just always buy into day two with the average stack. It, it's a terrible idea. It just it gives an advantage to those who have money to burn. And some people countered with, okay, well, if these people want to waste money on this, let them. But it's not the same thing. Tournaments should be an endurance contest. It should be where you earn where you are. And this, I've complained about this with the World Series, too, where they let you buy in like nine hours into the tournament with a full stack. You don't get extra chips, but you get to buy a full stack, which means you, you essentially get to buy out of the first nine hours uh, as a break-even player. Because you, if you were to buy into a beginning of tournament and just not play any hands, you wouldn't have your starting stack. You would, you would blind off. So when you come in nine hours late with a full stack, you've basically bought into a break-even situation in the tournament and just need one lucky double-up to be above average. And if you don't care about money, then you're happy to do that. Then you don't have to waste the time to do it. If you win a poker tournament, you need to spend the time from beginning to end. You should not be able to buy into a later stage, even if you're willing to put up extra money. Even if you're putting up more money relative to the chips you're getting, it's still not fair because it's taking away the time factor. It's allowing the people who have more money to skip the early stages and also to give themselves an insurance policy to play super aggressive. Because in a tournament, the reason a tournament is different than a cash game is that if you bust a tournament, you're supposed to just be out. But uh, here you're not. Here you're either going to run up a big stack or you come back average the next day. So they did away with this for the WPT main event. But apparently, according to KevMath, who I'm sure is correct, they are still allowing this in their Mega Millions event earlier in the series, which is pretty weak. Alan Kessler, as you might imagine, was very unhappy about this. Alan Kessler is a purist as far as poker structures go. But I totally agree with him. This is awful. This is not a new thing. 
they introduced this either one or two years ago, but it's uh, it's bad. They, they shouldn't have these things which allow richer players to avoid the grind at the beginning of a tournament. And unfortunately, it's getting more and more that way at the World Series. I really wish the policy was just everyone starts with the stack on level one, and then it blinds off. And if you come in late, then you get a somewhat blinded off stack. Maybe give people an hour or two to enter with a full stack. After that, start blinding them off and, and come up with how much people would have blinded off by then and take that off their stack. That'll stop the late entries. That'll force the people who show up very, very late and take a shot into playing a full day like the rest of us. All right, let's get to the uh, next topic here, which I think is a non-poker topic. It is. I want to talk about uh, porn star slash hooker Jenny Anderson. In fact, maybe we'll call her. We're making a lot of calls tonight, so let's let's call Jenny Anderson if we can get her phone number. Jenny Anderson for those of you that don't know, was once a mild-mannered... Okay, not so mild-mannered, but she was a Long's Drugs employee. Long's Drugs is a California-based drugstore. And she worked there at, in fact, their home store in Walnut Creek, California, in the Bay Area. Never he, remember him, Dan Baba? One of the biggest degenerates to ever be on our site. I don't even know where he is right now. He's been in a lot of trouble. But Never Heeb was taking out personal ads. And she responded to one of his personal ads. So they met, and I guess they hit it off moderately well. And we interviewed Never Heeb about it, and shockingly, she said he told us that... Jenny Anderson, that was not her real name. I think her, what is her real name? See, I, I don't even remember her real name anymore. That's a, I've gotten to know her as Jenny Anderson, but it's not, that's not her real name. I'm forgetting her real name now. Maybe someone could tell me. But the Jenny Anderson raped Neverheeb while he was sleeping. Yeah, that was his claim, that uh, he was just sleeping and trying to get some shut-eye, and she, she jumped on top of him and forced him to have sex with her. Mind you, she's uh, four foot nine and really thin. Somehow this uh, tiny girl forced Neverheeb to have sex with her. So Neverheeb did have sex with her, though uh, he was forced to. He was raped. And uh, pretty soon she got to know Brandon through uh, you know, through Neverheeb, and you know, we got to know her that way, and we had her on radio, and then uh, you know, there's some stuff with Brandon. I don't, I don't think Brandon ever had sex with her, but uh, anyway, she ended up transferring from a career at Long's Drugs to pornography. And I guess it was kind of like a, a natural transition for her because she was she was very easy. This girl was a slut. She was like a natural slut, and she figures I might as well get paid for doing it on camera. At least that was her logic. So I think at the age of 19, she started doing porn. Uh, as a lot of porn stars do, she also became a hooker, which kind of makes sense. You could say, you know, that's lowering yourself, but it's it's really not. I mean, if you're being paid to have sex on camera with strangers, 
why is it any different to be paid to have sex with strangers not on camera? It's it's really kind of the same thing. I I think for whatever reason, being a hooker is stigmatized more than being a porn star. But it's really pretty much the same thing. In fact, uh, you could say the porn star is worse because it's actually on camera. At least the the hooker's doing it in private. No one else is seeing it besides the person with her. But it's it's pretty synonymous these days. Usually, porn stars, even a lot of famous and semi-famous porn stars do hooking and just charge a lot of money if depending upon their fame. So now, Jenny Anderson is not a famous porn star. She did do one with Ron Jeremy on a slip and slide. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. God damn it, she removed the page. <laughs> this worked earlier today. I clicked on the page right now to go see it, and it's gone. Let me see if I can get this in Google Cache or something. This, I, I want to see it. I saw it before. I wanted to read it for this show. I was sure it would still be there. It, it disappeared like in the last few hours. Maybe she knows it's on this site. Here we are. Found it in Google Cache. Thank goodness for Google Cache. Jenny Anderson's profile. That has a lot of pictures of her, including uh, well, pretty much everything. A naked picture, an ass picture, a tit picture. Um, here's the bio. Ready to meet her fans. If you're looking for, and yours spelled Y-O-U-R. If you're looking for that fun, cute girl next door with a great attitude, here she is. You know what they say, that big things come in small packages. Looking forward to meeting you and putting a smile on your face. This is her last tour. She is retiring, so do not miss out on the chance of meeting her. Oh, I see why. The tour is over. I see. She, she removed it because she's done. That's it. She's, she's not a hooker anymore, supposedly. Uh, her last tour was in Secaucus, New Jersey, of all places, from August 25th through September 2nd. So I guess we've all been shut out. <laughs> I guess no, no more Jenny Anderson for us because she's retiring. Secaucus, New Jersey, by the way, is uh, it's within the New Jersey Meadowlands. It's in northern, northeastern New Jersey. So I don't know why her final tour was in Secaucus. But that's where she was. The Meadowlands uh, Sports Complex is also in Secaucus. So uh, I think that the Giants used to play there. I guess they still play there. I guess the Giants and the Jets play there. Wow. I did not know that. The MetLife Stadium is within the the uh, the Meadowlands. Hmm. Well, anyway. Her measurements are 34B, 24-34. She's 4'9 and 89 pounds, which is just crazy. 
Four foot nine, eighty nine pounds. That's like a kid. I mean, she's twenty five years old. Four foot nine and eighty nine pounds. That is just tiny. Her time was either from ten a.m. to ten p.m., where she would do out call for four hundred, and she'd do in call for fifty dollars cheaper from eleven a.m. to nine p.m. I don't know why the hours are slightly different for in call versus out call. She's like, she's willing to go out to you for an extra hour, either earlier or later. For 50 bucks more. Here's some reviews of Jenny Anderson. Here's some reviews. We'll see if we have happy customers or unhappy customers. Jenny Anderson had, uh, I had the pleasure of seeing Jenny a few weeks ago, had to go through some painless re-verification after not using the agency in about a year. This is about the agency that was uh, booking her. I arrived at the hotel a little late, but Jenny was understanding and all ready to go with our short session. She's probably the most picturesque girl I've ever been with. This guy hasn't been with many hot chicks, apparently. A petite spinner with perfect proportions, perfect amount of bust for her size, toned all over, pretty face, nice smile, etc. What's etc.? She lays down some ground rules in the beginning before stripping down and going down some nice BBBJ action. I don't know what BBBJ is. I know the BJ part's obviously blow. I don't know what BBBBJ is. I repay the favor, and then we slip on the rubber for some MIS. Not sure what that is either. I blew my load pretty quickly due to us being so short on time. Altogether, a great session. Just seeing her naked is worth the price of admission alone, though. Great session. I, I hate to tell you, buddy. You could have seen her naked without paying anything on this site. All right, May 21st. Setting up an appointment was a painless process. Two-text system, very nice hotel near airport. Got the second text, went up to the room, and lo and behold, a petite, gorgeous blonde who greeted me with, oh my god, you are tall. I guess everybody is compared to her. Uh, And proceeded to give me a big hug and kiss. Donation on the dresser. A donation. And asked if I was okay to take a shower and freshen up, and we were off. So I I guess this guy smelled bad, and she made him take a shower. (laughs) I know some of the hookers require this, but that's kind of funny. Like the other guy didn't mention it. She, this guy probably showed up and like smelled bad. And she's like, uh, is it okay if you take a shower? Unless he, unless he meant to her taking a shower. I, I don't know. All the adjectives apply. BBBJ, CIM, CG, reverse CG. I know CG's cowgirl, etc. What made this one stand way out from the rest was her absolute dedication to my satisfaction. Woo, did she ever... If she comes back to my area, we'll most assuredly repeat. Thank you, Jenny, for a great morning. Couple of tats, a little metal. Hmm. Okay, this is the last one. This is from May 7th. Actually, there's there's a few more. I'll read the May 7th. It'll quit. Okay, I'm going to try to keep the review short and sweet, just like the sexy hottie I saw this past Sunday night, LOL. I've been craving for a spinner. What is a spinner? Why don't I know these things? For some time now, and Jenny Anderson is the definition of a true spinner. I've seen her videos before, but she is more petite in person. Like always, set up with Jessica was a breeze. Who's Jessica? Is she using a different name? I, I don't know. Uh, since I've seen her ladies before, I guess Jessica's like her, her madame. Madam. Uh, got to a three- to four-star hotel in Edison, New Jersey. That's where Tom Dewan's from, by the way. And Jenny met me at the door with jeans and T-shirt. Very GND-looking and cute as a button. GND's girl next door. Fellas, she's tiny but not a little person. <laughs> He's saying that she's not a midget. 
She's really 4'11", if that, but beautiful and very friendly. She's exactly in her as in her picks, but better. Blonde, petite, and hot. She made me feel welcomed as soon as I got in the door. We exchanged pleasantries, and then I discreetly put the donation down on the table and headed to take my shower. As soon as we got to the bed, she stripped down to reveal the most tight, hot, and petite body I've ever seen. Awesome. After we briefly discussed what to do, what her do's and don'ts were, we were off to the races. No FIV or FIA or Greek. So I know Greek is up the ass. I don't know what FIV or FIA is. LFK, DFK, DATY was re- well received except she was trying to stay quiet. I know DATY means you can go down and dine at the Y. I don't know the, the LFK and DFK. I know JFK and RFK, not LFK or DFK. Uh, not sure if I got her to O, meaning orgasm, but she was enjoying herself. Next, it was a very sensual and wet BBBJ with good suction and some attention to the boys. Jeez. After a while, I couldn't take it, so I had her cover me up, and then it was doggy, mish, and then some cowgirl, and then I came during mish with some passionate DFK. Oh, I think it's French kiss. That's what it is. Um, deep French kiss, I think I was trying to say. We cleaned up, rested, and chatted a bit about her brief porno career. Then it was round two with pretty much the same activities, only this time I came during doggy. Cleaned up, gave each other a nice hug, and kissed goodbye. I left very happy. Nice way to end the weekend. Gentlemen, she's an absolute keeper. Loves to please and is a great conversationalist. I'll definitely plan upon seeing her again. She's another porn star to add to my list, LOL. Have fun with her, guys. Thank you, Jessica, and thank you, Jenny. Everyone likes her. Before this, she called herself Brittany. I see that, like, in April, she was Brittany. Hmm. Every single review here, there's like seven of them are good. I guess Jenny Anderson, if you're going to get a porn star hooker, I guess she was a, a good situation, but she, uh, isn't working anymore, I think. Yeah, I don't think we can get a number for her because this is this is Google Cash. Yeah. Oh well. I guess we won't call her. But Maybe Brandon has a number for her next time he comes on. 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. see who texted me. No one. Thank you, guys. Thank you for nobody texting. I appreciate that. Apparently, Morton Downey did his show from Secaucus. You know, I don't like Morton Downey Jr. He was a ripoff of Wally George. He he literally ripped off Wally George. The two were friends, and he liked what Wally was doing, and he, he ripped it off and did it on a bigger scale. That's right. Her name was Julia Hare. That was it. That's right. See, Lou Father remembers better than I do. Okay, so so here's some definitions I got from the chat room. BBBJ is bareback blowjob, meaning no condom. Yeah, I, I hate condom blowjobs. Those are terrible. 
I once had one, not not from a hooker, of course, but I I once had a girl who, you know, it was early in dating her, and she wanted to do a condom blowjob, and I'm like, well, all right, I guess I have to. And I guess if it's the only way, it was not good. There's no point. There's no point. So BBBJ means she does a blowjob without a condom. Uh, a spinner is a small petite woman. And it's uh, called that because it's from the possibility that they could be spun around on top of a guy while having sex. DFK is deep French kisses, I guess. LFK is light French kiss. Uh... Let's see here. Is there any others I didn't know? Yeah, there's some other terms I didn't know. Whatever. So that's what she's up to. Or not up to anymore. I guess tonight was her last night. And she quickly took it down off the site. I'll give her that. She just, boom, was gone. After the night was over. Uh... When some people saw the porn she did, she kind of had the roast beef problem going on down there, which she was pretty young, too. Like, to be, like, 20 at the time or 21 and have the roast beef going on already. I mean, it's one thing if you're 40 and gotten around and you got the roast beef, but you're 20, you got the roast beef. That's, that's a bad sign. That's, that's too early to have that happen. Sometimes I've... Like, even just avoided looking. And again, I've never been with a prostitute, but I sometimes have avoided looking so I don't see the roast beef and have it turn me off. Because it's, a, it's one of these things, if you don't see it, then it doesn't hurt you. <laughs> it's one of these things, if you don't look and you don't know, it's, it's fine. But yeah, I, I saw it on Jenny Anderson, not in person, but I saw on the porn she was in, and it wasn't very impressive. She did a porn where she was in some backyard and ran up to one of those slip and slides, you know, those yellow slip and slides that kids go on in the sprinklers. She ran up to it, slid all the way to the end of it, and then when she stopped moving, Ron Jeremy's sitting there with his big fat gut out there and with his penis that can't even get hard anymore. He's like holding in place so it stays up and it ends up in her mouth. She like slip and slid into his penis. That, that's what I remember. Really, that's the only thing I remember about her porn. I think it made like some kind of weird sound too when they were having sex. It was like, it's not, not even like that. It sounded like hitting a table. Like, yeah, it was more like that. You get it. All righty. Let, let's see what else we got tonight. The Ashley Madison hack. Let's just make this all like the, the sex show here. I wrote a blog on toddwittellis.com that you can go read about what the Ashley Madison hack proved. And basically it proved that women are not online looking for casual sex. They're not. There's a few, but but very few. And you may say, you don't know what you're talking about. Of course there are. I've, I've had sex, I've had one-night stands with women all the time, you may tell me. 
You may tell me about all the different online conquests you've had and how easy it was. So obviously there have to be horny women looking for sex online. But there are not. Not many. So how did you manage that? How do other people you know manage that? How have I managed that? Well, because these women are not online explicitly looking for casual sex. They are just willing to engage in it with a guy that they otherwise like. And that's a big difference. There's a big difference between just having sex with strangers with with no connection whatsoever and having sex with someone that you have an initial connection with. To you, a guy, it may not matter, but if you're a woman, it really matters. If you're a guy, especially if you're single, and an attractive woman approaches you and wants to have sex with you, uh, you're unlikely to say, oh, let's get to know each other better first. You're going to go, okay, let's go and do it. But women are not like that. Women want to feel some kind of connection first. It doesn't have to be a long connection, but it has to be a connection. The problem with sites like Ashley Madison or Adult Friend Finder is that these sites are explicitly to meet for sex without any kind of uh, personality connection. You're basically just getting together for sex. The whole point of Ashley Madison is it's about sex. You're not going to have a relationship because you're married. You just want to have sex on the side. So women don't want to sign up for that. Ashley Madison was a scam. Ashley Madison pretended like they had a lot of female members. They never gave a number, but it was implied there were a lot of females on there. Even when the hack occurred, it was shown that there were 5.5 million female members and 31.3 million male members. So while that's not the greatest ratio, it's about uh, it's, it's more than 5 to 1. It's about 5.5 to 1 males to females, but that's not awful. It's bad, but it's not awful. So it'll take some effort to meet a girl on there because you're competing with uh, five, four and a half other guys for every one of you. Yeah, basically five and a half guys to every one female. But you don't have to beat out that many guys as long as you, uh, you're more interesting than six guys on average you're going to get laid on there. If this is true, if there were really 5.55 million female accounts, but there were not. There, the accounts existed, but the actual people behind them did not. These were fake accounts. An analysis was done by someone on Gizmodo, and they came up with a very disturbing figure, and that was there is a flag, or a database entry actually, that showed when the last time each account had checked its messages. So if you went on Ashley Madison and checked your messages yesterday, it would say checked on September 1st, 2015 at 8.15 p.m. That, that timestamp would be on there. If you never checked your messages, if you just created an account and never once looked at your messages, then the field would be blank. So... Someone who analyzed the data found that 20.2 million men had checked their messages on there at some point. But only 1,492 women did. 
That's crazy. Out of 37 million users on the site and 5.5 million females, only 1,492 ever checked messages there? Now, some people are doubting those numbers. Some people are saying that's just too low. There's no way it could be that low. But if this is true, that means that there were 13,586 men for each woman that was actively using the site. So pretty much if you were looking to get laid, you weren't going to, unless you were one of the lucky uh, guys uh, out of 13,000 plus that were competing for each woman that was actively using the site. Now, there's been other articles since then disputing this, claiming that this was computed in error. And then in reality, there really were 5.5 million women on there. But that 700,000 were lesbians looking for other women. (laughs) And that uh, about 70,000 of them were bots. But that the remainder of of 4.75 million or so were real. I I don't believe that for a second. Uh, The article didn't even mention how many were active of those, which is also important. How many were actively using their accounts or how many just created what I call one and done accounts where they just go on once to take a look at it and never come back. Or fake female accounts where someone just puts female randomly because they're never really going to use the site seriously when it may actually be a male. Or females that make accounts to see if they can find their boyfriend or their husband on there. And if they can't, they never come back. But are not really making the account to have an affair with anybody. But whatever it is, it's pretty convincing to me. And and the same data was shown, not to this extreme, but uh, the same concept when Adult Friend Finder was recently hacked earlier this year. That it's a sausage fest. It's pretty much all guys. The active users are pretty much all guys. And the only women interacting with them are bots. Bots are automated programs that just like uh, the one talking to me tonight. I forgot her name already. Uh, Anita Doyle. Here, I'm going I'm to tell Anita right now that I'm single. Yes, I am. I just told Anita Doyle I'm single. Let's see if she answers me. She probably will because I don't think computers go to sleep. But uh, they had bots like this Anita Doyle who's talking to me tonight on Skype. And they would keep these guys going on Ashley Madison and keeping them paying. The 70,000 bots interacted with tons of guys on there and would string them along. But of course, these bots were not real women. These were computers. And Ashley Madison set them up to mislead guys into believing girls were talking to them, which again indicates that there were almost no females because if there were enough females to go around, they wouldn't need these bots. Let me tell you about my experience in chat rooms. And I'm not just talking about back in the 80s and 90s, even after that. You know, there was... uh, Time in the 2000s, I was using them as well. And I I was part of them for many years. And I got to notice as the years moved on and the technology changed that certain basic facts remained the same. I did realize that there were indeed a lot of lonely and in some cases sexually charged women in chat rooms. But they did not see themselves that way. They didn't see themselves as sluts or easy girls or ones that are going to have sex with any guy at any time on any night. They saw themselves as just normal women 
who are not easy. And each of these women, no matter how easy they actually were, wanted to believe that they were not in the chat room for casual sex. Not one of them ever admitted, I'm here to fuck. Not not one, because they weren't. They were there to just talk. Even if they were lonely, they were there to talk and meet men, but not for casual sex. Even if they were willing to have sex very quickly, they were not there for sex. They were there to talk, to get to know you, and if they like you, then they'd have sex with you. If you attempted to approach these women, even the really easy ones, with overt sexual come-ons, or if you sent them explicit pictures right off the bat, they would reject you. They'd call you a pervert. They'd ignore you. They'd block your account. But if you approached them with respect, didn't bring up the topic of sex right away, talked to them normally, they would bring up the topic of sex themselves. And then once you'd respond to them, when they'd bring up the topic of sex, then, then you could go from there and then it would come to, you know, hey, you want to meet tonight? And then it would happen. That's how it worked in chat rooms. If you did it that way, you were very successful. You didn't have to be that good looking. You didn't have to be that interesting. You, you just had to play that game. You just had to uh, talk to them normally and give, give them a chance to bring up sex to you. And then go along with it. And then within a short time they say, when can we meet? Now why am I telling you this? Because these women that would have sex with you on the first night you talked to them are the same ones that would reject you if you tried to come to them and say, hey, let's fuck tonight. Hey, you want to see a picture of my dick? No, they, they would reject you right there. And the reason is they want to feel a connection. And that's why women don't use Ashley Madison because they do not get a connection. They don't expect a connection. That's a site for sex. Adult Friend Finder is a site for sex. What about Tinder? How come guys are meeting women on, tw- on Tinder and having sex on the first night? How, how are they successful that way? Why are women joining Tinder if they don't want to have sex on the first night? If they're not there for sex. Well, because they're not there for sex. They think it's a dating app. You may laugh at that, but women think Tinder is a dating app. Men think it's a sex app. But women think this is a way to have a date. Why? Because when you're on Tinder, you're not promising to have sex with anyone. Tinder's just, hey, I'm matched up with you. So Tinder, it's mainly based on looks. And if the person, if the girl likes you, she swipes, I think it's right. Uh, you swipe right if you like her. Pretty much every guy just swipes right every single time and uh, waits to see who gets who swipes him right and then goes from there and picks like, the best and says, hey, you want to go out tonight? If the answer is no, he moves to the next one. But basically, the girls see it as, oh, I'm going to be dating someone tonight who I'm attracted to and I'll see where it goes. The guy's like, ah, sweet, I'm going to get laid. So the guys see it as a sex tool. The women see it as a dating tool. That's why that's why Tinder works is because it's kind of misleading the women. The women believe it's a dating tool when it's not. But an overt sex tool, an overt sex app or site is never going to work. It's always going to be almost all dudes. You may think you're talking to girls, but it's almost always bots or dudes pretending to be chicks and messing with you. 
So if you're joining one of these sites, you see these ads, hey, get laid tonight with horny women that want you, you're not going to meet any. It's a scam. So pretty much any site that promises that. Now what's funny is that Ashley Madison actually has a guaranteed affair option where you are paying extra up front to where they are guaranteeing you that you will have an affair or they will refund you all of your money. And that's for people who are serious about having an affair. The ones who want to make sure it happens. So does that work? And how could it work if there's almost no real women on the site? Well, let me explain the guaranteed affair on Ashley Madison. And that was a scam too. The affair guarantee, as they call it, I think it was $250. I think Josh Duggar bought it. But basically, you spend 250 bucks up front, and you get all your money back after three months if it fails to produce an affair. But again, this looks like mostly a scam because it was filled with a bunch of ridiculous terms and conditions that were very hard to satisfy. Let me read you some of the terms and conditions from the Ashley Madison Affair Guarantee Program, which still exists to this day. Who would use Ashley Madison at this point after what happened? Like, would anyone use this thing? Would anyone use it after all the data was compromised? So, here's some terms for getting your money back through the Affair Guarantee Program, where you're paying $250 extra to have this guarantee. One complied at all terms with the Ashley Madison terms of use. Number two, paid in full the applicable rate for the Affair Guarantee membership package. Three, used your Affair Guarantee membership package to create a profile with a primary photo. Your, your profile and primary photo must have been approved by Ashley Madison within the first 30 days of purchasing your Affair Guarantee membership package. Like, okay. I mean, that, that makes sense so far. It's not that bad. Basically just saying you have to have had a photo the whole time. Four, kept your profile visible at all times during the first three months. Again, reasonable. You can't get your money back if you didn't let anyone see your profile. But here's where it gets ridiculous. Number five, sent a qualifying priority mail message to at least 18 different Ashley Madison members each month for a total of 54. And they put qualifying in quotes. A qualifying mail message must be a priority mail message that you send to a unique Ashley Madison member who has not yet messaged you or or a priority mail message response that you send to a unique Ashley Madison member who has messaged you. A qualifying mail message must be a priority mail message sent through the Ashley Madison service and does not include any other message of communicating such as winks or emails sent outside the Ashley Madison system. So, so basically you have to contact 18 different women a month for three months minimum. And one that has never made contact with you before. That's already getting pretty ridiculous. Number six, sent at least five Ashley gifts per month for a total of 15. I'm not sure what that is, but you have to send, quote, gifts at least five per month. 
and seven instant message with members for at least 60 minutes per month through the Ashley Madison service for a, a total of 180 minutes. So you have, you have to have spent an hour per month instant messaging with members, and I, I don't know if it counts if you message someone and they don't respond. That may be their way out of it. If like nobody responds to your instant messages, then uh, how do you miss instant message for an hour? But you have to do all these things. And you know, believe me, the guys who buy the quote guaranteed affair, they're not going to read all this crap and they're not going to count how many instant messages they're sending and how many Ashley gifts they're sending and how many messages they're sending. It's ridiculous. There's no way. Like, There's got to be very few people who have completed all these terms. And I bet if you do, they still try to give you a hard time as far as refunding you. So what a scam this whole thing is. Oh, by the way, speaking of bots, Anita Doyle responded to me. She said, what kind of girls are you into? You like nerdy girls? Okay, so th- this is the bot communicating with me on Skype who's trying to get me to go to her sex site. Of course, it's a computer. Th- this is the thing that's being used a lot this year to uh, entice guys. And I-, I see this everywhere, not just bots, but this is the thing that's really being used. Back in 1984, around that time, the word nerd was like almost like a dirty word. That's why they had the movie Revenge of the Nerds, where even though they were portrayed as heroes, you were supposed to look at them as socially awkward losers. Lovable losers, but still losers. Smart losers, but still losers. Uh, And even the nerdy girls in there were portrayed as ugly and kind of... uh, Dowdy looking and just not very appealing. Nerdy in 2015 is a different story. Uh, pretty much everyone now wants to claim they're a nerd or a geek because it's it's something that's now associated with being smart, with being tech savvy, with. Uh, Understanding all the latest gadgets and computers and smartphones and uh, being into cool sci-fi stuff. That's what uh, being nerdy is in 2015. It's no longer a derogatory term, especially for girls. See, they realized that uh, a lot of guys wish that girls could relate more to their interests, especially guys who are into what they call nerdy things themselves, guys who are into uh, computers, guys who are into uh, uh, gaming, you know, gamers who play video games on home gaming systems. Uh, a lot of these guys wish they could find a girl who's interested in this stuff as much as they are. And a girl who is interested in this stuff is often very coveted because this instantly means you have something in common that most girls wouldn't have in common with you. So this bot here is trying to say that she's a nerdy girl. So I go, oh, wow, she's not only hot, but she's nerdy. She's into the same stuff I am. And I guess she assumes that, like, uh, I guess they assume that if they're communicating with a guy on Skype, uh, there's a higher chance he's going to be into this nerdy stuff and will be really excited by a nerdy girl talking to him. Pretty clever there, Anita. So I'll say, yes, love them. There we go. See what I get back.
Lou Father wanting a Dudley Booger Dawson shout. Well, you know, I'll give you better than a shout. Uh, the Booger character in Revenge of the Nerds was pretty much recreated on TV show American Dad. The character Snot is not only a, based on the Booger character in Revenge of the Nerds, but it's the same person voicing it. I don't know if you knew that. All right, let's let's get to uh, the last topic. The truth about the crime in the United States. A lot of people from outside of the U.S. are appalled at what's been going on here recently with all these spree killings and high-profile murders. I mean, you had this guy who, in the North Carolina TV station who killed a reporter and cameraman as they were broadcasting and filmed it himself and then posted it to social media. And then we have these spree killings, such as movie theater shootings and school shootings. These mass killings that uh, are perpetrated against innocent people, often who don't even know they were killer. And it really makes it look like the U.S., is a very, very dangerous place that you're liable to get shot down at any time by simply living in this country. By being an innocent bystander. That it's happening all the time. And when are we going to finally stand up and say, no more. No more. We're not going to let this happen to our children. We're not going to let this happen to our citizens. We're going to take the country back from guns. We're not going to let guns do this to us. How many people have to keep dying before we take away the guns, they're asking, especially in other countries. If you take a look at the violent crime in the United States, according to media reports, you would think it's out of control. It's spiraling out of control and that we have to do something before it gets worse and worse, and worse. But guess what? You're being lied to. You're being misled. Crime in the United States, and I'm talking about violent crime, has sharply fallen since 1991. Sharply fallen. And let me find my uh, data on this. Where'd that go? I guess I'll have to look it up again. The violent crime, here's here's a table I found. Listen to this. The most recent data from the FBI shows that per 100,000 people, 4.7 were murdered in the most recent data, which is either 2013 or 2014. 
Five years ago, the murder rate was 5.6. 10 years ago, 5.6. 25 years ago, 8.3. Rape, also down from five years ago, 10 years ago, and 25 years ago when it was at its highest. Assault, same thing. All violent crimes. Per 100,000 people, about 387 were victims of violent crimes in the most recent survey, or not survey, but most recent uh, statistics by the FBI. Five years ago, it was 467 people. Ten years ago, 494 people. And 25 years ago, 610 people. Crime is going down. For 25 straight years, it's been going down. It was actually found in 2013 had the lowest murder rate per 100,000 people in the United States since 1957. And this wasn't just a fluke year. Every year it was decreasing till it got to 1957 levels. Crime hit its worst point in the U.S. in 1990 and 1991. And then it started to go down. Still pretty high throughout the first half of the 90s. And then it started falling sharply. The reason for this is not known. There's been different theories, but nothing that has been proven. And by the way, this is pretty much across all states. There's a few states that have been kind of flat, that haven't gotten better or worse. But... You won't see any states that have risen in crime over this period. They've either stayed the same or gone down. And nationally, they've gone way down. So, how come you never hear about that? How can we never hear about the crime in the United States going down sharply over the last 25 years? How come the media never talks about that? It's always a, we've got to do something about the guns. We've got to stop this. We've got to reverse the trend. No, we don't. The trend is good. I guess 2015 is not off to the best start. I guess 2015 is the first year in a while we've seen a little bit of an increase, but I I think that's an outlier because every year it's been going down since 90 or 91. So... It's not known why it was falling, but crime has been falling. So instead of saying, hey, we must be doing something right, let's figure out what we're doing right and keep doing it, everyone's panicking because of a few high-profile killings. Now, why does the U.S. have more crime, more violent crime, than other first-world countries? And it does. There's a lot more violent crime in the U.S. than other first-world countries. That's true. Why is that? Is it because 
we have access to guns. No. Crime has always been, violent crime, has always been part of the country's culture. The U.S. has not existed for very long. The country only uh, dates back to 1776. And even before that, there was uh, really fewer than 300 years before it was a civilized country at all. There's not much history here. There really isn't. Think of how long countries like England have existed. They have a lot more history. They have a lot more time to have become stable. To where those countries were not uh, experienced the experiencing the violent culture that the U.S. was born from. There was a lot of violence from the very beginning in the United States. Even think of the Old West. Forget what you see on TV or the movies. I mean, that was a very violent place. There, there was a lot of violence from the very start here. And it's just kind of stayed in the culture. You can say, get it out of the culture, but it's not that easy. It's just part of the culture, unfortunately. Not a good thing, but it's true. Now, the one good thing about it is that you can, for the most part, avoid the violence if you pick who you associate with properly, if you don't associate with known violent criminals or date violent criminals, if you stay out of bad neighborhoods, if you don't engage in high-risk behavior with criminals, such as making drug deals in a dark alley. like we, We have some idiots every year who get killed at the World Series of Poker, or near the World Series of Poker, killed or attacked because they're making drug deals. There was a guy who was killed this past year, a deaf guy actually, who was making a drug deal a few miles away from the World Series, and he, he was murdered. Not good that he was murdered, but I'm just saying you, you go out and make a drug deal with shady people a few miles away from the World Series, you know, it's, you get killed, you're kind of asking for it in a way. Not a smart thing to be doing. So you don't behave in that way. You stay out of the you stay out of the firing line, pretty much, so to speak. You it, it's not that there's marauding bands of criminals everywhere in the U.S. that are going to kill you. You stay away from it; it stays away from you, for the most part. If you're careful, you can keep yourself safe in the U.S. Now, you can be a very unlucky victim of crime, no matter where you are. But I'm talking about the vast majority of people. But the problem is, there's no easy solution to this. And if you take away guns from the average citizen then all this will do is embolden the criminals who will still have the guns. The criminals who currently are a little bit afraid to break into a home knowing they could get blown away by the homeowner or are afraid to hold up a business because they could be blown away by the business owner 
Now they know that they have the upper hand. They know they can break in and they have the gun and you don't. There are too many guns out there. If you want to go back in time and start fresh where nobody has any guns, I can understand that argument. But there's too many guns already in the U.S. that will never be turned back in. And if you make it illegal to have them, all that it will accomplish is that the criminals will have guns and the citizens will not. I would not feel comfortable in my home without a gun, knowing that the criminals out there know that I don't have a gun. If you don't have a gun right now, you are protected by the fact that nobody knows you don't have one. The fact that you could have a gun actually protects you. You kind of have a virtual gun in your home if you don't have one because those looking to break in will fear that you do have one unless you're dumb enough to announce that you don't have one. So just the fear that you have one will scare away a lot of criminals from breaking into your home, at least when they think you might be there. So, while gun control may bring down certain types of crime, I believe other types of crime will rise. Now, I would much rather have the peace of mind of knowing I have a gun and if somebody breaks in, I've got a chance to defend myself. I'd rather have that with a with a current crime rate than what's being proposed to, quote, lower the crime rate where I don't have that to defend myself. In fact, I'd probably be one of the guys who'd buy an illegal gun. I wouldn't trust it. I wouldn't trust that uh, this is going to make me safer. But crime's gone down in the U.S. for the last 25 years. Look it up. Violent crime has gone down across the board. So why doesn't the media mention that? It's because it doesn't create the hysteria that they want you to have. These spree-killing and high-profile-killing stories are more interesting if you think it's an ongoing problem in the country. It's less interesting if you think it's just some freak who did something that's very tragic and very eye-popping, but at the same time still a fluke still very uncommon to happen. I've never known anybody in my lifetime who was murdered. I've known people who knew people who were murdered. I've known people who have relatives who were murdered or friends that were murdered, but I've never known anyone personally that got murdered. Not even someone I knew, like, a little bit. It's just not very common if you 
stay out of the circles where that sort of thing happens. Well, I think we're done here. How do I go so long even when I have no co-host? How does that happen? reading the chat room well if you stood if you stayed around all this time live you're a trooper through the some of the fail through all the hours here through the night that we weren't even supposed to be on yeah the ratings right now are not very good I just looked them up not very good ratings right now at this moment but I didn't expect them to be all right for those of you that are here thank you for being here and this is dedicated to Perlod Friedman. That's right. You're a big fat phony. Hey, you know who lives in this house? A great big phony. That's right. A phony lives here. A big fat phony. Alrighty. <laughs> when will the next show be? The next show will be on September 8th, about five and a half days from now, because it's after midnight now, September 3rd, so I should be here on Tuesday, September 8th, maybe we will have Brandon back, maybe we won't, I can't do it next Thursday, so can't delay it till Thursday next week for sure. Anyway, thank you for listening, and uh, I apologize for those cutouts. I'll make sure next week not to have the damn proxy on. But you know, in a way, I feel good because at least I know why it was failing, so it's not going to happen next week. Like I, I kind of feel like next week is going to be the show without fail. I, I have a good feeling about next week. It's going to be a, a show that just goes right through without any problems. I think last week was pretty good, too. I think it was the week before. Yeah, the week before was terrible. Let's not talk about that. Alrighty, well, we had Lyman, we had some weird guy from Russia who did SEO for Poker Stars and got fired supposedly for knowing too much. Ugh, who knows what the truth is? I have to admit, I'm kind of tired. I didn't expect a five-plus hour show. I just, I didn't. I thought this would kind of be three and a half and be done. By myself, no bathroom break, just me and two bottles of water, no co-host. It's not easy. It's not easy here, but I'm bringing it to you, and I'll bring it back to you next week on September 5th, two, uh, September, 5th September 8th, 2015, 7.30 p.m. We'll have a free roll sure we'll have lots of neat new topics for you to discuss thank you for listening text me if you want 775-372-8355 during the week good night and shalom